remember lesson about the balance. Yeah. A lesson not just karate, only lesson for whole life. Whole life have a balance. Everything be better. Understand? <laughs> yeah, I understand. Oh, wow. You're the best friend I ever had. Are you pretty okay, too? Karate. Four. Yeah. Six. Seven. Run from books? Eight. What was that you were doing on those stumps over there? All crane technique. Does it work? If to right, lock and defense. Could you teach me? Half fast learn stand, then learn fly. Nature rule, Danielson. Not the mind. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. Wax on, wax off. Breathe. Into nose, out the mouth. Fear is a sunny day in this dojo, No, sensei! Hey, the sunny day in this dojo, No, sensei! So how do I know if my pictures are right one? If come from inside you, always right on. Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing? Welcome to the 100th episode. This is the episode that everybody's been waiting for. I want to welcome you. And I wanted to give you this little introduction before you get into the real show with uh, Jameson and I. The reason why I'm recording this is, as you'll notice, the episode is quite long. We did joke that we were going to make this like 12 hours long. But in all reality, we really wanted to make it about like three hours long. Just to have a a fun time talking to Karate Kid, have the interview with... uh, My friend, Billy Zapka, which you'll be able to find out later how that all comes into play. And just talk to Karate Kid and most of all, just kind of go down memory lane and talking, you know, the best of the two years of STL. Well, one of the biggest reasons for the length is during this episode, Jameson and I were expecting a call from uh, from Billy. We didn't know when it was going to happen. We had roughly a time set, but you'll kind of hear he calls in and just asks for just a little bit more time, which was totally awesome of him. And then like a minute later, he calls right back and the interview was originally supposed to be 10 minutes long. In fact, it was actually supposed to be an email interview. And when you listen to it, you'll be able to find out why it changed from an email interview to a phone interview. And I just got to say this. Billy Zapka is the biggest class act of a person. Uh, he is mind-blowing. If you are a fan of Billy Zapka, you will become an even bigger fan of Billy Zapka after you hear this interview. He was so gracious and so kind to call his dinky little podcast for a fan of, you know, a movie that he's watched over 500 times. And it's just such awe that is that just happens after the interview. And he is just he's just such a great guy. And I can tell you right now, the interview doesn't last 10 minutes. It goes on pretty, pretty long. You're going to be pretty surprised. He goes on to give us two exclusive things never told before in an interview, which was just crazy. 
And the ending of what he says is just mind-blowing. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm not going to tell you where it is because I don't want you to fast-forward to it. Come on, you got to actually hear the 100th episode. But when it's coming up, I'll give you a little Karate Kid sneak peek sound clip so you get your engines rolling and, uh, you know, you're getting pumped up basically when you hear the sound clip, you'll know, yes, it's coming up right now, you know, so it's going to be a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun and I want to apologize after the interview. We literally spent like 20 minutes not being able to say a word. You're going to hear just like two minutes of that, of just kind of talking how, how fantastic that was. And uh, we kind of lose a little bit of focus. I mean, it's after you hear it, you'll kind of understand why. But I wanted you guys to hear the real emotion that happens in this episode because this is a celebration episode. You guys have been with me this whole time. You guys deserve to hear the behind the scenes of what happens in a podcast. So, of course, I don't, I, of course, I have this edited. I've spent the past three days editing this episode, but I specifically picked moments that I wanted you to hear, hear emotion and just the whole works. I want this to be as real as possible to make this the realest 100th episode, the best present I can give you guys. And that's this episode. And I hope you enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. And uh, it's going to be a good time. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the 100th episode of The Karate Kid with special guest William Zapka. So here you go, guys. Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing? It's the 100th. And of course, I have with me the person that I am so glad is on with me, Mr. America's co-host, Jameson how are you doing, sir? It's the 100th episode, man. We did it, Mike. We're at 100. Oh, let me just say this. There is not one person in the world I would rather have on this show with me than you, sir. That's high praise, my man. Thank you. Man, you are the biggest Karate Kid fan that I know outside of myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say that I'm near you with Karate Kid fandom. Well, we all make mistakes. so <laughs> It's cool, man. You're you're the Star Wars guy. I'm the Karate Kid guy, but... Knowing the fact that this is your second favorite, man, is good enough for me, man. It's all good. This Man, I'm pumped up. This is exciting. We're at 100. We're talking Karate Kid. We got special guests. Oh, it's it's a big celebration, man. I got my party hat on. Oh. This is going to be fun. Man, speaking of parties, it's my birthday tomorrow. I mean, what, it is. What a, what a birthday present then to be recording the 100th episode and to have Mr. William Zapka coming on to talk to us for 10 minutes. I mean, 10 minutes sounds small, but with the questions we're going to load them up with, it's going to be a fun 10 minutes, man. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot like on Saturday Night Live. It's going to be like the Chris Farley show. You, you, you remember that time you were in Karate Kid? That was, that was awesome. <laughs> That's terrible, man. It's going to be 10 minutes of that. That is awesome. But uh, it's true, man. I you know I wanted to hit the 100th episode in June, and I didn't know it would be like, june 4th you know and it's just like may alone man we did the whole rocky series and it's just crazy how fast <laughs> may was know. a crazy month around here man yeah it, it was stl was cranking stuff out uh eight episodes man crazy good times all right sir well uh but since me and you are just going to murder this review uh and just so everybody knows 
Uh, there's a specific time frame that uh, Mr. Johnny is going to be calling in. So he's going to interrupt our conversation, and we are totally cool with that. He can interrupt all he wants. So uh, just to give you a heads up, we'll just say, hey, he's calling. So everybody be on your toes when it happens, and then we will pick up where we left off. So That's right. Uh, are you ready, sir, to roll into some movie and music news for the Big 100? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. All right, sir, what we're going to do is, uh, we've never done this before, but we're going to put music news first. We always do movie news, and then we do music news last. Changing it up. We're changing it up because you told me a news story that I didn't know about, and I should because Linkin Park is, as you know, like my fourth favorite band, and I had no idea. And you gave me a, a big revelation today. What was that, sir? Yeah, man, this surprised me because I assumed that you already knew about this, but... Um, Never seen yeah, I, Right. And, <laughs> and I was kind of upset with myself because um, it involves one of my favorite bands. So it comes out that uh, in February, Stone Temple Pilots fired Scott Weiland for like the hundredth time as their lead singer, you know. And that was kind of it. And this week they announced that Chester from Linkin Park is their new lead singer. They came out. They played a show. Uh, it's up online. <laughs> They've recorded a new song already. Um, and he's he's out touring with Stone Temple Pilots, replacing Scott Weiland. That's pretty wild. Wow. Okay, so here's my biggest concern. What's the status of Lincoln Park then? Well, they talk. I, I read they're talking to. Uh, I think it was Dean DeLeo uh, from Stone Temple Pilots, and he said, "Look, this is awesome. We we love having him. We know Lincoln Park is first in his heart. I think that he's doing this kind of in the downtime." Okay. Um, I'm assuming, you know, but but they are recording, you know, I guess a new album and uh, kind of going from there. But I guess it's more of a side project for him. It's kind of what it sounds like. But he is their new lead singer. And uh, Stone Temple Pilots is quickly becoming kind of a Van Halen where they just <laughs> go go back to the original lead singer, fire him, bring in somebody else. And uh, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, it's it's pretty wild, but it's cool. And, and I did. I got the chance to watch the video of them doing their debut concert i guess and he sounds a lot like scott wyland they're doing the old songs and i really kind of dug the new song okay um, so it's it's interesting I, I i can't wait to hear more i can't imagine chester sounding like scott man that just doesn't well, sound you, right to think me. about a young scott wyland man he was kind of a screamer in his way you know you talk about wicked garden and things like that he had a different voice and uh, it, it is i mean it's a different take on it from what he does but it, it sounds great Excellent. So, as far as like uh, favorites from them, what what's some of your favorite tunes, man? Let the people know. Let the nation know. <laughs> oh man, pretty much, 
pretty much anything off their first two albums I love. I love everything off Purple. You know, uh, Interstate Love Song is a yeah, great one. You amazing. know, from the Crow soundtrack and um, Sex Type Thing and just... I, uh-uh, uh-uh. Big Empty is from the Crow soundtrack. Interstate Love Song <sighs> is there was one of their singles on the radio, but Big Empty is... You're right, Big Empty was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I I love Stone Double Pilots. When they, were, when they were rolling back in the day, they were great. And, uh, yeah, it's cool to see him still still going. That's cool, man. That's awesome news. Good good to hear. Because, you know, the last thing I would want is Chester to leave Linkin Park. Because, right, right. You know, that last album that he did was just awesome. It was well, and, it was so great. And like he said, he goes, man, I've been a fan of these guys since I was 13. Like, they offered me the gig. I got to jump at it, you know, and at least see what happens with it you know i i mean where do you go and you're just like we need a new lead singer i know let's pick somebody from another band that's big and famous and we'll you know i mean where they even come up with that idea to get chester i don't know man but that kind of seems to be the way recently you know you you form these mixing of groups where you get audio slave where you get the rage guys with chris cornell from Soundgarden, and you get velvet revolver with scott wyland and the guys from guns and roses and you just kind of mix and mash former bands together with new lead singers. It's it's a weird deal, you know. It's it's true, man. Um, I mean, I know all about that. I've been seeing that recently. In fact, in other type of genres where they're taking lead singers from other bands and, and putting them in old bands and resurrecting them, and it's just it's crazy yeah. uh, how the music thing is. But hey, you know, it, it's all about the name, I guess, right? So, so what are you going to do? And I got to say, before we get rolling here, I got my Sweep the Lake shirt on, sir. Do you? Yeah. You know that one that I posted in the nation that yeah. has the the two fists and the cobra and stuff? Yeah. I was like, I, I mean, here's the thing, man. My wife washed this shirt and I was like, have you seen my Sweep the Lake shirt? I've only worn it once. I've only wore it once and I need to wear it for the podcast. I have no idea even what it looks like. Because, you know, I just bought it a few weeks ago, but she only saw it once. And there it was this morning. I wake out of bed, and I just look in the right spot, and there it is hanging. Nice. I was like, meant to be, baby. Meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> so that is cool in regards to uh, music news. That's the big one that I wanted to talk about was that uh, good time. So let's move into movie news. Uh, all right, sir. So the last time we talked, me and you had a discussion about the war at the box office. Back, yeah. Furious 6 versus The Hangover 3. And needless to say, since our departure, we found Furious 6 murdered Hangover 3. Ugh, wasn't even close. No siree. Oh, man, they, they killed it at the box office, man. Killed it. Yes, sir. So uh, are you going to give me a sneak peek, sir, at your rating? I mean, I know you got to record this for Movie Mojo Monthly and all that fun stuff, but I want some answers, man. <laughs> I think you owe it to me to give me at least a little taste. Uh, I will I will say this. This is the first line of my review. I'll give you that. That Fast 6 was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> now, you can take that how you think. Oh, man. You're ridiculous. Going back to Rocky 5 is not a good ridiculous. <laughs> so... Are you uh, are you on the Rocky Five side or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. Awesome, I enjoyed it. Okay, I know I was messing with you. you I was sweating you the other day. You were asking me, hey, what, "What would you rate it? What do you think?" I was pissed at you, dude. It, I, what I say, I said, "Is there what what comes between one and a half and two stars?" <laughs> it's true, man. You, you had me furious 
pun intended, man. I was like, look, it's cool. You know, I mean, you and me, we're, we're the fast buds. I mean, it's like, you understand my love. So if you didn't like it, we were, I don't know, man. I, I was going to be heartbroken. We're ways. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know that trip at the zoo next month? It's off. It's off. You can forget the free baby stuff. We're done. That's in the trash, son. Good times. So that's good, man. I'm looking forward to it. You, uh, you're getting together for a new episode when Man of Steel comes out, right? Um, we might be getting one out before then. We're uh, hoping to possibly get one out uh, in the next week. Okay. See, that's yeah. that's how we roll in the hunters. We pimp podcasts, people. That's right. That podcast, by the way, is Movie Mojo Monthly. Yeah. And you got <laughs> you got two new iTunes reviews, sir. Yeah, that was nice, man. I, <laughs> I, I said at the end of our last episode, I'm shaking the trees, man. It's been a while since we got some reviews, and it was it was awesome to see. That uh, we got we got some came through. Yeah, you had uh, John the uh, music man, and then uh, some grumpy person. So that was cool, man. <laughs> Love it. Did you read that one? I haven't. I heard about it. I haven't been on to to read it. Oh, no. okay. yeah. I just read it a few days ago because I was double checking. I was like, let's see if the nation came through. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, there's one. And I'm like, oh, who's that one? I'm like, oh, they mentioned sweep the lake. I like this person. All right, good deal. <laughs> but congratulations, sir. Because iTunes reviews, man. Those are hard to uh, come by. They really are, surprisingly. I mean, you have all these listeners, and it's just like, come on, just rate the show, do something, you know? I know how many people download, and I know how many reviews I have. They don't match up. Uh, you know, I gotta love Jason, man. We, we were just chilling a couple weeks ago. He's like, you know, it just comes, you know, came to my mind. I forgot to leave you an iTunes review. It's like two years later. Oh, here you go, bud. <laughs> It was cool, man. I'm like, every time he comes out with a new show, bam, I got an iTunes review the first day. Nope. What does he do? He waits two years. But it's okay, man. It's all good. You gave me an awesome review, so thank you, sir. Yeah. So, uh, movie back to movie news, sir. Um, and this is more TV-related, but, uh, you know, it's kind of a big deal. Did you hear about the Doctor Who, Matt Smith? He's uh, leaving the show? Yeah, I did. I uh, was bombarded on Facebook about it, yeah. So I've never watched the show. I know it's big. It's a uh, BBC show. A lot of love. A lot of fun. You know, a lot of just, I don't know if it's a cult show, if you will, but just a lot of love on this one. And uh, what's the deal, man? I mean, is this kind of tragic news or what's the deal? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it happens pretty regularly with Doctor Who that they change doctors. Doctor, The doctor goes into a different body, into a different person, I guess. I, I was a big fan of Doctor Who when I was a kid. The Tom Baker Doctor Who was what I loved as a kid. I haven't watched this new series. I've heard nothing but great things about it. And uh, my man David Vox Mullen is getting, you know, he always gets on everybody that they should be watching this. But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess, you know, they're going to have the big reveal on who the new Doctor is for the next season. But um, yeah, it's kind of a thing. They just kind of switch out. You know, David Tennant's there for a little while. They switch to a new guy. And uh, I don't know. It's it's not my show, so I don't know if it's tragic news. But uh, from the outside, it seems like kind of what they do all right no problem so i got two more things i want to talk about and then we can roll in the karate kid because i've been waiting two years to talk to this movie folks after earth me and you discussed offline that we have no desire to see this film i mean I'm, i may dvd it jason i just listened to his review you know uh but i the biggest thing though is it's kind of will smith's first bomb man did you hear about this yeah yeah i had no no um, 
I don't know what the word is. I, I really didn't care if I saw it or not. I'll see it eventually. But for a guy who goes, I mean, I go to the theater every weekend to see the new releases. This was one I was like, eh, I don't need to rush for this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have no desire to see it. I mean, I, I'm with you. I'll go ahead and check it out. Kind of like with my last talk we had about, I don't we're, I don't think you were on that. On the last episode, uh, I talked things I had watched recently, like The House at the End of the Street and Texas Massacre. So you were not, I thought I did that in Rocky Balboa, but it must have been Never Back Down. Right. But, but yeah, it'll definitely be in one of those, once it comes out on DVD, I'll go check it out kind of thing um but yeah it was kind of a bomb for will smith and the dude's never bombed before man i mean it's not like a total tragic failure but it's not will smith numbers you know right and the last bit i want to talk to you about because i haven't actually got your opinion on this but i kind of talked about a little bit redesign of the transformers baby we we got some pictures optimus and bumblebee and uh, i thought optimus looked pretty tough i thought it was cool and then i saw bumblebee and I was like, oh, I don't know about that. A lot of everybody else, though. I seem to be in the minority. Everybody else is digging Bumblebee. But for me, I'm just like, oh, he was so sleek and good looking the last time. But this time, I don't know. So what's your thoughts, man? Have you seen the pictures? What's, what's your... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I kind of agree with you. I, I dig the Optimus. I miss the old cab over style Optimus Prime semi from the, from the originals. But if you're going to go with this kind of semi, I, it looks cool. Um, and yeah, and the Bumblebee just didn't do it for me, you know? I mean, it's a cool car. It looks great, but I, it just doesn't do it for me for Bumblebee. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I don't know. We'll see. I This is another movie, though, that, <laughs> uh, man, why why would you, why would anyone get their hopes up for this movie? I don't know what is coming out or what you've seen that would make you be like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> you know? I can't wait to see what he does with this thing. You know, I'm really surprised they're making another one, man. You know, it's like three. I thought really wrapped things up real nicely. And then you're just all about, yeah, you know, I can't let nobody else touch it. So I'm just going to do it and come back and all this stuff. Yeah. It's just, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why there has to be a fourth, but it's coming. Nothing yeah. you can do about it. All right, man. I think it's time to kill movie and music news for the big hundred. And uh, let's get into our seven-hour review of the Karate Kid, sir. What do you think? <laughs> Man, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Come on. This is it. This is the end of the line. You're telling me. You know, I really think we're going to do good here. I have a very positive feeling. I'm telling you, Daniel. This place is a dump. You should go back to New Jersey. Great it is out here. Well, it may be great for you, but it sucks for me. Are you okay? Oh, just leave me alone. I hate this place. I hate it. I just want to go home. Karate. Yeah. You have to push it. Now you gotta pay. Hey, you ever taught anyone? I promise teach karate. You promise run. I say you do. Oh, I haven't seen you around. Have you been looking? Sort of. Sort of. Wax on, wax off. Don't forget to read. Very important. Wax on, wax off. 
Dojo and drop a challenge and leave old man. You get your boy in the matter, you and I will have a major problem. Name the place. Turner. Is that understood? Yes, Sensei! Yeah, they hate the fight. So karate's fighting, you train to fight. That hurt to you, Dink. No. Then why train? So I won't have to fight. <laughs> I don't have much of a cheering section. You got me? I mean, every time I see those guys, they're gonna know they got the best of me. To win, lose, no matter. You prove a point. Points or no points, you're dead meat. Hey, what kind of belt do you have? <laughs> JC Penny, three ninety eight. How do I even begin to talk the Karate Kid? Wow. 
I'm kinda, I know, man. I mean, it's Jaden, here. Jaden Smith is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I knew you were going there. This is terrible. We need to get serious, man. We're not talking the next Karate Kid. All right. We're not talking Karate Kid 3. Uh-huh. We're talking about the one in 1984. You remember that one? I do. I do. I've seen it. Okay. You have seen it. You remember yes. this, right? Okay. Yep. And what was it about? Uh, the guy from Happy Days is in it. I remember that. Okay. Yep. And then... And... It's such a good movie, too, and I, I should remember these things. Is this one of your guilty pleasures? <laughs> right, right. Karate Kid, man, that's that's number two all time. It's <laughs> so good. All right, well, you guys have been with me long enough. You should know the story, but if you are just tuning in because, you know, we just recently got some new listeners, little history for you. The Karate Kid is a movie that in 1984, uh, as you know, it's my birthday tomorrow. I was born in 79, so do the math. I saw this movie in 84 when it came out. Now, I was the kind of kid who, when my parents wanted me to watch something new, I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. You know, I kind of had a thing and I stuck with it and kind of watched it, you know, as most kids do, especially now that I have kids. And I'm like, are you watching the same episode again? It's like, aren't you getting tired of that? I now understand what my parents used to say to me. So my mom saw this movie at a video store and brought it home and said, you're going to watch this movie. And I threw a fit. I'm like, I don't want to watch this movie. I have no desire to see The Karate Kid. I mean, just, I don't know. I just, I, I can't even remember my reason. And the moment that the movie was done, at that point in my life, it became a ritual where every single day for the next two years, that's correct, 365 days times two, I watched it every single day for two years straight. That became part of my daily routine. And if it was you know, during summer, I'd get up and put it on. If it was after school, I'd put it on after school. That's how much I love this movie. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. And I did that with DC Cab, but it's <laughs> way different. I mean, when people say, you've seen this movie over 500 times, it's like, I'm not lying about that. It's true. It just, I, I was one of those people, and I still am, where, you know, it's hard for me to try something new. You know, when it comes to food, it's really hard for me to try something new. Uh, you know, with movies, obviously, uh, you know, I have a selected taste, and I'm the Karate Kid has a lot of influence on me. You know, I remember... You know, there, there's going to be a segment towards the end of the show of kind of the reminiscent of, a you know, 100 episodes of STL. And there was a point early in the show where Jason was on another podcast and kind of said, well, Masunas is in a time capsule. He's stuck in the 80s and he thinks anything after the 80s is crap. And, you know, and me and him argued for a while. And I don't deny that, you know, looking at it now and everything I've done, it, I've pretty much done the old school movies and stuff. But that's kind of the, the thing that people love about this show. Is yeah, that's, I do, what, that's what I loved about it. You know, it's like, yeah, I do new movies, but that's not my speciality. My stuff is the stuff that I grew up with, you know, the stuff that's really, you know, I'm really attached to. And, you know, I, I definitely agree with them now that – uh it's like I'm not in a time capsule per se to where I think everything sucks because, you know, I mean, you know how much I love movies just in just in general. But this movie has so much impact on my life. It's unbelievable. And I can't wait to talk about it, man, as we go. So what's what's some of your history with this film? <laughs> the Karate Kid, man. I uh, 
I went. I remember seeing the Karate Kid for the first time. My my cousin and I got dropped off at the movie theater back when parents used to just drop their kids on the street outside the movie theater, <laughs> and we just wait in line for movies. And uh, man, I can't. I I would never do that with my seven year old. Right. But yeah, I remember going uh, a Saturday morning. We got dropped off. Went and saw the Karate Kid in the theater, and uh, that was the first time that we ever hung out. And uh, tried watching it a second time. We, <laughs> it was so good, you know. We, we hung out, watched the first twenty minutes. For uh, our parents came and got us, you know, and pulled us. But uh, dude, I was immediately in love with it, you know. Just the the whole story, just the, the the music, you know. I didn't understand a lot of the stuff that was going on at the time, you know. Right. It was just cool, and it was karate, and I was big into karate when I was a kid. And this just got it, just just made it worse, <laughs> you know. I went went home and made a Karate Kid headband, you know. It's I was ready to roll. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Do you know I actually have the headband still to this day? I got the one I made. <laughs> you you got the one you made, so you don't actually have an official Karate Kid. No, I do. Headband. I got one uh, years later when the uh, DVD set came out. I got one. Excellent. Now, did you know that they made a, a blue version and a black version? No. What's yeah. What's black version for? It, it, I don't know. It's weird because, you know, in my eyes, it's blue. I've always seen it as blue. Yeah. But I guess, at and this came out when the Karate Kid 2 was out, I guess Mr. Miyagi has a black version in part two. So they came out with both colors, black and blue. Mm. And it's, you know, it's like in the tournament, Daniel's headband looks, you know, kind of thick. Uh, especially like yeah. when he's laying on the table and stuff and it looks almost black, but I don't know. I've always had the blue one. You know, I had the option of getting the black one. I'm like, no, I'm going with blue because that's the way it is. And it actually opens up and it really is a handkerchief. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's great. It's just folded to look like a headband. And some, you know, preparing for this, as you guys know, I mean, watching this shouldn't be i mean i know this movie inside and out and i mean i literally can just sit there and recite scenes in my head but you know i was watching uh, i was listening to commentary i was watching the blu-ray pop up just get a lot of trivia and stuff and you know this was kind of a mistake it was just kind of a, a handkerchief pat marita had and just decided to you know daniel only wears the headband when it's training so you know its significance hmm. you know and uh that headband is so iconic now and it's it just is. it's crazy and it's blue because all I know is going off of my Karate Kid action figure from when I was a kid, and it's, it was blue. It's blue. I still have that. I have Mr. Miyagi. Uh, I have Daniel for the figure, but I don't have the little um, the secrets of Miyagi, the little roll thing you used to get. And, oh, yeah. See, I just have – all I have now is I have Daniel and I have the referee. Oh, uh, did I had the, the tournament thing, the, yeah. the, the board – Oh yep. man, yep. that was like my Christmas present. I was yep. in total love. I had, I still have Johnny. I have Sato. I have Daniel. I have Mr. Miyagi. I have the referee. But the only thing I'm missing are the uh, extra stuff, like the broken wall, the broken ice, those mm-hmm. extra things that came with it. Those are the things I'm missing. Nice. So, uh, but man, there's no way I'll ever get rid of those. Like the book. Um, which I can't wait when we get Johnny on because there's a certain scene I want to ask him about uh, on the back of the book. Have Have you seen the book? The just like the novelization. Yeah, of the, it? the novelization. Yeah, yeah, I have that. I haven't looked at it in years. If If you look on the back of the book, there is a scene with Johnny holding a pie, talking to Daniel in the lunchroom. I want to know what that's about. 
So they I must have they must have skipped that and then used it in uh, just one of the guys for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. Uh, can you believe this movie, man? It, this for John G. Allison, man. I mean, for me, uh, he peaked here, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this is like his first. Well, obviously, it's not his first movie because he did Rocky. But it's just amazing how much influence is in this movie from Rocky. You know, uh, yeah. what's your thoughts, man? Yeah, it's you know, and like we like we talked about with the with our Rocky series, um, there is a lot of correlation and you can see why they were flip flopping theme songs and all kinds of stuff, because there is a lot, um, in the relationship between the, you know, between Daniel and, and Miyagi and the relationship that you have between like Mickey and Rocky, you know, there's, there's a lot of the same in the adversity that you go through and, you know, it's pretty very, very similar themes in certain ways. All right, so before, and what we're going to do is we're obviously not going to go through the plot because we're literally going to go like scene by scene and just kind of dissect and just reminisce. But before we do that, I just want to talk about each person individually. So starting off with Ralph Macchio, I mean, when I watched this movie, I had no idea who these people were. I didn't know Ralph Macchio. I didn't know Pat Morita, Elizabeth Shue, but I knew who, I knew, you know, I became a fan of them after this movie and and I went and seen their work afterwards, like Happy Days. Never watched Happy Days. Really? I yeah, I never. And when I found, I was watching Happy Days and found he was in it, and then I found out the kind of character he was. I was like, what happened to Mr. Miyagi? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and he came from Happy Days. So let's talk about Ralph Macchio, man. Uh, huge, gigantic fan of Mr. Macchio now, man. I mean, yeah. this is crazy. I mean, wasn't Outsiders one of his first movies, and then he went right into this? Yeah, The Outsiders was, I, I believe, his first regular starring role. Yeah. Um, you know, and <laughs> that was the first starring role for a lot of big actors. Yeah. You know, you know uh, Dan, Daniel for me is, I mean, feels like my life story. I mean, he's just, he's a small guy. I mean, I, I can't gain weight if I tried. We're basically like the same, like, body mass. He was 21 years old when he made this and looked 16. And, you know, I'm going to be 30, what, 34 tomorrow, right? 79, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be 34 tomorrow. Math is fun. Yeah, math is fun. That's why I have you here. And (laughs) I still look 18. I mean, people are just like, have you graduated school yet? I'm like, I got two kids. What you talking about? (laughs) You know, like like, you had kids when you were 10. You know, people just make stupid comments to me and stuff. But Ralph Macchio, that's me, man. I mean, this is me in a nutshell. I look, you know, I, I don't have the hair. I'm not Italian or anything. But, I mean, this was my guy. I mean, I related so much to him because I was always the kid picked on at school. and But I, I never had that arrogance that he does where he's just like balls to the wall kind of attitude, you know. So what's your thoughts on Mr. Uh, Ralph, sir? Ralph Maggio is awesome, man. Danielson is the man. <laughs> 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 I think I was telling you when I was going through my stuff. Uh, from when I was a kid, man, I was I was trying to find my the one poster that I was really hoping to find was my uh, Karate Kid Ralph Macchio poster because that was one of the few things on my wall as a kid that was not Star Wars related. That was one of the few breaks in my room that wasn't Star Wars related it was my Ralph Macchio poster. He's cool, man. He's just a cool guy in this movie. And he, I mean, dude, he gets the chick. He learns karate. He beats the bad guys. I mean, come on, that's awesome. It is, man. <laughs> 
you know, I think one of the only regrets I have in my life is I don't have the the one sheet movie poster. Daniel yeah. and Mr. Miyagi looking at each other with Daniel doing the crane in the big in the middle. Mm-hmm. That I don't have that poster, and that's the one poster I wish I had. And when you said you found all these posters, one of them was Karate Kid. I was hoping that was the one you had that I could so steal from yeah. you. It wasn't though. What was the the one that you thought you had? What 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 did it look like? <laughs> it was it was more of a Ralph Macchio poster than a Karate Kid poster. Um, I actually found a picture of it of my old room, and uh, it's him sitting in a flannel shirt, he's just kind of gazing off like a uh, like a glamour shot of Ralph Macchio. It was the weirdest poster. It wasn't a Karate Kid poster. It was a Ralph Macchio poster that I had, which kind of seems strange, but <laughs> that's what it was. He was in like he was in a pink and black flannel shirt. Very weird. I, I swear that's the same one I had for Karate Kid 2. It says Karate Kid Part 2. It's the one where he's sitting at the table and he's got his hands folded on the table and he's looking to the side and they do this big close-up on him yeah. and it says the Karate Kid Part 2 in the corner. I nice. swear we had the same poster. I think that's the one you're talking about. Mine doesn't say Karate Kid 2 wow. on it, though. That sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then, can you say Pat Morita's real name? It's, uh... Yeah, it's uh, Noriyuki, right? I I think that it, that sounds about right because I've tried to you know listen to interviews and stuff how it's really said. But he and, never goes by that, you know. Like he, I saw an interview with him where he said the only reason they put that in there, he went by Pat Morita's entire acting career. They put his real first name in because they wanted to make him seem more legitimately Japanese, I guess, for this role. Yeah. Instead of you know, because Pat Morita was a a comic. He's a comedian. Right, right. You know, it's like, no, we got to make you seem more legitimate. Well, when they hired uh, when they hired Ralph, they said they wanted a wimpy kid, but a, a wimpy kid with a chip on his shoulder. So, you know, Ralph, when he was auditioning, kind of had a little bit of an attitude like, this kid's perfect. And he said, you know, unless we, uh, you know, we hire a Humphrey Bogart kind of person, you know, you got the role, you know, start start training for karate. And then when they saw, you know, Pat Morita, he and he did the audition. Still to this day, he has no idea how he did the voice, how he did the mindset. It just happened. He just snapped and just did the rehearsal, just like Mr. Miyagi. And they said, "Sold. This is our man right here." And it's just amazing when you watch the interviews of how he describes how he did the rehearsal. It's it's night and day, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the best, the biggest thing with this movie is, as I said with the Rocky series, boxing is just a template. Karate is just a template. This is about Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. This is about the surrogate father relationship to a fatherless person. You know, mm-hmm. that's what this movie is all about. And that's why it's so relatable and why, I mean, I, I think I base all my movie reviews off of this because I have so much emotional investment into the film that when I watch a movie, I'm like, does it give me the same emotional feelings I have that I get out of this movie? It's kind of how I feel almost, you know, it's weird. Yeah. I don't know if you do that with Star Wars. I mean, I doubt you're, um, probably, you're probably not like, oh, does this scene, you know, I don't know, man. It's hard to explain. But. No, I, I understand what you're saying. That is cool. I mean, well, it is when you at a young age, you you find your movie and you find something 
personal about that that you really relate to you know it's different for me in star wars star wars is something very different for me um but i i understand what you're saying with this where it's something that you relate to and you so you can kind of just kind of go from there like all right well this is what this is what i love so everything like we were saying with the rocky reviews right i'm saying i'm starting off with a five star and then it's got to come down from there you know you start taking things off right it's kind of like that you know like well this is what i this is what i love so anything else has to live up to this right so do you know a lot of people that they're saying their favorite movie from their childhood is still their favorite movie of all time do you know a lot of people um like that or am i, I, know, I just i know a few i mean the thing is though is a lot of people that I've talked to, you know, we talk movies because that's what I do. And, um, you know, we talk about, oh, what was your favorite movie? That's always the question, right? And and so a lot of people I talk to, you know, their favorite movie, oh, my favorite movie is Goonies or, you know, Ghostbusters or whatever. And you're like, oh, that's cool. All right, that's your favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Well, when was the last time you saw it? Oh, it's been like 20 years. You know, it's like, go rewatch it. Just tell me what you think. Is it still your favorite movie? And, and it's hard because nostalgia can make movies seem way better, make a lot of things seem way better than they actually are in real life. Yeah, I agree with that. And a lot of things 100%. don't live up to it. And a lot of things I don't want to revisit for that very reason. There's movies that I know that I love from my childhood that I know are terrible. And I don't want to rewatch them because I don't want to get the realization that I don't want to get hit with it. I'm like, I know that it wasn't good, but in my mind it was, you know? Yeah. I, I agree with that statement a hundred percent. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I pick the movies I do because I want to go down that nostalgia road and find out, does it still hold up? Do I do those memories that I still have? Are they still there? Do I still have that love and compassion for these films that I had back then, you know, and some movies have held the test of time. Some movies ended up being way better now than they were back then. Some movies I can't stand now that I used to love back right. then. It's, yeah. it's amazing how that works. I mean, uh, some of the first movies I started off with are movies that I constantly watch. Howard the Duck is terrible of a movie as it is. It's a movie that I can pop in once a year and just have the have a complete blast adventures of babysitting i watch at least once or twice a year yep. you know the wraith once or twice a year you know i constantly go back to i mean the karate kid i should say this you know since as i get older i watch it less but i don't think there's been a year that goes by that i've watched it less than five times in a year right as right. as i've you know you know gotten older you know, as I said, the first two years was just a straight every single day. It was just part of my routine. And then when, you know, you take a little break and you go back to it, you start to see things in a different light and and stuff like that. And what's really funny with this movie is when I have it on, let's say I'm at work, you know, I have it in my iPod, of course, and I just listen to it. And of course, I, I mimic every line that's happening as it's going on without looking at the screen but there's occasional scenes where i'll hear stuff in the background that because your eyes and ears are working together that when you take one of those senses away i i start to hear things that i didn't hear before some of the background comments that are made which is pretty fascinating to me it was kind of a cool experiment i did yeah yeah I, i've done that before myself it's good times man yeah so uh i guess let's dive into it man um, you know, of course, we'll talk about the other characters as we go on. But uh, this movie came out June 22nd. Summer movie, baby. 
And yeah. uh, 126 minutes. I think this is the reason why I love long movies because this movie has taught me to love those two-hour movies. You know, it's like, and it's a big thing back in that back in that time, especially for a movie aimed at a younger audience. That's a long time to ask an audience to sit in the theater, especially when you're aiming at an adolescent audience. You know? Yeah. That's used to you know, 86 minute movies, 92 minutes. You know. That two plus hour mark, you know, can can stretch for a lot of movies. Yeah, I hear you, and I would say there's not one scene in this movie that I would take out. You know, uh, I think everything flows 100% perfectly. In fact, there's only one scene, believe it or not, that I have a slight issue with that we'll talk about when we get there. But even that issue is just like I'm sure, you know, you'll hear and you're like, well, that's kind of stupid, you know. Yeah, I got one scene in this movie that I. Ever since the first time I saw it, it's kind of like, oh, it just kind of feels weird. But <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it when we get there. So let's talk about, you know, we start off and we have the music, Bill Conti. So when you think of composers, you know, you think John Williams. You know, you think of, uh, I mean, come on, give me some names. You you know, Danny Elfman. Yeah. Most people don't think Bill Conti, but I, I want to say this. This whole uh musical this score is what made me felt fall in love with movie scores in general if it wasn't for this score i really wouldn't care about movie scores i would love movie soundtracks but this movie made me love movie scores back in the day and i want and it's because of bill conti because of the way this music is done it's amazing what's your thoughts on this on this music man i think bill conti as a composer as a you know, I think he's he does a great job of yeah he has great soundtracks with great songs like we've been talking about for the last month uh, with iconic songs and and obviously his montages but um, he does a great job of setting a mood with music um, which is under you know kind of understated as opposed to John Williams who who is incredible, right? He's the greatest. Right, right. But a lot of his stuff is things that are, are well-known um, scores that he uses or well-known, uh, what's the word, theme songs for the movies, right? Right. Most people know every theme song he's done. Bill Conti has a lot where he does just a great job of setting the mood with music and transitioning from... Scene to scene. From scene to scene, exactly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I uh, one of the most expensive soundtracks I ever bought in my life was the Karate Kid trilogy uh, uh, score soundtrack? It was there was only I think five thousand made, seventy five bucks. But I have every single beat of every bit of music from the whole entire trilogy. Cool. And uh, as much as you and you know, as much as you hate three, some of the some of the music in that is pretty incredible. And uh, but I mean, nothing beats the original. I mean, the original. That says it all. It set the tone. But I, I mean, the movie starts off and you just hear those opening notes. And I love the logo when it pops up and says the Karate Kid. There's something about the way that that's written. I know as basic and generic looking as it is, it's always stuck with me in my head. And I think this is the movie that made me fall in love with logos. I have mm-hmm. a thing with logos. It's because of this film. See, for me, it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. The yeah, Raiders Lost Ark theme, logo. Very it, cool. And very and cool. you say that, and it's very true, because I do have 
a big affinity for all the Star Wars logos, the Raiders logo, Back to the Future. Yeah. Karate Kid. There are. I mean, there's iconic logos that you can see that you don't even need to see the words that you can just see. It could be any words put in there. Right. In that style. And you're exactly. like, oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. And, and when I today, like, uh, wa- uh, look at an album cover and it has the same writing as the Karate Kid, I'm just mm-hmm. like, wow. I see Karate Kid all over that thing, you know. It's just I love logo writing, and there's some that look absolutely terrible, but this one is just it's simple, and basic, and it works. As you said, Star Wars. I mean, how it's iconic, but it's so basic looking. But Raiders of the Lost Ark, though. I mean, I'm, I've never seen the movie, as you know. We'll be doing that <laughs> next, uh, you know, in a little Man, while. That still blows my mind. I know. I, I know we'll be doing that retrospective in a little while, but. I do remember the logo to Raiders of Lost Ark thinking, wow, that yellow on red looks pretty sick. You know, it's like I can see it in my head, that poster. It's almost like a cartoonish, you know, uh, like they kind of make fun of it in Gremlins when they say Rock and Ricky uh, at the top of the billboard. It has the same font and writing as Indiana Jones and stuff. Raiders of the Lost Ark, obviously, because Steven Spielberg. I got Sylvester Stallone in my head. Uh, Steven Spielberg was producer of that movie, you know? So there's just something about the way that the writing is that I just dig. Now, you did know that the people driving in the car is not Daniel and his mom, right? Right. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm sure you have some trivia for this. I kind of want to compare notes and and see where we're at. But I, I guess this was done by the second unit director, and then they we're up high on a building to get that far angle Up on shot. a water tower. Yeah, on the water tower, getting that faraway shot. But uh, they have another person, which you can clearly tell when it's Daniel and when it's not. Uh, obviously, you see Daniel when they show up uh, in California. But I just, you know, it's just kind of funny that they had to get somebody else to, um, you know, the mom and Daniel to do those shots. But, I mean, they're in the car for the most part, so you really don't, you really don't notice. Right. But... How do you like the country scenery and the sunrise and all those different things? What do you? How do you like this opening? Um, it's good. You know what? I like it more and more as I as I watch it. Um, you know, I love that the fact that they have so much family wishing them goodbye and chasing them down the street as they're leaving. I'll be right. Yeah, I'll be back soon. You know. You know, I, I like that knowing that they're leaving a family. You know, talking about Uncle Louie and all these, but. Um, you know, and yeah, it's fine going, you know, going across country, talking about the pool that they're going to have, the now, great pool. Yeah, that's the thing. Daniel doesn't even care about that pool. Yeah, I know. He's just like, you know, if, okay, Daniel walks in the, you know, and she's just like, don't say anything about the pool. I'll call first thing in the morning. You know, he's like, I don't even care about that pool, you know. Yep. So the car, you know, they, they get stuck and they have that thing with the car where they have to push it to get it started. So do you think this is just uh, a car that actually did that? Or do you think it was in the script? Or what's your thoughts on the car? It's kind of- Oh, man, I hope that was in the script. I hope they just didn't buy some hoopty that couldn't run. <laughs> I mean, it kind of gave it some character, you know? Yeah. I mean, the best part, of course, is the date in front of Allie's parents. Oh, just- I get embarrassed just watching that. Yeah, me. you know, I feel so bad for him. But I don't know. The car just kind of gives them character. It just kind of puts them as... You know, I don't know if I want to say middle class because I don't regular folk. Yeah, just regular folk, you know, just regular car and just uh, they got everything in their vehicle. You know, they pretty much are starting over and just taking a few things with them. But 
I don't know. The car kind of gives a little bit of character. I kind of dig it. It's good stuff. Yep. Did you know that uh, James, uh, let's see, James Crabb, I believe is his name, the cinematographer, he mm-hmm. also did the cinematography for part two as well. Oh, yeah. So uh, cinema- uh, cinematography-wise, um, which one do you like better, one or two? I think I probably like two better. Because it's dealing with uh, Okinawa just, and all that other yeah, stuff? Yeah, because it is a little more grand. There's a little more going on. You know, one is pretty basic, and it takes place in, you know, in five different locations pretty much throughout. Um, yeah, I, I think, too, you know, usually they progress a little bit, hopefully. Right. You know. But in regards to one, I mean, no issues, right? You thought he did oh, a no, good no. job? Yep. Yeah, that was one of the uh, trivia tracks. If you if you buy the Blu-ray uh, set, I luckily I have the collector's edition, which surprisingly only has one and two. They get rid of three. It's got a really cool mm-hmm. logo on it. It has Daniel and Mr. Miyagi, and it says the Karate Kid Collection, and it only has one and two. But here's what's so funny. When you open it up, the artwork is all Karate Kid 3 pictures. Huh. Real hilarious. <laughs> That's weird. The the front cover, uh, as you know, if you buy the recent DVD uh, version to come out, the front cover is actually part of the promotional material of Karate Kid 3, the one where Daniel kind of looks pissed off and Mr. Miyagi's yeah, yeah. behind him. They both have the headband. It's Karate Kid 3 material. Uh, when you open up the DVD uh, or the Blu-ray, uh, is Daniel and Mr. Miyagi on the mat where he's trying to convince him to get up and fight you know, Mike Barnes, and I just find that hilarious. It's a it's a Blu-ray set with one and two, but they have three materials that all over. That is too weird. It's so ridiculous, but so funny. Um, and then I actually have the DVD, the Karate Kid collection, where you get one, two, three, and four, and they're all double-sided DVDs kind of thing. So hmm. I really dig the special edition of the Karate Kid. That one has excellent interviews and uh, fantastic commentary. The commentary is great. Did you have you listened to the commentary track where they just bust on each other the whole entire? Time? I did. I listened to it when I first bought it. It's been a while, but yeah, I do remember listening to it. I'm really enjoying it. Can Can we talk about Ralph Macho's voice? Because when I first watched the special features and he comes on, I was like, "Who's that?" <laughs> and it says Ralph Macho. I was like, "No way!" But evidently. The voice that he's used in The Outsiders, The Karate Kid, My Cousin Vinny, all these movies is not his voice. His real voice is the voice that you hear in the interviews and everything. Yeah. How, how crazy is that? I mean, that he can change his voice so – I mean, he, then he comes out and says when you watch the Blu-ray pop-up that he tried to give him a certain accent. But it amazes me how different his voice is. Yeah, it's funny. I think he probably went with it for – uh, the outsiders probably right. Exactly. That's and then you're like, sure. oh man, yeah, I'm getting gigs. Like I gotta keep this. I gotta keep this sound. I gotta keep this look and this voice and everything. It's <laughs> you sure it's one of those things. Like, oh man, I can't. I can't go back now. Right. You know, they know me as this guy. Yeah. And I don't know. I I like it. It's cool. It it definitely separates him. Uh, he's fifth. Uh, hard to believe, people. He is the same age that Pat Morita was when they made this movie today. Yeah. Today, yeah, that's incredible. I had to. Somebody sent me that, and I uh, and you I had to go and double that. check it. I'm like, no, I got to check my facts. Right. Sure enough, like, that seems unbelievable. Man, does he look fifty-one? 
Not at all, man. I saw him on Dancing with the Stars last season or two seasons ago, whatever it was, when he was on. And and he's still, I mean, yeah, he looks a little older, but he looks like my age, you know? He looks yeah. In the 30s, you know? Yeah, exactly. Good times. So uh, they get to their place, South Seas. And evidently, as we know from the Sweep the Leg music video, still looks pretty much the same. And he did confirm that it barely has changed at all from the since they filmed this movie. Um, I mean, we're not there a lot, but I kind of like the look, man. It, it has really cool, you know, writing and and the right amount of trees. I don't know. I I dig this place that they picked as their you know quote unquote home. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's it's very fitting. <laughs> yeah. And the pool. So you see the the pool. Well, I guess we'll back up a little bit, but uh, you know, I love. When we first see Daniel, the very first time, and you know, you know, Scar and Eden were finally home, and he's just like, you know, you're telling me, and he just gets up and he's just so upset, you know, he's just trying to get his bike down, and his mom's all cheery and everything, and I really dig how they set these two up, you know, I I like their relationship, you know, right off the bat, you know, he's kind of very frustrated with her, and she's just the happy-go-lucky, cheery person. But I don't know, man. Do you kind of get that vibe right away from the beginning? Um, yeah, from the beginning, I kind of get the vibe that, you know, that they're all each other have. You know, so it is. They, they obviously are very close. But that, yeah, he is frustrated. And, you know, he does say later, you know, like, because it's not his decision to move, to leave the family and go somewhere strange, you know. Right. Um, but you can tell that the two of them have been, you know, have been close that they, that's all they have for each other. And, you know, go, going on a cross-country trip with your mom is, I just watched Guilt Trip. Um, yeah. <laughs> very similar theme. But, um, you know, it'll bring you close, but it'll also drive you crazy. Yeah, you know? it, it's good. I'm sure by the time you drive from New Jersey to California, you're ready to choke each other. All right, so I want to talk to you about something because, you know, the first time I ever heard you, you were on Flicks. With uh, Jason, Jason brought you on because he knew you were the biggest Karate Kid fan, and at the time you were reluctant to watch the remake. But right. but you guys decided to do uh, you know kind of a Karate Kid series review real quick and stuff. And you know of course that's why I was so glad to get you on for this because we could really dig deep detail by detail. But one of the things you mentioned was about Freddie Fernandez, and mm-hmm. you guys had the impression he's only in this film once. No, I know he's in it later. Yeah. We got to talk about Freddy. I really, number one, Freddy is funny because when you watch this on TV, at least back in the day, they would always blank out his shirt. Right. I never <laughs> understood that. Yeah. And it wasn't until uh, when I would go back and watch him, like, what's up with his shirt? Making bacon. I don't get it. You know, I mean, when you're a kid, you're just like, okay, what's the big deal? And funny enough, this was just on Cartoon Network a few days ago, and I missed the first half. So I was kind of curious if today's standards on Cartoon Network, if they would actually leave the shirt the way it is. Man, I'd have to think they would. Right. I mean, is it as bad as... I don't... Wow. I don't know, man. When you take a look at the picture of what the two are doing, I guess I can see why (laughs) they're bleeping it out. But uh, you know, Daniel kicks the kicks the door and hits Freddy, and right away he's just like, "What's up, man?" They're like friends already, man. It's I love how impressed Freddy is by that kick that he throws. Like, yo, oh man, <laughs> yo, what was that karate? 
<laughs> Roddy and Daniel to his own. Uh, he he gets all he gets all this started by kind of overselling how much karate he knows. Yeah, good. You know, he's like, oh yeah, you know, give me some lessons later. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because <laughs> he wants to be, you know, he just first friend. Like, yeah, I want to fit in. I want to be cool. But you know, this this started all the trouble right there. If you just said, oh, I just had a couple lessons at the Y. That's it. You know. Yeah. Movie over. Nothing's happening. Right. Exactly. And did you know that Daniel's original name was Weber? Yeah. In the script, and that's then, not right. And then when they uh, cast him, they said, "Well, you definitely don't look like no Weber." And that's how they created Larusso. Is after he got cast. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Daniel um, gets, you know, he meets the the lady with the dog, which will come back later in the series number three. But you know, I love how Freddie just calls her crazy, and you know, here pup, you know, and they remind him of people back home. But I just love when he walks in. And she starts talking about the pool, the one that he doesn't care about. And, man, is that pool real nasty looking, man. Right, yeah. So. Um, yeah, is, this the, is this the only pool? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Hey, what was that, karate? So uh, let's talk about the beach scene. Oh, man. Elizabeth Shoe. Youch. Man, I married my wife because she looks like <laughs> Elizabeth Shoe, man. Let me just put that out there, people. Whew. That this has been my woman. I don't care what happened in part two. I could care less because this is my movie. This is the one that I watched all the time. And in my in my universe, they go on and get married. So part two doesn't even exist. Part two really hurt right away. You're like, well, where'd Allie go? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that that beach scene, man, Daniel is just, you know, he's hanging out and he sees her and man, this oh I can't describe how beautiful she looks on that beach, man. Allie with an eye, looking good. And and funny enough, during the rehearsals, that was ad lib. She came she came up with that, and he was being funny and said Daniel with an L. And the director said, "Print that. We're gonna use that in the film." So that was one of those uh, huh. ac- accidents that wasn't in the script, but because they had so much chemistry together, it just kind of uh, stayed, you know, kind of went That's in the cool. story. That was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, I always get mad at the scene where they're showing her turn around and the camera is slowly going to Daniel. And I just want to pause it. It's just so I can take a look at her rear end. When I was a kid, <laughs> I was like, no, don't change Daniel's face yet. I'm just like, I need a good a good body shot. It's like, oh, so beautiful. So Elizabeth Shue, sir. Let's talk about Elizabeth Shue. I am a humongous Elizabeth Shue fan. Let me just say she has aged very, very well. I yes. just watched her in uh, House at the End of the Street, and even though the movie itself was okay, she just she looked gorgeous. I mean, she she looks her age, but she's aged very healthy and very well. I have to admit. I agree. And uh, it's pretty cool to see somebody from the Karate Kid win an Oscar, man. I mean, how did you ever think that that was going to happen? You remember, right? Leaving Las Vegas, right. she won an Oscar. Yeah. I do remember that. Oh wait. What, no, she I, didn't win. No, it was Nicholas okay. Cage won. That's yeah, dang it. Yeah, she was nominated. Wasn't she nominated though? She may have been nominated. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, yeah. Uh, and she a- put on a heck of a performance in that movie, might have. Yeah, that that was that was a crazy film. But Elizabeth Shue, she's definitely the uh, the girl next door, but the girl next door that you can never touch. I mean that that's kind. Of, I mean you're nowhere near 
her class is kind of how I feel with Allie, man. <laughs> and, of course, I watched Adventures of Babysitting, you know, because of her. And that's one of the reasons why I used that as my first episode, because I wanted some sort of Karate Kid link. And now we've come full circle. Adventures of Babysitting, Karate Kid, you know, episode one to episode 100. We did it. We did it. <laughs> So, uh, what? Give me your thoughts, sir, on uh, on Allie here, sir. Uh, I echo your thoughts on Allie, man. I had a big crush on Elizabeth Shue when I was a kid, man, and I've kind of carried that on. Um, yeah, she's she's great in this, you know, and she was uh, she was perfect for that. Like you say, the girl next door, um, really cute. Wasn't like supermodel. Right, you know? right, definitely. She looked like a regular girl that you could know, you know? Exactly. Really good. Perfect for Daniel. Awesome. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And as the director said, he said that these two are strawberry, shortcake, and cannoli. They they, <laughs> sh- they shouldn't work, but they do. That's you know? funny. And, uh, okay, a little side note for you people. Jameson over here is texting me this Karate Kid stuff, man. What did you just send me, dude? <laughs> I, I, I was looking for that poster. I found the poster that I was oh, talking about. This is your poster? Yeah. Oh, this is sick, man. Oh, so cool. I got to put this up on the Facebook group so you guys can see. And by the way, the poster that he was talking about that I said was from Karate Kid 2, it's the one I have. Because when I bought that poster, it was... Uh, it was oh, they just stamped it differently, huh? Yeah, they put Ralph Macchio as the Karate Kid Part 2. That's what, uh, that's what my poster says, so... Okay. Yep. That's it. That's the one I had. Excellent. So, uh, obviously people should shoot me right now because my notes overrode the other one, but we, we got introduced to Mr. Miyagi before we went to the beach and tell me how classic is that where he walks in and he's like, you the maintenance man. I, yeah, I mean, number one, him saying I all the time. How cool was that, dude? <laughs> I was very confused by it as a kid. <laughs> Were you just like, I don't get it. Are you saying hi all the time? Yeah, yeah, because he's like, hi, hi. <laughs> like, what? Um, and that fly just, just, I just love how the fly just doesn't want to fly anywhere. Just stay in that little tiny circle. Yeah, and, yeah uh, it's a trained fly. It's a circus fly. He goes, uh, you fix faucet after. After what? After, after. after. Oh, I just, I love the way Daniel looks when, uh, well, first when he walks in. And Mr. Miyagi does the death look of Rocky from Rocky yeah, Five. Right, he looks over his shoulder at him like, "Ooh!" I was like, "Ooh, you're messing with Rocky Balboa now." <laughs> of course, you know Rocky Five is long time away from this, but it, that's the first thing you know. Rewatching it after we just watched Rocky Five, that's the first words that came out of my mouth. I was like, "It's the Rocky look, awesome!" You know, <laughs> that's funny. And uh, I just I love Daniel where he's just like, "After what?" You know, he gives him like okay stupid you know after what he's after after you know i just love it it's a great way because the relationship is kind of rocky in the beginning you know and i kind of dig that i like how their relationship builds you know it's definitely two different worlds coming together yeah Uh, just like ali you know two different worlds. i mean opposite to track man i mean i may not be an italian kid but my wife and me were two completely different people at the time that we met but uh, you know, here we are. We're still together, man. I don't. I don't know about you guys, what your love story is, but I'm kind of in the Allie and Daniel boat. It was like, 
I feel like she's way out of my league to be my wife. You know, it's kind of how I feel. <laughs> that's cool. You, that's, I think that's how every guy should feel. That's how I feel like I'm, I'm skating way ahead of my skis, man. I don't know what I'm doing, but <laughs> you know, that's cool. That's awesome. So, uh, good. Do you like the, uh, when you open the door and you have that little thing to making the noise, it's kind of like a little wind chime. Yeah. It's kind of, it's basic, but I like that effect. It's cool because they use that obviously throughout the series. I you like know? that. I got I got one of those that hangs on my uh, on my porch. You can hear that all all summer long. I love it. Good times. So the beach scene, um, you know, uh, it's a kind of a mini montage of you know just him kind of looking at Allie and hanging with the friends and stuff, and they've just been changing their clothes throughout. They the- love to play soccer, by the way. Yeah, don't they? Man, good, good times and. Uh, then we get the challenge to go to go up to Alley, you know. Maybe they don't got moves where you come from, you know. <laughs> Do you like their uh, their interaction when they first meet? You know, hey, I'm sorry we're bothering you. You know, how do you do that? You know, yeah, it's it's perfectly awkward, you know, and like him trying to show her how to dribble a ball on his knees or whatever, you know, and it you know it's kind of awkward, it's kind of cute, whatever. Um. Th- Here's the one thing I'm, I was rewatching this again that night, and my wife was watching. And she says the one scene I never understood in this movie was why when they're doing that, all of a sudden she turns and boots the ball. They're like, "Go get it!" Oh, that's easy. She, if you look, you think she, it's because she saw she saw the Cobra Kai, and then that's she, what I said too. But it's it's hard to see because they're behind all the all the bushes. Yeah. No. Uh. No. I I clearly. I mean, obviously, seen this so many times. Uh. I had questioned that originally you know a few times when i first saw it but uh if you pause it her her head is in the direction of the cobra kai and you can see the lights coming off of their motorcycle and the only people in the movie that ride dirt bikes are the cobra kai so she knew who it was and she knew that daniel would kind of be in trouble so she wanted to kick the ball to get him out of the way so yeah that that was very good it's clear for me so you can let her know so Will do. Or I guess I can let her know when I see her or whatever. But, True enough. But uh, good times, man. Yeah, speaking of the Cobra Kai, man, this is what I dig. This was their first um, their first scene together was, you know, Johnny and the guys, Bobby, They uh, the first time together was on these bikes and up the hill, you know, and you had music to the ride, which is not on the soundtrack, I might add. Yeah, yeah. It took me... It, it didn't come out until a few years ago, actually. Then you could finally get a hold of it. It was an unreleased song that just didn't have the rights to go on the soundtrack, even though they used it in the movie. It just couldn't get it on the soundtrack, man. So it's a, This is a great reveal, too, for uh, the Cobra Kai, the bad guys. Because, you, know, you, you know, you show them up there, the whole, the whole group, you know, and they're kind of going back and forth and you establishing that Johnny's the bad boy. You know, and like when he goes down, like, oh man, I thought they were over. He's not, you know, and and here they come tearing down the hill and just, it's a great just introduction to a bad guy. Right. William Zabka did say, unfortunately, that wasn't us going down. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. It, That's why he put the helmet on. <laughs> yeah. As Cover much the as, face. As here much we go. as you would love it to be him, it, it wasn't. But uh, you got to love it, man. Our first introduction to the Cobra Kai. Um, you know, we have Johnny just, you know, talking about, you know, school. And uh, I like Bobby, man. Bobby's my second favorite. Bobby's the one with the conscience. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Bobby, we can tell there's, there's a couple of different scenes. Bobby doesn't feel so good about what they're doing. Yeah. 
I definitely. But he's not going to be the one to make waves. Yeah. Hey, looks like everybody's doing something new. Take a right. Check it out. Check it out. I love Which, that. <laughs> he hates that line. He so wishes he could take that back. Take a right. Check it out. Immediately, you know, there's history between Johnny and uh, Allie. And you get the, the whole stereo scene. So what do you think of this, man? Just this whole... I, one of the things I love about it is one of the girls in the background is kind of yawning as this is happening, which was kind of an editing mistake. That's funny. Yeah, if you pay attention when uh, he's talking right before he shuts off the radio, uh, she's yawning. And it's the blonde, one of the one nasty blonde. She's Sorry. The, Sorry to interrupt you, jeez. Yeah. So overall, what do you what do you think about this scene, man? You like it? Yeah, it's good, man. Good stuff. I, dude, there's not a, there's there's no bad scenes in this movie. All right. Well, I, yeah, I won't ask you that question. Do you like it? Because I, I know you do. Uh, but one of the things that uh, Zabka was talking about on the uh, on the pop up is how Elizabeth Shue never pulled her punches. Every time, huh. she, every time she punched him in the face, it hurt. Like the uh, scene at the end, or towards the end, when they're at the club, and you know, before Daniel gets his spaghetti on. Yeah. <laughs> every every take, she when she punched him in the face, it was for real, and that's why he was holding his lip. Because the one that they kept is the one where he's holding his his lip because it hurt. Because she never pulled her punch, and then she'd be like, "I'm so sorry, you know, I'm so sorry, you know." But, that's great. But he 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 always. <laughs> kind of thought that was funny that she never pulled her punches so when she's sitting there like pushing him and stuff oh man i mean of course this is after the fight the fight is just great you know it's like daniel is this really daniel's fault that this happened or is it just he's being a nice guy you know or he's being a nice guy to wrong girl it's I, yeah that's kind of what it is i like this gray area like he has no idea what he just stepped into the the drama between these two and you can tell that with especially with Allie's friends and even with the rest of the the Cobra Kai, they've seen this thing go down dozens of times before. That these two have a contentious relationship, you know. Yeah, you can tell. Maybe that's why the girl was yawning in the background because it's like, oh, this again. Yeah, like, <laughs> they were like this while they were dating and they've been broken up for a while now, you know, for weeks. Yeah, and uh, weeks, you know. Yeah, I mean, what's weeks? weeks? One week. <laughs> I love that. But you know, I mean, you can tell that this is this that he is the obsessive boyfriend, the obsessive ex-boyfriend, and it's like, oh man. And here's Daniel, fresh kid, like, hey, I like this girl. <laughs> like, oh, you don't know what you just stepped into. Don't touch a punk. <laughs> hey man, what's going on? He goes, you want it, huh? Oh, this fight is really good. Uh, he was, uh, he was talking about how him and Ralph. You know, the kind of their relationship making this was all the choreography and they were pretty much kept separate, you know. So uh, him and the Cobra Kai, uh, you know, Zavka and the Cobra Kai, they were at they were buddies and hanging out and just being part of a gang was just so much fun, you know. And you'd have Ralph and Pat do their thing. But he would always love to kind of check on their scenes and and everything like that. But I, I like how, you know, as he said, they're close now. You know, they're, they're close friends now, but back then it was kind of like you kind of had to stay away. So you kind of had that tension for real on the screen. You know, it was good stuff. Yeah. And I love the the backstory. You know, I was kind of teasing you this in the Rocky movies, but in his mind, Johnny's the victim. You know, this is just the guy that was trying to, you know, talk to his girl. And this guy took away his girlfriend and he was pissed off, you know, 
and it's like he's kind of the victim. He's like, why are you messing with my girl? You know, it's kind of like a guy. Hey, new guy, hit the road. This is my girl. (laughs) And uh, he said to kind of give his character more depth, he pictured him as um, a fatherless guy. And that's why he attaches himself to Crease so much because he doesn't have that father figure in his life. And he kind of felt that it gave more, you know, more depth and stuff. And I mean, the stuff that they talked about, I don't know if you have a Blu-ray player, sir. Yes. But do you have the Blu-ray copy of the credit? I do. So have you watched this, man, this Blu-ray special that comes up? Uh, what's, what's that? It's called, it says blue pop is the special. No, I feature. haven't. No. Okay. So if you put in the karate kid and you go to special features, there's this thing that says blue pop and then Ralph Macchio and William Zapka will come on the screen during various parts of the movie and they will talk trivia and the certain scene. And that's how I found a lot of this out, Very you know, cool. and that, that's one of the things he talked about is how he kind of wanted to give his character, you know, his own backstory if you will, and everything like that. So it's it's really amazing. I, I really recommend anybody out there that has a Blu-ray player, go get this sucker because there's so much stuff that, you know, I thought the special features had a lot of stuff, but the Blu-ray, the blue pop-up is just excellent, excellent material. All right, sir. So, uh, so Daniel gets his butt whooped on the beach and uh, I kind of yeah, like he it. He gets in one, one pretty cheap shot. And uh, yeah, he gets it. He gets in a cheap shot. Now we're even, man, huh? No mercy, man. No mercy. And uh, I don't know. I like how I like how Johnny just kind of says that under his breath too. Yeah, no mercy. Like pumping man. himself up. No mercy. No, no. Like he just snaps right into training mode. What I really love to do is, since I've seen it so many times, I love to watch the background now. Yeah. You know, I love I love watching Freddy and the guys get all excited when he gets the cheap shot in, because you know when he's getting his rear end kicked, they're all just like, oh man. And then you see Bobby. At this point, Bobby is just part of the gang. He really, you know, he's not questioning anything until you know we get later on in the film when we talk about it. But, you know, you see the Cobra Kai and that one guy, doesn't he look like Heather Sutherland, which is the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's oh, McQueen. Uh, the guy Ch- with the bleach blonde hair. Yeah, Chad McQueen. He was Dutch. Yeah. yeah. He um, he looks so much like Heather Sutherland. It's ridiculous. I work with a guy that looks identical to him. It freaks me out every time I see him. You know what's funny about Bobby? You know what Bobby's last name is, don't you? Uh, no. It, I heard it when they, uh, after your uh, he disqual gets disqualified. Bobby Brown has been, you know, he talks about Bobby Brown. In it's his ba- prerogative, man. Yeah, it, they don't say Bobby Brown. Uh, it's only when he's uh, Daniel's talking to Mr. Miyagi, like, oh, it hurts, it hurts, and then you hear Bobby Brown and and stuff. I was like, seriously, they call him Bobby Brown? Funny enough. So, but our our Cobra Kai guys, we have Tommy, which Tommy is obviously turns against Crease. Uh, at the end and of course really does it uh, in part two you know because of course he says you know give him get him a body bag you know so he's still you know he really doesn't change until you get to part two where crease is trying to kill johnny and then he's like yeah mr miyagi's right let him go and then he gets punched in the face Uh, which of course that was all part that was supposed to be the ending of the karate kid was that uh scene between you know uh mr miyagi and crease right out in the parking lot which i'm glad they they left for the sequel because 
I don't know, man, the, the, the ending that we get, which of course we'll talk about when we get there, but I just want to point that out that I'm just glad that they decided to use that for part two. So I agree. All right, sir. So Daniel, uh, you know, feeling totally embarrassed, got sand in his face and the music's great. Bill Conti's music is just excellent. And we go and he goes home and mom's making eggs and, uh, Ralph Macchio hates this scene. Do you know why? No, why is that? I know this from the commentary because he had to do product placement of the minute oh, of the minute. That's right. Yeah. He's and one of the things when I remember I was telling you about how I was just listening to it and I would catch different things. One of the things is how uh she would talk about you need to eat, you need to, you know, be sharp. And he's just like, oh, no, you have, you need to have energy. And he's like, I have energy. But I, I caught that because he says it in such a low voice <laughs> that you miss it any other time, you know. But yeah, it's he had to do the whole Minute Maid product placement thing. But I love Randall Heller, who is uh, who's Daniel's mom. Uh, yeah. You know, Lucille. Lucille LaRusso. She's not in this movie a lot, but she's very effective. I love every minute that I see her, man. She's excellent. What's your thoughts on Lucille, sir? Yeah, she's uh, she's effective. I don't know if I like her so much. Um, but, yeah, she is. She's effective as the kind of overbearing, kind of worrying mom, you know. You said you don't like her? I don't know. She's all right, you know. I don't know. <laughs> just, just her character for me. I was always like, ah, she's just annoying. So you kind of think she's over the top a little bit. I think she's just, you know, because she's overbearing and always worried. And and that's fine. She's a great mom, you know, I guess. But yeah, uh, well, I mean, she is, you know, single mom. So she's got to be overprotective. So I get it. But at the same time, she's trying to give Daniel some freedom because she wants him to go out and and not stay home and go to the party and stuff. So I think she does a good balance. You know, I think she does the protecting well. But I mean, mean, look at that, you know, just she has at the restaurant where she's just like, be careful on your bike, you know, and just lets him go. So she really is pretty freeing with him. I I really do think, you know, I don't think she's as overbearing as you think. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So I'm right and you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to argue about Lucille. (laughs) It's all good. But I mean, obviously she's not my favorite character in the movie, but I'm just saying she works very well. And the scenes of, especially the scene in with the garbage and the bike and the garbage, that whole scene is just excellent with those two. So, um, so cruel summer. Oh my gosh, I heard this song and I instantly fell in love with it. And I have since, I mean, I listen to this song all the time. The Bananarama, cruel summer. Yeah, I love this song, and it's not even on the stupid soundtrack. Man. I know it's not, and you know what? It's really fitting too. It's it for a song for this. You know, when he's riding up to school and all that. When you listen to the words, man, it really does go along with Daniel here, man. It's pretty fitting, man. A little foreshadowing about what you're about to run into. So explain this to me. I don't have a problem with it. I'm just curious. Why do they focus on the school, like, motto? Yeah, I've never understood that. I mean, you know, it it has the, the, uh, their motto and the, the, I guess, the words that they live by or whatever, but... It's a long shot on that. Yeah. It it spends a good five seconds on it. Yeah, they really linger on that on that plaque. And I've never quite understood why. Okay, so I'm not the only one. I mean no. I, like I said, I don't have a problem with it. I was just always curious what was the purpose behind you know, like in Rocky, 
I mean, anything we talked about, everything had its purpose. Yeah. But with this one, I was just, I didn't quite get, you know. Yeah. So, and then, uh, you know, I love the joke. Freddie, hey, Karate Kid, let's see the moves. Ah! You know, <laughs> I, I love the, the making fun of a man. And, and then we get, uh, you know, I, I love his, his knee. You know, the thing he does with the soccer ball on his knee. Yeah. He practiced it a lot. And, and I love when Allie just kept, tries to do it. And he's like, hey, you've been practicing. You know, Allie with an eye, you know. I, re- I really dig that whole, I don't know, it's so simple and stupid. I tried to do it as a kid, and I can never pull it off, man. I got, like, two hits, and then the ball would go flying, man. Yeah, he was actually pretty good at it, man. Like, when he was out on the beach, uh, he, was, he was doing really good. Um, yeah, I'm not a soccer guy, so I was never into it. So we, uh, you know, we have Johnny and, and we have Dutch. Dutch is the main antagonist here. I mean, Johnny, he, he kicked... You know, Daniel's rear end, but it's Dutch that just like, hey, we should kind of go mess with Daniel over there, you know? Yeah. And then you have Tommy get all like, yeah, you know, he kind of he kind of puts like the OK symbol up, you know, and he's just smiling. But it's Bobby. Bobby's the one that's got to do the fight, you know, and Bobby's the one that actually has the conscience of the of the Cobra Kai, you know? So I like this scene, man. This scene is awesome. Where Daniel is just really good with the soccer and gets into a fight with uh, with Bobby, man. Good yeah, man, get the leg sweep and here we go. Yeah, he goes. Uh, you know, nobody does that to Bobby. No, you know. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love it, man. And man, uh, we had uh, Allie just doing some. Fl- she did a flip. I was like, that's pretty good, man. You're a pretty good cheerleader there, girl. Yes, sir. And uh, of course, we have the brunette. You know, her friend. Who's oh, I cannot good. stand her friend. So good. I'm glad I'm not dealing with man. Oh, I, she is so annoying. She's so snobby, right? She really is. I mean, she, especially like uh, when, man, I, I'm trying Every to. Every she's in, I just can't stand her. You know, the scene after the spaghetti incident, you know, at the when they're at the, uh, what you call it, at the amusement park, whatever. Or well, it's with the bike, you know. When she, she gets all excited about, well, what kind of bike is it? And the it's moment, a Miyagi turbo. Yeah, and after he says that, then she's all like, oh, and uh, yep, lip curls up like, Ugh. yeah. So at that point, that's really where she's just like, you know, uh, what is what is she seeing him? She must be in the fungus, you know. She always had yeah. those real, you know. Of course, though, I mean, she does have a pivotal scene though where she changes Daniel against Dally. You know, oh, you must have not stuck around for the exciting conclusion. What was that? Her hand on her ass goes her sprained hook. You think she did that doing her nails? You know, I mean, that that whole scene is just just I mean, that scene. I like her in. Okay, so any other scene I don't like. So while we're talking about this, the scene that you were just saying. So the scene where she's talking about his bike, where does the Miyagi turbo come in? That always bothered me because I don't think he didn't know his name yet, did he? You think he says Miyagi too, right? He says Miyagi Turbo. And I'm like, well, wait, he doesn't even know Mr. Miyagi yet. All right, hold on. Let me think. Let me play the movie in my head because, uh, hey, okay, you met the maintenance man and he comes in and fix the faucet. You're oh, the maintenance oh, man. oh, karate. Uh, you know, learn from book. Oh, lucky no hurt hand. So when does he give his name? Not until after he saves him. I should know this. I've seen this over 500 times. Not until after he saves him, man, when he wakes, when he kind of comes to. No, because he's he's saying his name wrong the whole time. Miyagi, understand problem perfect. He read, but that was, was that bef- that was after the the bike scene, though, I swear. All right, you know what? Because this bothered me before. All right, you 
you ramble. I'm gonna pull the karate kid up right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna fast forward through this scene real quick. So unbelievable, dude. We should know this. This is terrible. How I'm how can I'm you telling do- you, that's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. No, you know, I always said, does he say Miyagi? Tur-? Well, of course, he says it the wrong way. Yeah, he says Miyagi Turbo. Okay, so let let's play back. We have all the scenes of Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. Obviously, the first encounter. Mm-hmm. Then the second time, oh, my voice just cracked. That's great. Welcome. Well, Mike, you you know, tomorrow is your birthday. You'll be entering <laughs> a stage in life of a young man where he enters puberty and things change. Oh, that's terrible. You, I mean, you are turning sixteen, correct? Oh, uh, yeah, I am turned 16. Okay, so, okay, so Daniel, okay, it's he meets after the fight with Bobby. He's doing the the karate, and that's when Mr. Miyagi comes and says, "Fix faucet," you know. Yep. And then after that is the lunchroom scene, uh, where he talks to Ali, you know, kind of, you know, yep. the whole weeks, one yep. five weeks, and then we get the karate school. Which right. you know we'll go back on the details in this and then oh that's a good one too I love his face then we have the guys in the background and then we have the guys knock Daniel off the bike yep. and then we have Daniel throw the stuff into we throw the bike he gets pissed off Mr. Miyagi comes out we're at the school you're right he says he, he hasn't said anything yet he says he's now talking to the girl and says the Miyagi terrible that's what that's always bothered me like how. There's no way that's a coincidence that he just comes up with that. Oh, man. It had to have been cut. Something had to have been edited wrong or whatever. Oh, man. I should ask Johnny about this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, there's a... So, anyway. All right. So, we found a... I mean, come on. Seriously. there. If you want to talk flaws, I mean, we have... My, my favorite flaw of all of them, not including the one where we have the date that's in the wrong order... Uh-huh. Of his Band-Aid. But my favorite flaw is the one where he's running from the Cobra Kai, jumps over the fence, and you see the smoke machine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> blowing out the fog. That is my favorite air in the whole film. Oh, I know. It's so – it stands out so much when you see it. Yeah, especially if you have a widescreen TV. You know, yeah. back in the day when you had the – The pan know, and scan, you could hide it. Yeah, you could hide it. It was all good, but – Man, it's like, I love that air. So, okay. So, the Mr. Miyagi uh, name scene, me and you were just talking about, right? Uh-huh. I got it figured out. It's got to be a cut scene because uh, you're right. He says the, you know, Miyagi turbo action. And then the next scene, he goes and talks to Mr. Miyagi and cuts the bonsai tree. Well, at that point, he says Mr. Miyagi's name wrong two times in that scene. And then he says the name correctly after Mr. Miyagi, you know, rescues them from the Cobra Kai and, right. you know, everything. So it's got to be a cut scene or it's going to be one of those, you know, behind the scenes. This is what happens. So that, you know, when I was really thinking about it just for a second, that's what happened in that scene. Eagle eye, man. You catch these things. So, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up for people because, you know. I'm supposed to know this movie inside and out, and I just had to think a second. I'm a little bit nervous, man. The interview's coming up, so just give me a break here. Sorry, man. Nobody knows this movie like Masunas. It's true. All right, let's go back. Let's go back. All so right. I, all right. uh, so the, he just gets kicked out of soccer. Just gets kicked out of soccer. So that's when he's starting. He's got the books out, and he's, you know, one, two, blah, 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 right? Yeah. And uh, then, you know, Mr. Miyagi knocks on the door. Fix faucet. 
yeah, it's in here. Oh, karate, which I love the way he says karate. I don't know what it is, just his accent, whatever. But the way he says, oh, karate, I can't karate. do it. Karate. Oh, there you go. Thank you. You got? Are you Chinese? Are you Japanese? Are you Okinawan? I'm one third Okinawan. Okay, awesome. And uh, oh, learn from book. You know, I love that. Like he insults him right there. Yeah. Oh, learn from book. <laughs> I love it. It's great. And he's like, "What happened to I?" And uh, he's like, "Oh, I fell off my bike. Lucky no hurt hand." Yeah. And I love how they they kind of give each other the deaf look again. You know, it's like. Mr. Miyagi's fixing the faucet, just staring at Daniel, and you have uh, Daniel just staring at him. So, what do you love about this scene, man? I just, yeah, I do love when he's like, "Lucky no hurt hand," and you see Daniel like, I think nobody's nobody can like, man, my mom didn't kind of pick up on that little thing, you know. Uh, I, I like, I like that. It's you know, it's a nice introduction. You know, you yeah, you meet Mr. Miyagi earlier in there trying to catch his fly, but uh, this is the first time we have real face-to-face interaction you know yeah it's true backing up just a little bit before this um with the school that was actually uh a junior high school evidently and i guess uh did johnny say he went there or it was the the tournament he was at a place where he used to go there so people in the audience were people used to go to school with i think it Hmm. was but that was actually a junior high school field that they would use and stuff and Allie's laugh i forgot to talk about that I love her laugh. It's just great. I don't know what it is, but I love her laugh. It's awesome. So then we get the scene that I love, as you were just mentioning, where Daniel knocks on, you know, mom's restaurant. Hey, I'm going to go check out the karate place. And we get the introduction to Crease. Oh, dude, this is this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, just because the reveal of Crease, how they show, you know, before you even you just hear him, you hear a guy in the background. You know, fear does not exist in this dojo, does it? And and it's panning across all his awards, the the full life size cardboard cutout of him. Yeah, that's great. The, you know, you see that he was, you know, the picture from Vietnam, Rambo. and he was a, the greatest karate star in the military. And you just like oh, whoever this guy is, he's a real badass. You know. Yeah. Now, did did Rambo First Blood Part Two come after this movie? Because I swear that picture is used in Rambo Part Two when, because I know he's in that movie. So was this after or before Rambo Two? Oh man, uh, I'm have to look real quick. That was it's got to be real close. First Blood. Let's see. First Blood. Uh, okay. Oh, it's next. The following year, we have Karate Kid '84, First Blood Part Two '85. No, and, I got First Blood. Oh, Part Two. Part Two, because he's in Part Two. He's not in Part One, but he's in Part Two. That's and, right. And that's they use right. they use that picture on the wall in, yeah, yeah. First, in First Blood Two. So that's one thing I was always like, yeah. Which evidently, uh, he's like the sweetheart of a guy, right? And then he just like snaps into character. You know, I just I love this reveal of him of like, man, this guy's. And then just man, that just the jaw on him. Yeah. You know, you finally see him and he's just barking orders. And, <laughs> dude, I love it. It's If that doesn't strike fear in you, I mean, you know, like, this guy is a legitimate tough guy. And then they finally show him and just, oh, man, it's great, you know. And I, and then, of, of course, you know, he, he calls out, Mr. Lawrence, lead yeah. the class. You know, I never understood what they said. 
when they say the way of the fist, sir. And what is that way? I never understood the way of the fist. I was like, what the hell do they say right there? <laughs> I had to go online and like, what is pull the, the script? Up. Yeah, I was like, pull up the script. What do they say? And now that I know they say the way of the fist, sir. And what is that way? You know, that whole thing. I was like, oh, now I hear it. You know, strike first, strike hard, no more, sir. So here's the story with Crease. Evidently, he was uh, in the, as you saw, you know, war, and his orders were to give up. So when he got out, he vowed to never lose again. So that's why his motto is no mercy. That's okay. that's his backstory. I always assumed that he was a Vietnam vet and had some serious post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. You know, and maybe tortured by the Viet Cong or saw, you know, saw some crazy stuff and came over here. It wasn't quite right after that. Yeah. That's kind of what I always assumed with him. Yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. I, I dig it. Um, you know, and I can't remember where I heard that from, but when I heard it, it made perfect sense, you know, cause somebody doesn't just randomly turn all evil one day, just wake up and say, I think I'm going to be evil today, you know, but it, it makes perfect sense because he's a war guy. And if you're ordered to be a loser and then you get out and you're on your own and you you vow to, to make a, a change in the world. I mean, in his mind, he's doing the world a favor by yeah. being, by being the way he is, you know, and exactly. these, and these kids, I mean, you're, they're impressionable, you know, they, most of them as, as you know, Johnny has no father figure, you're going to attach to him. And, oh, he's the, he's the cult leader. Yeah. You know, no doubt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the thing, I, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I learned so much about life from this movie. Just little things that Miyagi would say. It's like, no such thing as bad student, only bad teacher. You know, he, a line like that. And I'd get in and I'd see a bully in my school, I'd just be like, oh, he has a bad teacher. You know, I, I just would pull so much. You know, life has a balance. Just all these different things have taught me so much about life in general. It's just that's why I love it so much is it's not just a karate movie. It's not just a movie about, you know, a surrogate father and a lost kid. It's about life and life lessons and good guys versus bad guys and motives and you know, redemption, you know, we'll talk about the Johnny redemption. I know you had a little problem with that at the end, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I see it coming way before you ever did. But anyways, the, that's what I'm saying is that this movie's taught me so much about life. It's incredible. Very good. So I, what were you going to say before I cut you off? Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I was just, I was just going on with this scene. Uh, it's just, it's fantastic. I mean, I love, I love to, you know, when he gets Mr. Lawrence lead the class, you know, and there's, Here's Danielson, like, oh, maybe I can learn karate. Right. And all the all the all the students bow, and you, there's Johnny at the front of the class. And he just Daniel's look, like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. And I love his smile. His <laughs> smile. He, just, awesome. he gets a smile, like, oh, oh, look who walked into my dojo. Yeah, it's, it's great, and he hightails it out of there, man. It's awesome. Yeah, and uh, you know, don't they say kill? You know, yes. it's, yeah, when they punch, then they punch, they say kill, right? Yep. I've always been like, okay, I swear that says kill, yep. but I can't be a hundred percent sure. Okay. All right. So they say kill. We got that done. So I love it when, you know, he leaves the class and he's sitting in his, you know, and mom comes in and there's no, there's no lips moving. There's just talking, you yep. know, 
you won't believe this. You know, she's talking about the whole management thing. And he's like, what? You know, and, and then, of course, when she sits down, you see the conversation. But the thing that most people don't know is the what's back. going on in the background. In the background is great, dude. I watch it the background every time. They I, come running out like, oh, look who's in there. Yeah, they, they come out. They're hanging on the corner. They're just all just kind of chilling, laughing and smiling. Then you have Tommy. Yep. He's putting his coat on. He sees Daniel. He's like, the, no way. In the window. And, and he takes a second look. You're right. He says, like, no. He doesn't say no way, but he takes, like, a second look. And he, he does, like, a little skip. And he runs to the guys. And he's like, look who's over there. And they all take off. And the moment that Daniel and the mom look, the last Cobra Kai has left the scene. Yeah. And that's how they know where Daniel is. And you know what? I didn't pick up on that until I don't know how many times I'd seen it before. I picked up on that in the background. Yeah. I always see this is the one scene. Banzai Daniel Sand! Hey, Banzai! 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 <laughs> Without that background stuff going on, this scene I just never liked because oh, it's like. Here's, here's Johnny. Hold on. Hello? Michael. Hey, Mr. Zabka. How are you doing, sir? Good, good sir. Sorry for the delay. Hey, hey no are you. Wh- when are you recording this? Uh, well, we're recording right now, but I mean it's not live, so I'll edit it all together okay. and put it live in a you know few days. So, all right, let me ask you something. If I could call you back in a half hour, would that work? Yeah, we're uh, we're on your scene at the uh, where you come out of the Cobra Kai and you're seeing Daniel across the street. That's where we're at. So we got plenty uh, of time, right. sir. Okay, then um, good because I'll call you back in exactly a half an hour. All right, sounds great. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. That was cool. That was awesome. Dude, I was speechless. Pretty cool, man. I mean, I was starting to wonder. I was looking at the clock. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, that's cool that he called, you know. Yeah. Give me, yeah, give me another half hour. Oh, my gosh. And I wasn't nervous when I talked to him that time. It was so nice cool. Job. I'm giving you an air high five right now. <laughs> All right, sir. So uh, so where, where were we at, man? I was talking about, yeah. Yeah, this scene, I just, you know, until you pick up on that background stuff, I never liked this scene. Because it just seemed like it didn't go anywhere. Uh-huh. His mom. Banzai, Daniel Sand! Hey, Banzai! 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 <laughs> Michael, Billy again. Hold hey. on a second. I'm hoping, I'm hoping this will work. Okay. Do you want me to call you Billy or what do you, what do you want call me to call me Billy? Call me Billy and start recording. Awesome. Well, we're recording now, so whenever you're ready, sir, you know, we can we can talk. So. All right. All right, Michael. This is Billy Zapkin. I have a surprise guest on the other line. Oh. Hey, uh, are you sweeping your leg? Are you having no mercy on people? What, what's going on with you? Oh my gosh! Hey, awesome! Hey guys, this is my uh, co-host Jameson. How and uh, thank you so much for coming on. And we were just talking about you, uh, Mister Crease, and uh, about the Cobra Kai when we first meet you in, in the uh, when you're you know no mercy, sir. Oh, so awesome! Yeah, well, it's. Um iconic movie and you know my hero billy zapka stars in it and he's the best so how how are you guys doing how's life been what tell us what's going on um well we're doing good why don't you tell us what you're doing there buddy uh well we're um you know this is the 100th episode uh you know the karate kid is my favorite movie of all time i've seen it over 500 times you know i 
this has been my life lesson. And I purposely, when I started this podcast, made sure that this would be the movie that I would save for the 100th episode. I wanted to have a few years experience and get a fan base and everything. And this is the one that the fans have been waiting for. And when they found out that, you know, you, Billy, would be on, they have been extremely ecstatic. And, and my co-host here, you know, he uh, he loves the Karate Kid just as much as I do. And uh, it's phenomenal that you guys would take the time out of your day just to, to come on. I, I, it's a dream come true. So Right on, man. Well, thank you very much, man. We've uh, I got Marty on the phone for the honors of your 100th episode. Congratulations on your work on that. And uh, since it was sweep the leg, I had, to get, I had to get Sensei on the line. So he can't stay with us too long. So if you have any questions for him, why don't you ask him right now, and then he'll have to go, and I'll finish up with you, buddy. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so what have you been up to? Right, right, I'm, right now I'm on the chiropractic table getting a nice massage. Because <laughs> I've tough Hollywood life in a couple of minutes, and uh, I've been good. I just did a, you know, my I'm a big proponent of the Western, so I just did a picture called Three Minutes to uh, Three Tickets to Paradise, and we shot down in Tombstone in Benson, Arizona, and uh, produced by a wonderful, wonderful man named Jim Clark, who did all the Railroad stuff for uh, the Lone Ranger and the Fugitive oh, and anything that's ever been a railroad uh, had a railroad scene. He's been part of it. And then uh, we did another little western for the internet called Six Gun Savior. And I'm running off to um, Hoboken Film Festival tomorrow to get an award. And um, just uh, this lovely little picture I did with Anthony Michael Hall screens tomorrow night in Salt Lake. So fly to Salt Lake in the morning, and uh, go to this premiere, and then go to New York, get this award, hang out with the relatives in New York, and come back and uh, be unemployed. So basically, ba- basically he's, living the li- he's living the dream there, Michael. Why don't you ask him a question about Karate Kid, because he really doesn't have a lot of time. Sure. Sensei um, Chris, Marty Cove. Uh, well, out of all the roles that you've done, uh, is it your favorite role that you've done? I mean, I, I've heard that you're a sweetheart in real life, but you know, you had such a presence on screen. What was it like to be that character? Well, you know, to me at the time, it was just really another heavy. I was doing uh, Cagney and Lacey, a TV series, and you don't really know that a movie's ever going to be an icon, you know, as that movie was. And having done three of them, you know... It's kind of like uh, it was so much fun because of Billy, because of Pat, and and we had such a good time, you know, making it. And we discussed yesterday how there aren't a lot of classics out there, you know, and that one um, sort of resounds for so many people in so many generations. It means so much to kids because of bullying, because of a romance, because of fish out of water, and it says so much. And technically, to me. I think working with Robert Kamen, who wrote it, who said he had a Marine sensei, his Marine instruction instructor in karate was tougher and more, and in actuality, more of a negative character in his life than John Kreese, which is hard to believe. But uh, we had a great time, you know, working with Jerry Weintraub was terrific, and uh, primarily the Cobra Kai is what made it for me. All those guys, we still maintain a good relationship, and and Billy and I have other creative ideas going. You just kind of try to get as many of the Karate Kids 
under your belt as an actor as possible. Right. In this day and age, it's really hard to get, you know, to get a classic. They don't make too many classics much anymore, you know? No, they don't. Uh, when they when they did the remake, were did you like it at all, or were you kind of like, ah, you shouldn't touch my baby? Well, I was doing interviews like this, and Columbia asked me to, you know, do to kind of defend the movie a little, and I didn't defend it until I went to the premiere, and I basically just said I thought it was a good movie, and I thought, you know, but it was a different movie. It was a different kind of movie, and. It, it really didn't compete with Karate Kid 1. It just paid homage to it. And a lot of people, you know, stopped being angry once they said that. And, and you know, it, it, it's about Kung Fu. It, there's no romance in it, and it's not a, much of a fish-out-of-water situation. You know, and so the high levels of identification, you know, weren't there. But I think Bo did a good job, and he was very conscious that he was basically... Honor, you know, honor the characterizations we all created. But, right. you know, see a Japanese guy saying, you know, no mercy in subtitles, Billy and I would laugh. Right. You know? <laughs> well, you know, this show is named after you, sir. You know, your most iconic line, sweep the leg. I mean, the, how does it feel to see yourself on T-shirts with your fist up in the air and people and it says sweep the leg? I mean, how cool is it today? People still wear you, you know, in general public. Is that pretty cool? Uh, well, I, to be perfectly honest, <clears throat> I never realized people were doing that. And Billy and I discussed this yesterday. I never realized that they knew all those lines, that they wore the face on the uh, T-shirts and all that. Until about six or seven years ago, I was at a, I was at that place um, in New York, an autograph show, and I was there for a whole different movie, a picture I did ages ago, Last House on the Left. Oh yeah. And. Uh, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden these people came up and, you know, you just, they want pictures, they want this and that, but they didn't want the movie that I was there with the cast of. They wanted only Karate Kid stuff. And every one of them knew every line you said and where you've been and all. And then you realize it was such an iconic picture, you know, and you thank God for it. You just thank your lucky stars. And, you know, most of the time Hollywood is so difficult. You're only as good as your last movie, and that movie was too long ago. So... You got to keep your career going, but it's associations that I got with Billy and and uh, and also uh, another one of the uh, Cobra Kai, you know, Ron Thomas is uh, he's terrific, and uh, you know, it, it it was just a breath of fresh air and just something of such such taste and quality that lasts thirty years. You know, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, my kids love it just as much as I do. I mean, you clearly made. Uh, a picture that is timeless and it just has stand has stood the uh, test of time. And plus, you're in the you're in the greatest uh, montage ever with "You're the Best." So, oh great! I mean, don't you love Billy's video? I mean, I thought that's a classic. That was phenomenal. That was I mean, the biggest reason why I named the show that because uh, I saw that music video and uh, I actually I I was so impressed with it. I was like, I got to name my show after after that video because it was just it gave me my inspiration to go full stream with the show and and i love that video and you were you were awesome in there no thank you thank you there's a softball team i'll tell you this one story there's a softball team and that was playing here in the park and i was walking past taking my daughter to soccer practice and all of a sudden this entire team ran off the field and they were in the middle of a game and uh they just ran off the field and they screamed at me and 
I had to come back and take a picture with them. And they were in the middle of this game. And it was called, it was actually called the Cobra Kai. Nice. And they had all wore T-shirts, Cobra Kai, and it was a softball team. And I thought it was hysterical that they just ran off the field in the middle of an inning to do a picture with me. And I didn't, you know, there's all kinds of names, Cobra Kai of, of dojos. and But I never saw a softball team called the Cobra Kai. So it was kind of fun. Do you do you still have your outfit from the movie? Yeah, I've got the top. I've got the you know the gi top and and I've got a couple of I think I have a patch and I have the yellow T-shirt from uh, Karate Kid Three that was throwing at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. I have one of those, you know. But uh, just a lot of great memories. They're, they're almost they're more important than some of the props, you know. I go I think I, I think I just had my uh, Rambo bullet harness they wore around my neck auctioned off but you know the credit kids a whole different deal you know it's right. a whole different deal and uh i'm glad you all like it and had a great time with it and uh and uh i'm you know i think all of us are looking forward to doing another film of that quality you know it was, you can do with the rambos the white herbs all these other westerns that i love but you can't really find a karate kid very easily well, you know, from from the bottom of my heart, I just want to thank you for being the iconic guy that you were on screen. You had so much presence, and you really were so believable, and uh, it, you were just, you did such a phenomenal job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And the best of luck to you and your, you know, your uh, your show. And uh, Billy, I'll talk to you soon. My, good, buddy. My, my chiropractic king of the body is here now, so i got to sign off. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good. Thanks for coming on. Uh, take care of yourself. All right, bud. N- nice talking to you all. Th- thank you so much. I can't. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Okay. My pleasure. Remember, sweep the leg. Yes, always. STL for life. All right. No mercy for people who don't listen to you. Right. Bye. Are you still there, Billy? I'm still here. I thought I'd give you a little treat to start oh, it off. Man, I-, I can't thank you enough. That was an amazing surprise. Wow. You got it, man. Well, I didn't know if I was going to pull it off. I just gave him a call last night, and he happened to be available. Wow. That was very cool of you. A... Yeah, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great, man. How how long do I have you? Just the 10 minutes, right? Yeah, about 10 minutes. I mean, maybe 15 to 10, but okay. let's just say 10. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah no problem. I, I Again, I can't thank you enough for doing this. This is so amazing. So. You got it, man. My pleasure. Uh, well, uh, we have, uh, you know, he's letting me call him Billy because he's just so cool. And uh, he proved how awesome he was just by getting Mr. Cove on the phone. Uh, again, thank you, sir. That was awesome. Um, so tell us, I hear you're in a new uh, miniseries. Is that right? Um, no, I'm not in a new miniseries. No, no. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, coming up, the Appomattox one. Yeah, there's yeah, a, yeah. a miniseries yeah, about the Civil War. Um, yeah, it's still coming together. It's got a really great cast. They got the writer wrote um, Spy Games, the original Spy Games with uh, Redford and Brad Pitt, and he wrote oh, the yeah. miniseries. It's a nine episode, or no, I think it's eight episode miniseries. I'm in seven of them, but they're still trying to place it with the network, so or a cable channel. Oh, that cast so, looks amazing. Yeah, it's a great cast, and it's an amazing, amazing script. It's all taken from like actual documents of like. Um, diaries and, and letters right from that time in the Civil War. So the dialogue in it is like really close to how they spoke and what they would say. And um, nine years it took them to write this, the research and everything. So it's, uh, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing miniseries about uh, the Civil War. And it's, you know, hopefully going to remind us all where we came from and as a country and 
um, you know, and have some uh, just some really great actors and, and filmmakers involved. Do you, so if you so if you own a cable network out there and are listening, pick it up. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. It's been close a couple places. I just think that there's you know when it gets to the to the contracts and the deals, it's been in gridlock a little bit because everybody wants to have the final voice on things. Um, so it's a matter of uh, getting it made with the right people and all that. So yeah, it's a great cast and a really great project. I'm excited about it when it comes together. Awesome. Well, you know, prior to the Karate Kid, uh, Jameson and I, we purposely reviewed just one of the guys to give a Zapka pre, you know, talk, and uh, we had so <laughs> we had so talk. much fun on that. Uh, so, you know, you've been a bad guy in a bunch of different movies, although I love your story how Johnny is just misunderstood. He's really the victim because Daniel stole his girl. I love your story. That's just, I, that's awesome. Uh, right. is, do you have a, a favorite bad guy that you've done per se, or is like Johnny, like, I mean, do you feel typecast at all when it, how do you feel about the whole situation? Well, I did, it's funny when I did Karate Kid, that was my first film right out of college. And I looked at Johnny, I connected with the point of view I had to, to make Johnny work. And that, instead of being a two dimensional bad guy, I had to give him a reason why he was that way. My justification was, uh, you know, one, I was trained wrong and I had the wrong father figure. So that's the main core root of why Johnny was, you know, bad. Uh, and then, you know, you throw on, uh, some cinder blocks of a guy stealing your girlfriend and, uh, taking the first swing and dousing you with a uh, water hose and you throw all that together and you get that guy. <laughs> so, right. Um, I love it. You know, but at the end, Johnny had a, a redemptive moment at the end when he hands the trophy over and he kind of wakes up actually after the moment of sweep the leg when he says sweep the leg in that moment when Johnny kind of sees Crease for who Crease is and starts to kind of question himself. Yet at the same time, he's been trained, so when those words come out, sweep the leg, it almost is automatic and programs him to go in and, and you know, hurt him again. And uh, in a way, he's kind of liberated by the crane kick and wakes up. You know, I mean, that crane kick kind of set him free, broke him out of that spell. And then he has that, you know, last moment in the movie where he hands Jan Daniel the trophy, which shows Johnny maybe pre, pre-crease what Johnny could have been. So, yeah, I feel like, that you know, that's why The Karate Kid, I think, works on so many levels and works today, is that it's it's really a story about everybody coming of age. Everybody's kind of set free at the end. The only person who's not is Crease. Right. And uh, what, one thing Marty Cove didn't get a chance to tell you, and I don't think he'd mind me sharing this, but I didn't know this until just about a year ago. We were having coffee, and he was telling me a little bit of his justification of Crease and where Crease came from and why Crease was Crease. And he said his backstory that he gave to John Kreese was that clearly he was from, from Vietnam and he was a vet, so he had some, some dysfunction. But the way that he justified his no mercy and win at all costs is that he imagined in his days in Vietnam, he was told not to take the hill, not to win. And how, you know, that time was a time when we were held back, when we could have won, but there were so many that were not won because they were directed not to win. And... So after he came home, he made a vow to himself that he would never lose again. So he's that with him into his character. Um, so I didn't know that, which I thought was pretty interesting and um, makes John Kreese actually three-dimensional if you ever get to that moment or ever have him where he gets kicked and woken up, you know. Um, so as far as my favorite bad guy, I would say John Johnny too, clearly because he has an arc and he, and, and he learns something. Um, I'd say, you know, Greg Tolan is, uh, you know, learns nothing and he's just kind of a tool and gets what he had coming to him. And, 
you know. But he was but he was fun, and I tried to give him some some different flavor than than Johnny and make him a whole new guy. The gloves, um, of course. Yeah, no, gloves, and he ate raisins, and you know, he, he was uh, he was just a typical guy compensating for uh, you know whatever uh, what's his name Clayton Romer said. You know, he's just kind of the guy that that lifted weights to prove something. You know, not my favorite character at all, and not my favorite to play. Now, Chaz and Back to School was a lot yeah. of fun. You know, they offered me Chaz, and now this would have been my third one, and I was really aware of, hmm, this is my third bad guy. Right. Um, it might not be the smartest move. And at that time, I was doing a television show called The Equalizer, and there was a great lead actor, Edward Woodward, um, who was my father on that show. And he passed away uh, recently, actually. And just we stayed close over the years. Beautiful man. But I asked him on the set, I said, look, I just got another offer for another bad guy. Um, I played two of them in, two, in some movies that are pretty, pretty popular, and then you know, and kind of reprising my my Karate Kid in Karate Kid Two. And um, you know, what do you think? And he said, well, there's three reasons why I would take a role. One is the part is so good you can't turn it down, and it wasn't that. Two, the money's so good you can't turn it down. And three, the people that you're working with are so good that you can't turn it down. So it's kind of a combination of two and three. And that was the chance to work with Dangerfield and Kinniston and early Robert Downey and, um, you know, Paxton Whitehead and all these just great actors in this movie. Plus it was written by, you know, superstar writers. And, you know, so it was, it was a full-on comedy. And so I thought, okay, if I'm going to do Chaz, I don't want to be Johnny and I don't want to be Greg. So... Chaz, I made kind of the cowardly lion. He's kind of like I got—I grew my hair long, kind of, you know, walked with a strut, you know, wore a scarf in some scenes, and you know, tried to give him a little bit of humor. Which halfway through filming, the director called me and aside uh, on the set one day and said, you know, we're watching the dailies and you're coming off too funny. You know, you need to be tougher, or meaner. And I said, well, I did that, so I'm not really interested in, in in redoing something I've already done. So I continued on my path and making Chaz kind of more of a caricature and having fun, a little bit more lighthearted of a, of a bad guy, you know, right. and even the end, I have the cramp and all that. I tried to bring some fun to it. <laughs> um, and they, and they cut around it, you know, they cut around, you know, a lot of the goofy stuff I did, which is fine. And they kind of carved Chaz out in the editing room. Um, and I love making that movie. That was so much fun. That was on location in Madison, Wisconsin. And right here, you know, my, that was like my college. Oh, is that where you guys are? That's, that's where I live. All right, so there was, you know, we used to go to all the frat parties after filming, you know, the whole cast, me and, and Downey and, and uh, Keith Gordon and Carrie Farrell, my girlfriend, we used to just go all the um, all the frat houses. We, you know, we kind of had our college day there for a minute. So it was fun. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, would I know that 20, 30 years later, those would stick and become so iconic and kind of classic and, you know, and I'd be in that bubble? Um, I would have no way of knowing that at the time. So, um you know, I think I'm typecast. Uh, I'm known for something. You know, I'm always the shadow of my past is constantly kind of at my heels. You know, um, which is great if you have that. If you have that blessing to be in something that people know and, and it lives on and it, it continues to, you know, entertain generations of, of fans and and film people, then uh, you know it's a great thing. So I enjoy it. I love playing the bad guy. That's awesome. You know, you are in the greatest montage of all film history. You're the best around tournament. So, <laughs> right. I mean, that's nothing bad to, you know, to yeah. say. Eh, that's a bad thing. Uh, you know, you recently were on uh, How I Met Your Mother. I didn't even yeah. know, dude, that you were the clown the whole time. So that was awesome job. It was such a fun episode. I, we have this thing called the STL Nation. 
uh, my fans, they're called, you know, STL Nation, and they told me, like, dude, Zabka is on. You need to go watch it. I'm like, really? Where's he at? And then you show up at the end. And I love your whole, I got a crane kick to the face. I should have been the karate kid. You know, I should have won the tournament. That was awesome. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks. That was fun. Yeah, they called out of the blue, and I, apparently Barney is uh, infatuated with Johnny and uh, calls Johnny the Karate Kid, which I followed over the years on the show. And then they said uh, they wanted me to do a spot on it. So I said, sure. I don't like fun. Now, it was a good time. I did. I do love your good guys. You know, shoot fighter. You know, for me, that was my blood sport. There wasn't no Van Dam. It was you and shoot fighter. I know you probably hate that movie, but it was just like. Uh, no, I think it's fun. Really awesome. And then uh, Python. I was like, ooh, Johnny's a good guy. It's just, it's so cool to see you as a good guy because I'm like, you you guys think he's great as a bad guy, but you should see him as a good guy. He's pretty awesome. Thank you, Michael. You're a good man. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched all your stuff. You're just you're phenomenal. I mean, you're such a I mean, you're such a, obviously a great guy because you call this dinky little podcast for the hundredth episode just to you know talk a movie that's my favorite movie of all time. I mean, this movie has taught me so much about life, and I want to thank you for bringing up the redemption story because my friends and me argue when I'm like Johnny was redeemed at that. No, he didn't get redeemed that fast. It's like as soon as he said sweep the leg. Johnny got his conscience and knew what he was doing was wrong. So thank you so much for clearing that up. I really appreciate it. Well, right on. Thank you. It's like I know I'm not the only one that sees that. So now I can tell. Now I can say, listen to the man himself talk about <laughs> Johnny Redemption story. So yeah, I was the only way I could hang on to the character because really in real life I'm the I'm the polar opposite of Johnny. I would that would never be me in real life. So the only way I could connect to Johnny was to find the me in him and that me in him was the, was the ending and was the core of that. So as that is my base and knowing it the whole time, no matter what I did, I was going to have that moment. I could go as far outside the line and be as, you know, mean and tough and all that as I wanted to. So as long as I knew I had that landing point, that part to connect me, otherwise he would have just been a two dimensional bad guy, which would have kind of come off cliche and, and not as, um, you know, not as long lasting, I think. Right. Do you, now, yeah. on, on the back of the book, there's a picture of you holding a pie, talking to Daniel and Allie. And yeah. it's obviously a cut scene. Can you tell me about any cut scenes that aren't in the film? Because I read about it, and I, I really want to know what's up with that scene, because it's driving me crazy. Yeah, if I remember, yeah, this was, that scene in the cafeteria, Daniel is in line, and I'm near him. And at the end of the line... He comes face to face with me and kind of accidentally on purpose falls into me with a pie. And, uh, and that causes some trouble. Now, it didn't cause a fight, but it was, it, 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 I don't even remember that scene completely clearly, but I remember they cut it out because it made Daniel too much of an instigator. Now, another scene that they did, they, they did cut out, which was actually my audition scene, um, is a scene right before the tournament at school. And Daniel's at the water faucet near the walkers, and I walk up to him and kind of pull him away from the water, and I hand him a piece of paper, and he says, what's this? And it's a death certificate. And I say, it's a death certificate. you got to get your mommy to sign it. You gotta get your mommy to sign it. And then he says, uh, and it, he says, I thought it was supposed to be no, uh, you know, no contact. And I say, yeah, well, accidents happen. Oh. And, then I, and then I walk away from him, and he says, hey. And I stop, and he turn around, and he goes, you think you might be wrong? And I say, who? He says, your instructor. You think he might be wrong? And uh, I walk over to him and I grab him and I pull him close to me and I say, watch your mouth, asshole. And I throw him down. Nice. And that was the scene I auditioned for. That I mean, sounds that sounds like a great scene. 
Yeah, why why did they cut that out, man? That's terrible. Um, I don't know. Maybe it made uh, maybe it planted the seed that Crease was maybe it planted the seed too much in advance. I think you know that that maybe I was going to turn. You know, yeah. Maybe maybe that that instead of that happening inside of me, that was suggested by Daniel, which wouldn't have been as powerful. So I think that's why they cut it. But it was a great scene, and um, and that was the only scene that I auditioned for over and over again for for months. I did that with the the director, and then later I came back, and then they had me and about four guys that were left in the waiting room. The first audition was really funny because I pulled up in, a, in my dad's 1970 red Volvo listening to Def Leppard or no, who was that? It was it White Snake or something? And, uh, and, uh, and no, it was Zebra. It was, it was uh, Rainbow in the Dark. Crank that song. <laughs> there you right. go. I'm listening. I'm cranking that song. And I walk into the audition room and it's full of guys that look like me. Like the whole room was like, like 20 or 30 guys deep of Johnny's. And everybody had an attitude. Everybody was in character. And I came from the commercial audition world where everybody walks in and goes, hey, good to see you. How was Doritos? How was Kool-Aid? So I walk into this audition, and it's like everybody's in character, and one guy's meaner than the next. And I didn't know how to deal with it. So I actually literally went in the car and just kept listening to Zebra Rainbow in the Dark over and over again. And uh, wait, is that Zebra or is that Dio? That's Uh, Dio. uh, That's Dio, man. Yeah, it was was Dio. And uh, so I was sitting in the car, and and then the casting director called me out, and I walked in, and I did that scene for rap for uh, John Hamilton. And at the end, when I say "Watch your mouth, asshole," I actually walked over to him and I I physically grabbed him, which is like a rule you don't do on auditions: is you don't touch the director or the casting director. And I did that. Right. And I remember letting go of him and walking away and walking to the door, and the room was silent. And then I opened the door, and I added a line. I said, "Read it and weep." And then I closed the door. And I walked into the, into the other room where all these other guys were like me thinking I was done. And I wasn't. I turned around, I walked back in, I took my headband off, which I was wearing, and said, I'm sorry, that was Johnny, that wasn't me. And that's when, when Appleton kind of got this look in his eye and said, uh, how old are you? And when do you turn 18? And, and I could see he got really interested in me at that moment. And then I left, and then I didn't hear anything for months. And then, maybe a month, came back, did another audition. And then the final one was with Machio, and he was already cast. And it was me and Rob Garrison, who played Tommy, and a couple other guys that were left to play Johnny. And we all rotated going in with Ralph. And um, I remember talking to Rob Garrison, who's one of my best friends now, outside. And he said, are you going to do the movie if you don't get Johnny? What if they give you one of the other guys? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to continue college because I was in film school. And uh, I remember thinking, nah, if I don't play Johnny, I'm not going to do it. But I probably, maybe I would have, but I just remember I wasn't thinking that way. Went home from that. They called me back one more time, and they sent me with Pat Johnson, who trained me in martial arts, brought me to this room with a of pads. And uh, I never knew karate, so he stretched me out. I was a wrestler in high school. I was pretty limber. And he sent me home. And then I didn't know what was going to happen. About two hours after I was home, I got a phone call that uh, I got the part. And then I asked them, what part? Is it Johnny? Is it Tommy? Is it Bobby? And they're like, oh, we'll call you back. We don't know. So they called back for like, it's Johnny? I'm like, yes, that's the one. <laughs> and that was, that was it. <laughs> that's awesome. So there's, there's the story of how Johnny happened to me. Good deal. Yeah, Bobby was always my second favorite because he always had the conscience and he kind of rubbed off on you. Uh, especially, yeah. you know, at the end, it's, you know, because uh, a lot of people don't know, but the scene where you roundhouse uh, Ralph Macchio, you actually hit him in the face during the the scene where you're dressed up in the skeletons, and yeah. uh, and you you were your character was gonna kill him. That kick that hits the fence that would have killed Daniel. Most people don't know that. Yeah, that's what Robert Kane. I saw that in the on the 
commentary, I had no idea that that kick would kill him. Like, I remember when, when Mark came and said, you know, Robert came and said, Johnny was going to kill him. I thought, I was? I, I did that in my mind, but probably right. If I that kick done right, you know, probably could have done that. So, um, but my intention wasn't that. So, like, I wasn't trying to kill him. Was, right. Johnny on, Johnny on, uh, on steroids. <laughs> right. Do, do yeah. you have a favorite scene in Karate Kid? Like just one scene you're just like, this is my favorite scene of the whole entire film. Yeah. The, the, my favorite scene in the whole entire film, and I remember seeing it for the first time. I watched them film it, but watching it in the movie as a premiere is uh, when, when, when after all the training's done and, and, and Daniel's done and, and Miyagi says show and does and he teaches them what all the magic moves did. Yes. And um, he needs to sweep the floor and do this. I mean, the first time that happened on the screen, the way that was cut together, the way that that whole thing happened, the music, I think, I get chilled. I still get chilled thinking about it. That, to me, that's like the most, that's my favorite scene in the movie, is that, that moment where, when, when all that magic comes to, when all that work that he's done comes to that moment that he's been teaching them this whole time. You know, and the first time you see that, if you remember, like a movie's been replayed so many times, you know it's coming, you kind of can't wait for it to get through it. Right. But when you're watching it and you're going on that ride for the first time, that's just one of the greatest epiphanies in, in cinema, I think. Yeah, you you are beyond the coolest person ever because that's my favorite scene of the whole film. So that's so cool to know that you have you and me have the same favorite scene. That's just awesome. <laughs> right on. So cool. So, uh, uh Real quick, I just wanted to, um, you know, ask you just a couple of quick dumb questions just for, you know, anybody out there. Do you have, like, a favorite song or favorite band or favorite movie? Oh, man. I have a lot of favorite songs and a lot of favorite movies. Um, a couple that come to mind, like, one of my favorite movies that is kind of underrated and, and dated is At Close Range with Sean Penn and Christopher Walken. Oh, nice. Um, did you ever see that movie? Yeah. Good times. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorite. I mean, I could watch that movie all day long. I could just play in the background, and I'm happy. Uh, uh, another movie I think was just genius is The Professional. I just love that movie. Oh, that's uh, great. You know, um, and um, yeah, you know, love the you know the classics and everything. But I, I have a certain taste, and then music. I, I like all music kind of across the board. So, um, you know, I'll tell you. I, I still connect with like Def Leppard and the, the movie, the music and the art that came out of the eighties. And yes. you know, there's something really special about it. you can play Kansas, Boston, foreigner, Led Zeppelin, that seventies, but you can play those songs today and they, they work just as good. And, you know, I don't know what it is about just art and culture in the last 20, 30 years, but it doesn't have the same effect, at least to me. And maybe that's because I'm from that time. So it means something to me, but, you know, I like the uh, I like the old, you know, Aerosmiths and you know the great the great uh, the great rock bands of those times. Yeah. People love to uh, bag on the '80s, but man, there was great so stuff funny. that came out of there. Yeah, we we just did yeah. Rocky Four, and uh, we just talked about the soundtrack, like half of the review, because of how iconic and awesome. It's like Rocky Five, not timeless. Rocky Four soundtrack, timeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it, what what the, where the shift is. It was just something. I think you know what though. Art reflects the culture, and art reflects the times. And so you know, I mean, and that's what we're getting today. Plus, you have a million. The thing that made some of these movies so great, like The Karate Kid, never would have made it today. The original Karate Kid, because it moved too slow, and it didn't make a hundred million dollars in the first weekend. Right. The Karate Kid, the original Karate Kid, was in the theaters for six months, and it had a small. 
it was like a sleeper song. It was like everybody started talking about it, and then people would go back and take their friends, and it kind of snowballed. Movies don't get a chance to do that today because if they don't make $100 million in the first two weeks, they're on Netflix or they're at Redbox. And there's so much content out there, and it's so thin, and you can wait for that to come, you know, to your TV home theater now, surround sound, and watch it by yourself or with two people. And you don't have that same experience that you had when you went into a theater when you're forced to be in a movie theater with, you know, two, 300 people that have this shared kind of moment. And you got, you know, at those days, you had a few channels on television. You had the movies and the radio. You didn't have a computer. You couldn't watch it on the Internet. So there was something about that time that allowed art to saturate and to move a little slower. And I think that's, it's like cooking a steak. Like, you could cook a steak. It tastes better if you cook it longer, you know, Today, you got a lot of hamburgers, and then you get a lot of big-budget, you know, smashes. But, like, Marty and I were talking last night about classic films, and, like, what cla- what movie would you say in the last 20 years is now a classic? Because, like, 20, 25 years is that line, and what's changed? And I think it's, you know, we got video games, and, we're, you know, MTV, and then the, the, the music videos that are so fast, which actually I direct now. Um, it's just a different time. So a good story and good music. That have to tell stories like Journey. You know, there's, there's, those lyrics have depth. The music has melody. Um, you know, that's, that's the stuff. And that's why I kind of feel like it's like a, not a renaissance, but I think that's why those movies kind of get become classics. And that's why the songs work today. And it's kind of like an old concert T-shirt that's kind of cool again. And, and it's kind of come back in fashion. You know. Yeah. So. You know. So it's great to be a part of that. You know. It's a great to to have a little piece of of that. And to have meant something to somebody, um, you know, and guys in our generation that are now showing their kids um, stuff from their childhood, you know. And now, just a real quick segue to Sweep the Leg. When we did that music video, they came after me to be in a video, jump around with a headband, and I said, no, I don't want to touch the Karate Kid unless I direct it and write it, and I'll do it right. It'll be funny, but it has to be classy. It has to be funded right. Right. You know, because I don't want to do anything disrespectful to the franchise and in order myself and these characters. So I did something very funny and, and fun. And it wasn't, but I, when that came out, I'll never forget when we released that. I'm like, this is either going to blow up good or blow up bad. It's going to either bite me in the butt or <laughs> this is going to, people are going to love this. And it just opened up all these fans that, like Marty said, like, we didn't know where they came from. Like, we didn't realize that there was so much, there was so much fans out there of the Cobra Kai and all that. So, you know, it's, it's been, it, that was kind of like sort of, uh, I've steered away from that time for years and years and did my other stuff and kind of connecting with that again, um, opened my eyes to the fans that are out there. And so, uh, you know, that, it's, that's nice. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, if you could rewrite Karate Kid 3 to where maybe it's you and Daniel, you know, maybe you're helping Daniel out the tournament. Would you rather like rewrite Karate Kid Three, or would you rather do like a reunion movie? Of I mean, I know Pat's not here, but what well, what would be cooler to you? Maybe rewrite Three and put yourself in there, or do a reunion no. movie? No, I, I, I'll tell you the truth. I, I would think I, I, if I real, I mean, maybe audiences want to see more, but I think you could have stopped after Karate Kid One and yeah. just let it be let it be the Karate Kid and let it go on. Everything after that, now Karate Kid 2 was, was very well done and, and and it was great and people love that. 3 went off track. Um, they didn't have a script. They were writing it as they went along. I was actually, I actually met John Appleton for 3 and um, it just there was nothing that, that they could find to make Johnny work in that script. So um, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I'd say leave it alone, you know, and make a new new fresh movie, you know. Yeah. Now maybe fans want to see something, maybe some reunion kind of film would be fun, you know, um, years later or something like that. Yeah. That, um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that that's awesome. You know, we were joking earlier how I said, in my eyes, this is there's no Karate Kid 2, Allie and Daniel get married so people can stop bagging on Allie. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, this movie... Is I never really watched number two and three. It's always this movie for me. You know, it's it's one and done. It's perfect. It's flawless. It's just it's a pure pure genie in a bottle. You know, lightning in a bottle, if you will. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody knew it, and that was what was you know nobody was aware of it, of what it was. Everybody was just in the moment and in their character, and it was being directed right. And and then it was a surprise hit. And then after that, how do we do that again? And you can't approach something with that, like that. You can't say, how do we do this again? Because you, you don't know how you did it the first time. As soon as you're aware of it, you've lost it, you know. So uh, I think, um, and that happens even on, you know, series. After series run out for a while, they run out of ideas and they keep trying to reinvent something. But, hey, you know, it's a franchise and, uh, and Sony's happy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. do you like being a director a lot more now than kind of being in front of the camera? Because the sweep the leg music video, I mean, for the first maybe thirty episodes, I used part of that as my intro, and uh, and then I just I changed it later. But I love that music video, and I at the time it was like the biggest YouTube video ever. So, do you like being a director better, or what's your thoughts? Well, I wasn't before I became an actor. Before my career happened, let's say, because I did commercials when I was a kid. But I was doing eight millimeter films since I was ten years old, directing them and acting them. So I went to film school. I was actually at Cal State Northridge in film school when I got to Karate Kid. And I didn't go to acting school to become an actor. I went to film school to become a filmmaker. So that was my that was my goal and my dream my whole life. And so when Karate Kid happened, and the next thing I'm on another movie and another movie, and I'm on a TV show, and all of a sudden I'm an acting career. You know, I that was my school, my education. So I learned way more than I could ever learn in college by being in front of the camera to see how this machine worked. So um, now on the other end of that, you know, I did a bunch of indie films. You mentioned Python, and then I did a bunch of sci-fi type films. And, you know, and, and uh, I just remember reading the scripts and think, seeing them a certain way and then being in them and they didn't turn out a certain way. Right. I started getting disenchanted with acting in those films because you realize you're only as good as the filmmakers. You're only as good as the director and the visionary, and you only get a John Avelson once in a while, you know, you get a Tarantino and you're in a Tarantino movie, bam, you know, you get a Coppola movie, bam, Scorsese movie, bam, it's a brand. And there's a very few guys like that. So you, you end up becoming a victim of guys that maybe don't even care to make a genius movie. They're just doing business and they're just throwing it out in the market. And then you're in a movie with cheesy sci-fi effect. And it's, you know, but you're still doing your best work, but the editing room isn't the same. It's not the same time and care. So I started getting fr- frustrated with acting because there's too few great, opportunities with great films and uh that's when i kind of got behind the camera and i lived in europe for a while and then i went and made my first short film which was uh which ended up getting nominated for an academy award and then that opened the door up for all kinds of stuff behind the camera and then i got into music videos and uh, you know tv stuff and commercials and all that so i love directing i love i'm an editor i love editing i like anything to do with behind the camera and orchestrating it that said I love acting just as much or maybe more. So the right character in the right situation um, 
you know, is just as satisfying. But I love it all, so it's kind of do it all. You know, I'm still acting. I've got, you know, projects to do as an actor, which I love about that is I don't have to think, do all the thinking. I just get to show up and say my lines and go home, and that's my day. When you're right. making a film, you're behind the camera, you never sleep. It's every day, day and night for a year to get something done, two years. So as an actor, you get a call time, you get days off, you know what your life looks like, and... um you know, it's a different kind of work, you know, you, you can clock out. But as a filmmaker and you're pulling it together, you're never done. So, um, but I like both of them. But now I have a family, so, um, you know, a good acting role, a good TV series, that's something I'm interested in again. Um, and uh, got a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff in that way taking shape right now I can't talk about. But right. uh, if, you know, I'd be just as happy just acting. But if not, if those things don't happen, um, I'm making my movies and doing my directing. So your family, um, do they love the Karate Kid? Just because I know Ralph's kids talked about how, like, you know, Karate Kid one thumbs up, Karate Kid two side, Karate Kid three down. But they all love the Karate Kid. So does your family love that movie just as much as you do? Well, my my kid is three and a half. Uh, so, he doesn't, so, you know, but I tell you, I think they skimming through the family channel, they kicked on Karate Kid one day and he saw me in the dojo and he put on a headband a couple hours later and came out and kicked me in the shin and I go, what are you doing? He goes, <laughs> he goes, uh, he goes, I'm wearing a headband. I go, so he goes, that's what you do when you wear a headband. I go, no, it's not. Awesome. So he doesn't know. There's a mural on Ventura Boulevard of me and Ralph in the final fight of the Karate Kid. It's like a side of a building. My folks came in town with my, with my sister and, and uh, family, and they wanted to go see it. So I, I drove there with my son and my wife and my family. And there's a you know a life size or bigger than life size poster painted on a wall of me, and um, it was a little explaining to do why I'm in a fighting position right. <laughs> on a wall. So he's not privy to it yet, you know. Uh, my family was there for the ride. All my friends, they're all still my... The friends I grew up with from childhood are still my best friends today. Um, so my core group's still around, and uh, they're all fans of the movie, but, um, you know, there's a lot more depth in that there. Um, so, yeah, everybody's uh, pretty happy with the movie. You know, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's fun. It's been fun for the family, and my dad's one of 12, so I've got tons of cousins and second cousins, and... I think they all got a little kick out of uh, being associated with it. With it being there, so. Yeah, that's awesome. I heard Elizabeth Shue doesn't pull her punches, huh? Yeah, she connected. She was the only one that connected. Uh, well, Ralph never connected, really. <laughs> she hit, she hit, uh, that, that cafeteria scene or that uh, was it the country club scene. Yeah, it it was, yeah. Time. On the Blu-ray, you said it was the country club scene where she punches you in the face, and you're like, man, you never pull your punches. She's always like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, it's funny. Yeah, she, she literally got me every time. When I go back and I'm holding my chin and I'm laughing, that laugh was because I was laughing that she kept hitting <laughs> When I'm When I'm smiling, it wasn't just that Daniel got spaghetti on him. It was at least a shoe kept punching me, and I just started to laugh. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you, do you have any like special cool trivia for us that maybe nobody knows from the Karate Kid at all? Wow, um, I'm sure. Uh, Not to put you on the spot like that. I'm sorry. I I was no, just wondering no, maybe okay. if someone's on the top of your head. No, not really. No, I mean I'm sure it's all out there somewhere. Yeah, you know, um, in some interview somewhere. Um, you know, Pamarita um, at the fence fight scene, I can tell you when, you know, that flip, I had to 
do my own flip there a million times on the pad because he kept saying, BZ, BZ, you're going to have to do the jump. You're going to have to do the jump. I can't really pull you over. Right. And then they had a stunt double that actually did it, Sensei Fumi Demera, who's a master martial artist, who doubled Tabarita. So once they realized Pat couldn't actually throw me, they brought this guy in. And not that he threw me because I did most of the turns, but um, that uh, was a fun moment. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, there's tons of tons of stuff. I had my first Chinese food with Tamarine, I can tell you that. And I never had Chinese food, and after one of the rehearsals, it took us all out to Chinese food, and I thought it was in some, you know, exotic place. You know, it, it's a great well, time, you know. It's good friends with Pat. I'll tell you, after, before he passed away, we talked every year at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And yeah. He, he always wanted to do another remake. He wanted to do a remake where Miyagi died and had a proper Okinawan burial saying about the scene. He had an idea of Johnny being a doctor and taking care of Miyagi. He had this great story for how he saw the ending of this, this series and everything. And, and uh, I don't think it ever got past his, his idea, but uh, that was his heart. You know, he wanted to have a he wanted to have a farewell to Miyagi and kind of have closure with the character and with all the characters growing up now and all that. So nobody's ever heard that before. Wow. So there's so there you go. Wow. Thank thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I the, I think this movie is so timeless because it's all about, you know, a, a relationship. Karate is just a template. This is about a relationship between two people, you know, like a father and son almost. You know, it's something that everybody can relate to. And, That's right. That's right. Uh, it, it's it's got to be pretty pretty awesome just to be a, a part of this and you know I've never thought of you as really a bad guy I just kind of always thought of you as just kind of misunderstood and and that comes out at the end you know of you know sweep the leg you know you got a problem with that and you're just like I don't know man I'm starting to see the evil side of you it really starts when Bob when Bobby has to disqualify Daniel you're you yeah. look at you look at Crease and you're just like I don't know about you. I'm starting to think that maybe you're a manipulator almost, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Good times. Yeah, and also, here's something I don't know, nobody knows, and that is that when we were filming the tournament scene, now the whole time we're making that movie for three months, everybody's on cloud nine. When we started filming that tournament scene, me and especially Rob Garrison, who played Tommy, started getting kind of down. And it wasn't just that the movie was coming to an end, but we were just kind of really kind of down. And he he was so depressed almost that he called an acting coach to find out what was going on. And the acting coach said, well, what are your characters going through right now? And he said, well, this is the end scene where, you know, Chris is doing this and this and this. And he said, well, you guys are living your parts right now. That's what you're taking home at night. It wasn't just on the set we were having. It was like off the set. So he said, we're, we're actually living our parts right now. That's why we feel this way. And when he told me that, it was good to hear because it was really strange because it wasn't Billy that was depressed. It was like, it was just a heaviness. So, um, you know, we really did become a, a, a like a family on that show. And, and it was long time filming. This, this tournament scene took a long time and it really breathed. It wasn't like set up a camera, put a clip there. I mean, it, it really kind of almost happened. So we went through that. You know, so that moment at the end where we're all kind of looking at each other, I mean, those are real emotions, you know. Yeah. So, there you go. Hey, listen, bud, I hate to hang up, um, but I, I do have to run. Yeah. Um, I think we did more than 10 minutes there. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> that was great, man. Thank you so much. I mean, you My are pleasure, guys. You're phenomenal. I Again, I can't thank you enough. I mean, yeah, you went way above 10 minutes. More questions than I 
I mean, I had to think of stuff. So thank you so much. You're the greatest, man. Thank you. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. And uh, and by the way, why I did this podcast, I didn't just randomly say, yeah, I got to name this thing Sweet Filet. I listened to one of your whole hours on Rocky um, after your girl emailed me. And I thought you did a great job. I thought you had a real sense of film and story. And I can tell you were a great guy. So I screened you myself. I actually sat and listened to your show for him. Wow. So that's, why I'm wow. On. That's, that's, that's why I'm on with you. It's not just a random coincidence that you named your show Sweet Filet. Because if I didn't think you were any good at it, and I didn't like what you had to say or anything like that, I would probably pass on it. But I can tell you're, you're a good guy and you're out there, you know, trying to bring, you know, light to people and, and good insight to film and special stuff, keeping it alive. And I think it's good for your fans. And so I did this as a, you know, I wish you best with your career and what you guys want to do. Wow. That's a real honor. Wow. Thank All you, right. sir. You're going to make me cry, man. You, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Wow. All right, buddy. Thank, thank All you right. so well, much. Thank you. My pleasure. Sweep the leg, boys. Keep at it. STL forever, baby. <laughs> right on, dude. <laughs> you, you, t- you take care. I will. Thanks. Wow. Oh, man. Dude, that was awesome. Wow, dude. Congratulations, brother. <laughs> wow. That was really cool. Wow. I feel That was a great thing he said at the end. That was. Dude, like... he was so cool. The fact that he said, give me 10, and all told, he probably gave us 45. I know that last section was like 35. Oh, yeah. He was on for 45 minutes. Yeah. He said, give me 10, and he gave us 45 minutes, man. Oh, my gosh. Dude, that is that's cool. Oh, oh my gosh, dude! That's that's an incredible compliment, man. Wow. Yeah. Nice job. Thank you, man. I I know I cut him off a few times. I felt really. Hey, I cut him off once too. I was like, "You jerk! What are you doing?" <laughs> oh man, dude, that was that was great. And there was one man. I think it was when I think it was when Cove was talking. He said something. I didn't want to interrupt, but I was like, "Oh, that's a drop. That's that has to be cut." And used at the beginning of every podcast. Wow, what was that? I can't remember now. There's so much going on. There was one that was like I was tr- looking for something to write down to write down the time where it was. But there was one quote that he said to you, I think, or about you, or something like, "Oh, I'm like, oh, that's yeah, that's great." Oh, wow! Holy crap, brother! Dude, I can't wait to hear this podcast. This will be my favorite <laughs> podcast ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dude, he told some great stories. He told us two stories that nobody had ever heard before. And the best part is is he could be like a lot of guys that's just like, yeah, you know, tell a story that everyone has heard, you know, rehash, whatever, go on autopilot talking about the Karate Kid and be like, yeah, it's whatever. Let me tell you about my new stuff. You know, I'm more worried about promoting my new stuff. Yeah. And Dude, he talked with reverence about this movie. And he's just like, oh, there's a little bit of something for you. I never told nobody. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I guess coming off the high of uh, Mr. Zabka, that was uh, that was incredible. So from uh, again, you know, in case you do listen back, Billy, you are the man, sir. You are the coolest class act, man. Very cool. Major class act. You I mean, I I had high reverence for you before, but you took it to a whole new level, man. Yeah, I was I'm incredibly impressed by by Mr. Cove and by. By Mr. Zabka, man, really, really cool to go out and do that uh, for us, for you. That was that was cool. I appreciate yeah. it. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Cove, for, for doing that, you know, taking time out of your busy schedule just to do that. Thank you, Billy, for setting that up. That's going to be an amazing surprise for the fans. And, 
wow, that I'm speechless, people, you know. And that don't happen. Yeah, w- when you're hearing this, this is like a half hour after I'm done with talking to Billy because I, I couldn't even speak. I was crying. It was so crazy. So. <laughs> All right, uh, brother, uh, we left off talking about our buddy Billy, I guess I can call him now. So Right. Forgive me if I call Friend him. of the podcast, Billy. <laughs> yeah, literally friend of the podcast. Yeah. Wow, I I cannot believe he actually listened. Oh, wow. So awesome. So, uh, my friend Billy uh, is in this movie called The Karate Kid. You should check it out sometime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, sir, um, I can't even remember where we left off because, um, yeah. Excuse me, people. I know this is going to be turn out to be a horrible 100th episode but we you know give us a break here we just talked to two of the stars of the movie we're talking about give us a little break people you gotta throw one of your jokes in there sir yeah give us a break people (laughs) go find a dictionary (laughs) i'm just as i'm just as speechless as you man that was that was a very cool i don't get starstruck you know i've met i've met some of my heroes and uh but you know but just the uh, like we were saying off air, what I really appreciated about that was that he didn't Billy didn't come on and just kind of give the rote answers that he's been giving for years about the Karate Kid. That he talked about it with reverence and and just kind of told us some really cool things that weren't just the usual uh, you know autopilot stuff. That was really cool. Yes, uh, thank you so much for giving us not one but two stories that nobody heard before. I mean, that's that's incredible. So, wow. I'm so speechless and so awesome. So, I guess we could go on and on about how awesome he is, but <laughs> Yeah, just let's just gush. <laughs> yeah. I guess all there right. is All right. So, we got um, a lot to do here. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about, man. We haven't even hit half the film yet. Oh, so. we got to we got to cruise through this, man. All right. This is going to be a 12-hour episode. I know. It's crazy. All right, sir. So uh, let's see. We left off on uh, – gosh. Yeah, we left off. We were talking about the scene with uh, you know, in the restaurant with Lucille okay. and all that stuff and the background stuff. So let's, let's roll. All right. So, uh, yeah, basically, you know, the guys, they realize that uh, Daniel is uh, – you know, he's basically alone because they saw him leave the restaurant, and that's where you get the bike scene. Now, it's a bad stunt guy. Obviously, yeah. you could tell that wasn't Daniel. But I like I love this scene, man. Daniel with his mom just talking about. I mean, I, I've said this line so many times, words I probably shouldn't have said when I was a kid. But this is a great scene. I dig it. And to where Mr. Miyagi, you know, you don't realize, but he's pounding on Mr. Miyagi's place. Right. You know, saying tearing out his heart and stuff. So great scene, man. Anything you uh you need to add? No, man. No, it is. It's a cool scene. Yep, good stuff. So, um, you know, kind of pushes Daniel to his breaking point. Yeah, pushes him to his breaking point. That's when you know he go back to school. He has those great pants on. Gotta love the love that. <laughs> and uh, we meet the, really the fight between Allie and Daniel that pretty much lasts for a little while. Uh, he sees uh, Johnny and the guys on the bike, and you know decides, ah, you know, I'll catch up to you later. You know, she gets mad. You know, we gotta face this. You know, you deal with things your way, I'll deal with the mine, you know. And All right, sir, let's talk about one of my favorite scenes of the whole film. Okay. No Shelter, baby. Nah. My second favorite song on the soundtrack, my second favorite song of the movie. And this is great because 
this is Johnny. Just, I swear it's weed. I mean, he's rolling up oh, something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and back in the, you know, when I was watching on TV, they always had to put a little edit over it, you know. But this is really Daniel's fault. A- am I right? I mean, Johnny. Oh, yeah, dude. He's, he's instigating this one all the way. He could, this could be done and done with at this point. Right. I mean, it's like, this... okay, he takes his beating. You just, okay, we'll just, uh, I'll avoid you. And it'll kind of pass, you know, it'll pass. But he's got he's got to crank it back up. Yeah, I mean, I I love this scene. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, this is seriously Daniel deserved what he got because at this point the Cobra Kai really left him alone, right? Am, am yeah. I am I thinking correctly on this? Yeah, at this point, I think if he had just kind of avoided him a little bit, that they would have just forgotten about him and moved on to a new kid to pick on, right? Right. But. He's not gonna let it happen. Right. He's got to instigate trouble. Well, it's because Ali said, you know, I'd love to see it when it comes around, you know, and and he's just like, it's coming around, it's coming around, you know. And it's a great scene. I love it, man. The the guy's trip from Ali, and uh, here's the thing. Part of the trivia is because, as you know, Billy said he was a wrestler. He was very athletic, and everybody was athletic, and and Ralph wasn't. So they would catch him midfield. So they would have to tell them to slow down <laughs> so they so they wouldn't catch them. But, of course, you point out the fog machine. But, you know, this was a scene that, you know, I found out through the special features that Johnny was going to kill Daniel. Uh, as you know, he really didn't know. You know, he's like, I didn't know right. I was going to kill him, you know. It's so cool. Now that we have that interview out of the way, we can kind of see his perspective for the rest of the film. You know, it's yeah. awesome. But uh, the, round, the roundhouse kick did actually contact uh, Ralph. Which uh, is pretty crazy, yep. man. I love this scene, and Mr. Miyagi comes to the rescue, and the kick to the balls is just hilarious, <laughs> man. I just I love it so much. This whole scene is great, and the next scene, did you know it was done in one take? The one where Mr. Miyagi and talks to Daniel on the bed, and just about his history and karate, and that yeah, whole that yeah. whole scene. Great work, man. One take, you know, far, you know, not really far away shot, but close up shot, far away shot, but. I mean, seriously, how hard would that have, you know, I mean, one take, man, they must have rehearsed that a long time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, and of course the scene that they always had to rehearse from day one is our, well, you know, my favorite scene, the reveal, you know, of of learning the karate that he would say, you can never get this perfect. You practice it every single moment of any single time you can, that you're not filming other scenes. So that way, when you do it, it's, you know, the payoff is huge you know so i'm which it is it it's great oh yeah he was he, billy said it, it was exactly it's such a great scene such a great moment it does give you chills when you see it as you see daniel doesn't even know what he's doing he's just all of a sudden he's just doing things like holy crap this is working look at me i'm stopping things you know right just, all right sir uh the next thing i want to talk to you about man before we you know get into big details is the date scene man this date scene, I don't know about you, but I wanted every single one of my dates to be this date scene, man. The feel of the night montage, man. That's my that's this is my dream date right here, baby. It's pretty cool, man. It is very cool. I would love to have a place like that in a in a lady like Allie on my arm. Yeah, and from what I understand, this place still stands today, looking pretty much the same as it did in the movie. It's pretty cool. Let's take a road trip, man. Yeah, I'm I, not asking you out on a date. Saying, <laughs> let's take a road trip. Yeah, man. Let's go to the Karate Kid, you know, places of film and, and check oh. it out, man. That would be awesome, dude. We'll rent the car and we'll just go. Who's we'll pay- drive around in Danielson's car and just do it. Awesome. You going to pay for gas, sir? Or do I got to sure, pay Sure, why for- not? It's yeah. cheap. 
So here's the thing, though. Uh, I don't know if you know this. I, I have the soundtrack. I'm not sure if you do, but I do. the Feel the Night song on the soundtrack is totally different than the one in the movie. It, indeed it is. It, and I always want the one from the movie because the girl that sings with him makes the song elevate to a whole new level, and I can never get my hands on it. When I got the special collector's edition with the demo version of Feel the Night, I'm like, yes, I finally get the version in the movie. Nope. The girl's missing. So really, yeah, it's irritating. I've never been a the ride. You know, the one where the Cobra Kai comes down, uh-huh. the one that was never released, finally got released like two years ago. But this song, I still to this day cannot find with her vocals on it, unless you listen to the movie. Hmm. It's irritating, dude. And one question I'm gonna ask you: Why does Allie get pissed off at Daniel at the end of this date? You know, when the guys are like, "Yeah, come on, we'll make room," and they make fun of Daniel, and then. Is she upset that she didn't get to go hang out with her friends or what? I'm really confused here. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. She, she well, you know, be, because I think it's because he says, you know, go ahead, you know, whatever. And she's like, well, if I wanted to go, I would have gone. Right. You know, and I think it's because she thinks that that he, <laughs> this is going to sound, okay, let me try again. <laughs> I, I think it's because she is worried that he, you know, he, she's not looking at class, you know, upper class versus lower class. Right. But that he is. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, she's kind of like, look, I, I want to be here with you. If I want to hang out with these people, I would. All right. So just, yeah, I think she wants him to have some confidence too, you know? Yeah. I I, I can see that. I mean, why would she want to hang out with her ex-boyfriend and those guys, you know, it's like, it, yeah, that's weird of him too. It'd be like, Oh, if you want to go hang out with your ex-boyfriend, I understand the guy that just beat me up a bunch of times. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I, you're right. It's a whole confidence thing. It's like at that point, seeing them kills his confidence level kind of kills her because, you know, he says that remark to her. So yeah, I can kind of see the whole pissed off thing. So that, that makes sense. Now that we talked it out, obviously in the date is out of order. That's the biggest flaw of the movie. But you go along with it because, as you know, Daniel has the Band-Aid over his eye. And uh-huh. then when he goes on the date, the Band-Aid's not there. And then when he goes back to sand the floor, the Band-Aid's there. But they purposely move that scene uh, forward in order to kind of move the movie along a little bit. So it was an editing choice. But most people don't recognize the whole Band-Aid on, Band-Aid off. But even Ralph Macchio calls it on the commentary. He's like, look. I'm not going to have a Band-Aid on during this scene, and then the next one I will, you know. So I'm assuming you knew that, right? I have noticed that, yes. Okay. But I like it, though. I like the way that the order goes. No, the flow is good. Yeah, the flow is excellent. So I'm not going to let no Band-Aid get in the way. Yeah, the training stuff. I mean, wax on, wax off. How iconic is that? I mean, I'll be honest. I did a bunch of this stuff in school, and when I had a bully, I would always think of wax on, wax off, you know, do the blocks. Yeah. (laughs) During that scene, when, uh, you know, show me side, side, how is that like a block? Like, what's the difference between that and wax on, wax off? Like that, that particular thing where he's like side, 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 side. What? It's the snap of the wrist. Okay. You don't question Miyagi. Right. He studies long time in Okinawa. But, I mean, it looks perfect when it happens, but oh, yeah. when he's explaining it, it's just lock and wrist, side, side. And I'm like, okay, how is that a block? But then when it happens, it's like, oh, okay, I can kind of see the difference. But that was always one thing I was always like, okay, I don't get it. 
You know, it's like obviously the whole training thing is to, you know, build the muscles that you didn't know you had and all this and that. And I love it. You know, uh, both sides, you know, he gets all upset with them and everything. The whole training thing is awesome. But the best part, though, uh, is the explosion. You know, how here's what we need to do. What? When you come up and I see you. Right. I'm going to start throwing punches. Okay. And I'm going to just bark out what you need to do. All right. All right. And we'll see if it works. Okay. I, I got it memorized, man. Right so. there in the zoo parking lot. I'm going to start throwing hands and feet, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Dude, our wives are going to throw stuff at us. We're going to look <laughs> ridiculous. That's going to happen either way, though. Well, it's true. embarrass them either way. It's all good, right? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I love the explosion, though. You know, why didn't you tell me you were going fishing? You know, you're karate training. I'm what? I'm being, you know, and then he just goes off. That is just phenomenal, man. I... Oh, it's so good. That's my favorite scene. I know I should say it's the Academy Award, you know, scene that was was supposed to be cut out that the they said was scene. yeah the drunk scene where they said uh, it's slowing the film down. But that was the scene that got him his nomination. I, I should say that's my favorite scene, but I'm sorry, it's this one here. You know, this is my favorite scene, the payoff scene. As Billy said, it still gives you chills. You know it's coming. You're waiting for it, but it's just so phenomenal. I love it, man. I agree. All right, brother. Uh, next stuff to talk about, man. Oh, my gosh. I know we got to try to wrap this up a little bit here because, you know, we don't want to go every single scene, but it's kind of hard not to. So, yeah, you know, he finds out that he just learned karate and then we get the fly scene. So, I, I mean, of course, the fly doesn't a fly doesn't normally do that. Just, you know, going one direction, whatever. But it's a fun scene. Did you hear about the different versions that they did of, of this? Yeah about the string and filming it backwards and all yeah. that. Yeah, that was pretty fun. But it's overall, it's a really fun scene. I dig it. I love it. So after, you know, the big reveal, we get the water scene, which, yep. which of course, uh, I, I guess the director made a joke about Rocky. Did you hear about this one? It's a little no. bit Rocky. You know, he's like uh, <laughs> about being in the water. It's like it's a little bit rocky. Don't worry, you know, and, which is kind of funny. That's good. And the beer bottle, man. I mean, how is that not awesome? You know, when Mr. Miyagi just breaks the beer bottle. How'd you do that? Don't know. First time, you know, that's good. Just so awesome. And this is where you get the first reveal of the crane kick. Yeah. You get the first glimpse of it. What's Miyagi doing now? You heard the original concept of this right how it was supposed to work right how it's physically impossible to work yeah one leg does the jumping the kicking and the landing right which you could cut off your left leg and still do you don't need it right which they said is just in you know impossible yeah you know kind of thing uh but yeah i dig it man it's good it and i like how uh you know daniel will try it later and how you know it pays off. You know, nothing in this movie doesn't pay off. You know, it's used later. Um, oh, so you got to love how uh, the bad guy, from, well, I better not say the bad guy from Darkman because I'll get called out again on iTunes about not knowing who it is. But I love the beach. Oh, I just rented Darkman last night. Yeah. Too. The, so the beach scene where, you know, how'd you learn how to, you know, what was the, the crane technique? You know, mm-hmm. if do right, no can defend. So we get the guys. That uh, are on the car. And one of those guys is from Darkman. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to find that out tonight when I watch. You you didn't know that? It, the, main, the main bad guy. I've seen Darkman one time in the theater. I, I, yeah, I don't remember. Well, the main bad guy of Darkman is the guy that says, 
you know, he's the one that gives Miyagi the crap and Miyagi uh-huh. breaks his beer bottle. So kind of like Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> is in the Cobra Kai, which is always fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Going back, though, I love when the uh, when he's like, a small request. What's that? Leave boy alone to train. You're a pushy little bastard, ain't you? <laughs> but I like that. I like that. The During the commentary, everybody was laughing on that. But it's one of the scenes that I just absolutely love. And did you know that picture where he's pointing down at uh, Mr. Miyagi, I guess is in like a, the Karate Hall of Fame or something as like the ultimate good versus evil? Martin Cove was talking about that in, in the special features about how that picture is so iconic uh, of good versus evil almost. It's pretty awesome. So Very cool. So uh, basically, sir, I mean everything else is golden. Uh, I mean we we have we could talk for years upon years, but the interview obviously, guys, went way over ten minutes. Thank you so much, Mr. Zapka, for giving us a very long interview. So of course we don't want to make this too long. So let's get to the real nitty gritty stuff, sir. Yeah, there's another scene is. The whole scene where he's at the country club, where Allie's at the country club with her parents and everybody, and and Daniel kind of sneaks in, right? He's spying on her, pretends to be a waiter and whatever, right? Kind of stalking her out, um, and Johnny catches his eye. You know, he's he knows what he's gonna do. Right? He's setting it up, so he goes up and he gets her to dance. And obviously, Allie's dad really still likes Johnny because he's, yep. the, you know, he's the their kind of people, right? Yep. And so he does the. Uh, he does the uh, big grab on Allie, and Daniel freaks out and knocks into the waiter with the spaghetti sauce and everything like that, you know. And and that's where we have the uh, the friend, Allie's friend, which we don't care for too much, but Susie, huh. Susie, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she, uh, you know, I, that scene, and then leading into the next scene where they're fighting, you know, they show back up at the place where they had their date, and he's trying to get her to talk, and she's giving him the cold shoulder, and Susie is interceding, you know. Yep. Um, it's kind of weird, just the uh, the uh, them fighting in the middle of the movie, you know, over that, all because of Johnny. Well, but I love it though. I mean, it's cool because number one, okay, they had the fight at the at golf and stuff, right? But then yep. the next scene that you get with them, they're playing the soccer, and he's like, okay, country club, you know. Of course, I love the little voice joke, you know. I'm starting to hear that thing in my head, and she's like, <laughs> pretend you're deaf, you know. And she kicks the ball, and Johnny. Just kind of looks at her, and uh, hi, Allie, whoever says that always drives me crazy when I'm like, hi, mm-hmm. Allie, but it's funny. So he's going to have a date, right? She's going to have a date. He's going to have a date. He goes to meet her. So it, it's Johnny, right? I mean, Johnny is the one that, you know, first off, he wants to call a truce, and Allie, you know, she doesn't want to, you know, she's like, just get away from me. You know, it's bad enough I got to touch you. I'm going to be late with my date. So Daniel sees what's going on, and He's thinking she's just using him now that, right. you know, so Allie, of course, after the whole spaghetti thing, she punches Johnny because she kissed him. And as we know, Elizabeth Shute will pull her punches, which is awesome. <laughs> right. And uh, it's totally understandable. I mean, in all honesty, Daniel's really a jerk off at that scene when he's just confronting her. You know, I love it when Susie's just like, good, maybe you'll die. You know, <laughs> I, I love that whole fight because it's cool because it's two different perspectives. You know, she's upset at him because uh, she he think she thinks that he was just, you know, that she was just using him. And, you know, he's mad at her because he thought that she was cheating on him, you know, kind of thing, whatever. I just love it, man. And Susie, the one that hates Daniel, is the one that brings them together. 
of all the people in the right. movie, the one that hates the relationship is the one that brings them together. And then Daniel's just like, hey, slugger. Hey, I'm a jerk. You know, it's perfect. It's perfect teenage misunderstanding. It's the perfect misunderstanding, you know? And I love it. It's awesome. Very good. So, so you're saying, because when you do that very good crap, that <laughs> that's your thing of, I don't agree with you. So that's not always true. Yes, it is. <laughs> I've listened back to our podcast together, and all the crap that you pull, that you'll pull out later is stuff that you said very good to earlier. <laughs> so I'm calling you out on your bull. So let's let's go at it. What's your issue, man? Let's go. No, I don't have any issues with it. <laughs> oh wow! I'm calling you out, sucker. Nice. This is the hundredth, baby. <laughs> Lay the cards down. Wow. Yeah, I got busted. Yes, you did. <laughs> no, I don't really have any problems with it. I think just once again, it comes back to, it's kind of weird, but I mean, it comes back to Daniel not having any confidence again. Yep. He's stalking her out and just automatically assuming that she's using him and that, that he's not good enough for her, you know, and you know, her parents love Johnny and she probably still does too. Yep. It's just, it's weird. It's a weird for your, for your lead character to be that, you know, and he is the new guy around, but it's for like the... Majority of the movie, he just, he doesn't have the confidence to keep the people he loves around him, you know? No, here's the thing. Daniel has the confidence with Allie. There's just always something at the end that screws it up, you know? I mean, think about it. They don't even tell each other their names for, like, three scenes later. Right. And then they're, like, so much in love that they don't actually go on a date until their fourth scene together, you know? So every single scene that he's with... It gets ruined by the Cobra Kai. You know, think about it. They're walking in the hall. He sees Johnny. Bam. Instantly, it's like the wall goes up. You know, mm-hmm. it's Johnny and the Cobra Kai always ruin every scene. You know, and I, I love especially the scene where they're not allowed to touch Daniel. You know, he, he does the mouth off yeah. and, and the teacher's there. I always wanted to know what was the Cobra Kai going to do to Daniel in that scene? You know, because they know they can't touch him, but they were going to they were obviously going to do something. But he pulled the teacher to get them, what were they going to do? That's yeah, what I don't I know what they would have done. I think they're just trying to intimidate him more than anything. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he had to, <laughs> he had to fight for his life basically. But to yeah. Get out of- but I don't think it's weird, man. I, I think in every scene, Allie and Daniel are strong until the end of that moment of the scene because Johnny and the Cobra Kai always come between those two. And then obviously the makeup, obviously the big mouth kiss, you know, where he swallows her face. That that that's where they're officially a couple. They're good, bam. So I, I'm afraid to say very good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. Do we have any resolution here? I mean, I didn't really know you had an issue with. Uh, I, no, I don't have an issue. I, it's just an interesting scene, you know, an interesting set to me. The first big fight between them, you know. I mean, the only thing I only really question was the golf and stuff scene like why did they get pissed off at each other when they had such a great time after johnny and them left but you know it's kind of as you said a confidence thing right and uh it's true it's a teenage thing how how i mean how much fighting do you do over stupid little tiny things you know it's like does she like me you know do you like me i'm so glad i'm over those days yeah right i mean those those were the days where the littlest thing like Why'd you look at me like that? You know, and it's actually a perfect representation of a teenage relationship because the littlest thing can go from one extreme to the other. So I, I think it's perfect. I mean, you know, I mean, of course, it's my favorite movie, so I'm going to defend it to all end. But I don't think it's weird, man. I think it makes sense. So I agree. Awesome. That's what I want to hear. Sucker. <laughs> <laughs> the drunk scene is 
obviously character depth, uh, which I always thought he says Machio during his thing. Oh, Machio. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but what do you what do you got to say about the drunk scene? Yeah, I mean, like you say, it is it is where you get some real depth to Miyagi. I mean, you you get bits and pieces of him, but you still up until this scene, you don't really know hardly anything about him. You know, um, he's, al- he's almost mystical. Almost. He really is. Yeah. And, you know, this is the scene where he he sits, you know, he's in there drinking his sake or what have you. And he he's explained to Daniel, you know, his life, his his wife, his some of his life on in Okinawa and the war. And even then, you're only getting bits and pieces of of it, you know, uh, as he's kind of rambling, you know, drunk talk. But it's real emotion and it's you can tell it's the first time that he's talked about this since it happened you know it's pretty obvious that there's a connection between he and daniel where he daniel cares about him you know and he and he's opening up for the first time to probably to anybody yeah and now this is before kumiko right like this is kumiko's his first love this is after he left then he found i'm assuming right i mean if we're yeah, talking that's to what i always kids, thought yeah okay I mean, obviously, if Rochinus is one and done, there you go. It was just true love. But if we're putting Karate Kid 2 in the mix, then I was just wondering, this has to be after Kumiko yeah. and comes. Okay. That's fair, that's what I've always assumed. Fair enough. And I, I, the best part about it is the bow. It's the icing on the cake. The man, you know, becomes the student uh, or the student becomes the man, you know. And that whole beach, like on the bow, the, the boat scene yep. it, with the music and just – there's all that flute music so and, beautiful man yeah the, man the sunset i mean of course the sunset with the punching they only really had one shot to get that sunset yeah. and uh ralph macho said how it was improvised the whole dancing thing and just kind of going with the flow with it a little bit uh but it was it's just so good man uh well and that's that's what makes this movie specifically in the series as a whole whether you like the sequels or not um the, the thing that makes them enjoyable or tolerable or whatever is the chemistry between Machio, between Daniel and Miyagi. That on-screen chemistry between those two from the minute he walks in, you know, fix faucet to, you know, all the way through. There's a real chemistry between the two of them that is you wouldn't expect with, a, you know, the, the age difference and the cultural difference and all that stuff. But that's what makes this movie and this franchise so cool is is that right there. If that's not there, if that chemistry isn't there between the two of them, this is just a karate movie. Right, exactly. You know, that's really all it is. And it and it goes by the way. And, you know, and like and like they were saying, it's not a classic then. But it's it's that. It's the it, it's at the core, it's the chemistry between those two that, that makes it so wonderful. Right, exactly. This drunk scene I don't know about you, but I've always had to put on captions. You know, after he stopped, he stops being funny and starts to talk about the death of his uh, wife and kid. Mm-hmm. I have to put on the captions because I never could, especially towards the end when he starts to really mumble. But yeah. when I put on the captions, it was like, wow, you know, and he starts talking about the war and everything. So mm-hmm. have you always been able to understand that or, or have you done the same thing that I have? Or? I don't remember ever putting it on captions. Um, I, yeah, I think I, I, I I think I pretty well understand everything that he's saying. I know, yeah. He, I mean, he does. Uh, he does start mumbling and slurring pretty good at the yeah. end there. Yeah, he says, you know, Doctor No, come. 
land yeah. land of free home of brave doctor no come and that's, yeah. and then he just passes out so but yeah i i love i love the drunk scene though but that, that was just one thing i always had to do was just put on captions and once huh. i did it like once or twice i got it memorized and i could clearly hear what he says but you right know, once you know what it is you can hear it then. yeah and then, uh, dude, Daniel's car, okay? You know, after the birthday present and Daniel gets the car, which is really awesome. I don't know if you know this or not, but he has that car still to this day. That I did. I saw – I think he said that on Dancing with the Stars or something. I saw him say that on. I was like, that. that's great. Yeah, he says it on the commentary track, and, and Pat Morita and Allison had no idea. They're like, really? He's like, yeah, after Karate Kid 3, I went and bought that car, and they let me have it, and – there you go. I was like, that's awesome. Good. It is cool. Cause it's a, it's a pretty sweet car. I mean, he, you know, Miyagi had a nice little fleet of uh, fixer uppers and really classic cars. And th- this one was cool. Yeah, it was. And you know, during the Rocky series, me and you were on the same page that it's the Rocky and Adrian story. And for me and you pretty much, we always agreed our favorite scenes in the movie were actually, oh, me and you both Agreed. It was like, that was my favorite scene yep. and that was your favorite scene. They always revolved around the emotional part, you know, kind of like the scene that would make anybody cry, if you will. So, you know, I told, as you know, my favorite scene is the reveal, of course, but this scene could almost be my favorite. The one where he says, uh, you know, you're the best friend I ever had. It, I get chills every time he says that, just the look on his face and the way Miyagi just kind of doesn't know how to react, and he's just like, you pretty okay, too? There's just something the way it's mm-hmm. delivered and done gives me chills, man, just like, you know, the end scene. So Yeah, man, I agree. You know, and, and it is, it's it's this chemistry between these two, man. I mean, how else, if you're if you're pitching this movie and you're like, okay, so what's the, uh, what are the major protagonists going to be? It's like, oh, it's going to be this kid and then this old man. And, uh... <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna become best friends, and you're gonna want to follow them around like this. Yeah, like what? No, why? why? <laughs> and the old man doesn't speak real well English real well. It's gonna be great. Like what? This sounds terrible. This is gonna be a home run, baby. <laughs> you know, it it does. It's it doesn't sound like it would work, but they they just work so well together. Yeah, which is you know I love uh, Zapka in the interview just saying you when you touch the script you could just kind of feel the lightning in it. And Allison got it immediately when he saw the script, you know, and it's right. just as I, I just love how he loves the first one and doesn't really care too much about two and three. You know, it's well, and that's understandable. But the, the thing the thing I appreciate is, you know, I've said before, I don't care for three. Right. Um, I think they they really screwed up three badly. And after he said they were writing it as they went, now right. everything makes sense because I'm like, there's so much inconsistency. Yeah, in exactly. Movie. There's so, it definitely tell looks like I think I've said before, like looks like they're like the day of, like what are we gonna do now? Yeah. After he what said that, today? I'm like, I'm not gonna watch that movie anymore. I think I'm yeah. done. You know. But you know what? Even at that, and as many problems as I have with that movie, is we talk about the chemistry between these two, and I think that's what upsets me so much about that movie is because it feels so weird but you do still care so much about these characters yeah but they're not the same people in that movie yeah you know that's what always bothers me with it yeah i I hear you man but uh you know i do have to laugh it's screw daniel's mom's cake you know he had to leave oh shoot you know my mom was making a surprise cake and what does he do he gets the car and goes see ali so screw the cake right (laughs) right (laughs) i i always love that that was amazing so and uh, and the tournament scene, man, I love the locker room scene, you know? Yeah. It's just, you know, because at this point, Dutch is really 
he's the main focus until we, you know, Johnny's at the end, but Dutch is just like, you know, points or no points, you're dead meat. And they really just kind of, you know, that's the guy you got to be scared of. But obviously the tournament, I mean, it's the greatest 80s montage oh, in the history of film. The greatest. Nothing more needs to be said. It's the greatest song. You're the best around. I mean, phenomenal song. I mean, I'm stinking. God, they changed it. Rocky three song to this. I was thinking about that oh. last night too. I was replaying Rocky in my head with this over it. And I'm like, ah, and then I was reversing the two of them. And I was like, oh, that just would have been terrible. It would have killed both movies. Agree. I mean, yeah, the tournament is like the big payoff. And then you put a crappy song in it and you get, you know, your favorite Rocky Five, you know? Yeah, it's just, no. But this song is perfect. It fires you up. It's so good. Oh, now, I, I got to ask you, Mike. Yeah. How many times as a young man or a grown man did you ever slap your hands together and start rubbing them to heal an injury? All the time. <laughs> boy. All the time. <laughs> it's a magical touch. How'd you do that? Show. Love it, man. It's good. Well, can you fix my leg with that thing you do? No fighting anymore. You prove point. What? That I can take a beating? Every time I see those guys, they always think they got the best of me. I don't have balance that way. Not with them. Not with Allie. Not with me. Oi. Close eye. Oh, then, so good. I love the gong just as his hand slaps. Yeah. Dong. That's, oh, 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 that's good. And the music starts building as he starts. Oh, it's so oh, good. So good. Oh, I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> Oh. So this, yeah, this final, this final scene, man, is and, great. And, and that you guy hear was... the announcers in the background. You know, LaRusso's not going to make it. Uh, he has a couple more minutes. Well, the the guy that Johnny fought before, uh, you know, Daniel uh, was a fifth degree black belt. <laughs> so, he was cool. Yeah, he was awesome. Man. He had some moves. Yeah, he did. That flip that he does, the three. Mm-hmm. The, oh, so good, man. But man, Mr. Mr. Zabka, my friend Billy. That's right. He kills it, man, with that kick in the face. Bam. Which right there, that should tell you that a kick in the face is legal. <laughs> Johnny got away with it right there. So uh, You know how they were making the joke about how Johnny got an illegal kick to the face? Yeah. I purposely went back and I listened to that scene when Allie gives the rules. Anything above, the, uh, you can hit the head, the sternum, the waist. Anything below the waist is a penalty point. So getting kicked to the face is allowed. And Johnny kicked three people in the face in the tournament and got a point. So Daniel's crane kick was totally legal. So very there, good. There you go, man. Nice. I, I had to go back and just, you know, I mean, when you see it all that time, you really kind of detail wise, you just kind of let it float out of your head. But I really wanted to question the logic of how I met your mother, you know, kind of thing, <laughs> you know. But, Take uh, that. You and Jason talked about the Johnny redemption story. He kind of had a problem with it. You, not as much. But after you've heard the man, do you have any issues anymore? Zero. Awesome. <laughs> what am I going to say? Yeah? Oh, no, he's wrong. I'm right. Listen to me. <laughs> I mean, you could lie, but that's why I wanted to say thank you so much for saying that because I have always seen that and people would kind of mimic what – you know, just as Jason would say, it just seemed too fast, you know, and and I don't know. I just I always saw it at the disqualification thing, you know, just everybody's looking stuff, you know, it's just so good, man. And and as he said on the Blu-ray, it's awesome that Johnny lost because that was his wake up call, you know, and I love it how he grabs the trophy from 
you know, the announcer and says, let me give it to him. You're all right, LaRusso. Good match, you know. So awesome. I agree. Uh, Yeah. Really great redemption. And uh, I got to say this. Every single time I watch this movie, I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care where I'm at. That the crane thing where he picks up his leg and the music hits every time finish him and he does the the not the not no and Miyagi does the not yes I do yeah. that with the movie I can't help no it. no no that's it's embedded in my DNA I have to do it that's my favorite favorite scene is when he here come the arms go up and they just show Miyagi giving him the yeah do it finish and him. I'm like I get chills oh. like yeah like Miyagi's like do it now <laughs> oh man that's cool oh so awesome and as uh you know mr machio said it was zabka that sold it you know that he sold the kick to the face you know yep. and that that hit you know the music hit when it hit his face is so effective you know and and i love how freddie is the first person to lift up daniel i thought that was pretty cool because you know they show him throughout the tournament you know uh, which most people say, oh, Freddie left. It's like, no, he was one of the first guys they showed in the tournament. And then the girls, even the girls in the background, when Daniel gets his leg hurt and, you know, you hear, get him a body bag. Yeah, the girls have their hands over their mouth. Even they feel bad for Daniel. And it's just like, LaRusso, you okay? Can you go on? Oh, man, greatest ending ever, ever. Oh, so awesome. So I agree. I would say in regards to the tournament, now that uh, after Zab, you know, after Ms., as our friend of the Billy. podcast, Billy, had mentioned, when you really relook at the tournament scene, and as he said, the guys are starting to get down, which is funny because it sounds like the tournament is the last thing that they filmed, which, as you know, filming is out of order. But it sounds like they purposely left the tournament to be the last thing of filming, I'm assuming. Based on what he was saying in the interview, I mean, I could be wrong there. Yeah, yeah, but, that's what I that's what I got. But when I really look at you know Bobby and just everybody's face, it's just you really see the emotional impact, especially when Bobby has to uh, do the disqualification. And what I love is after he does it, when he goes to Daniel, he's like, Daniel, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. You know, I love yeah. I love that. It's great. I mean, it Bobby gets redeemed and johnny gets redeemed the other cobra kai's really don't you know what i'm cool with that because those are my two favorite you know johnny and bobby but i just love how you know once bobby is told to you know take him out and you kind of see johnny's face like oh are you really gonna do it you know and i i absolutely love that scene when he does that when he's just like i'm so sorry and then he gets taken out but the best thing though is how mr miyagi says you're done you know you've already proved your point there's no need to fight, but it's what Daniel says that gets him to change his mind. And it made yeah. perfect sense, and that's the balance talk. I mean, that everything Mr. Miyagi says is just lessons on life. You know, life has a right. balance. Everything works out. Everything be better. You know, and when Daniel's like, I'm not going to have balance that way. I don't have balance with them, not with Allie, not with me. That's what Mr. Miyagi does, the Miyagi touch. And I, <laughs> I, I, love, I love his stuff, man. It's really excellent. It is, man. I love this. Just the whole tournament. As soon as the tournament starts, it's like, oh, here we go. You know, every time I'm so excited. And and I love, I love just stone faced our friend, Mr. Cove, just standing. I love him. Just arms folded the entire time. Just stone faced watching everything. No emotion during the whole tournament. Love it. It's such a such a 
such a bad, so easy to hate in this movie. Yeah, I mean, he has the smile when Bobby, you know, does the disqualification. Right, and yeah. Then, and then, of course, the epic finish him. I mean, yeah. uh, and I love that, that crane shot where it took 25 takes, you know, where yeah. they walk in. It's, you know, the of course, you got to love the, oh, I, I can't understand his instructions without him. She's his uh, <laughs> translator, you know, and yeah. I, I love that whole scene between those two. And when he says welcome at the end. <laughs> Uh, but that whole he steals the belt off the table. I love that move. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, Mister Referee. Not Miyagi. It's Miyagi. Or not Miyagi. Not... It's Miyagi. And he's stealing the belt. And yep. Daniel's like, "Where do we get this? Oh, ring provide." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great because you get to see Mister Miyagi be human for once. Exactly. Yeah. He's not just. He, he's not just the little Buddha. He's actually he's stealing a belt. He's like, we got to bend some rules today. Yeah, it's good. And I love the locker room scene, man. That yeah. is just so good. Points or no points, you're dead meat. So, Yep, I love it, man. You know, I don't know how many times when I was a kid I tried uh, throwing that crane kick up at somebody. I practiced. I mean, I had a kimono and the headband, that crane kick, until I thought it was, I thought it was unbeatable until, you know, <laughs> Freddy Kid 2 came out. Right. <laughs> I, I I've done that crane kick so many times it's not even funny. I mean, as ridiculous as I looked, probably. Yeah, you can't look good doing it. No, it, it's it's the goofiest looking thing. But as soon as you put the arms in the air, everybody knows what it is. Yeah, but it looks awesome in this movie though. Sure, it does. And even part two, man, Daniel still. It's just the way the camera shot when he yeah. does that, and they give you the Mr. Miyagi's face between the hands. The best. That's the best. That's what makes the ending so great when you when you have Daniel's hands go up, and when you get to finish him, it's like you're still seeing the hands of Daniel between you know, and you're seeing the faces of Cove and and uh, you know Miyagi, or I shouldn't say Cove, but you know Crease and Miyagi. It's just man. I told you it's the greatest ending ever. So, I mean, oh, so good. So I agree. All right, man. I give this movie five billion stars. <laughs> I concur. Awesome. I know people like the first half. We like did scene by scene, but I'm sorry. After an interview with Mr. Zavka, I, I, I got nothing to say. Just the movie's phenomenal. Watch it. Every scene is priceless. Great. So... I, I did want to ask you one thing, though. You did say you had one slight issue. Uh, do you have that anymore, or do you still have it? Or Not really an issue, but like a question you were talking about earlier. Do you still have anything like that? Oh, no, no, no. That, that was the, uh, the, scene, the scene I tried talking about a couple of times. Uh, no, that was just that, that stupid scene in the diner when, when he goes to visit. The scene where you see the guys in the background. You don't like that scene? That I never so liked that scene. Other than those guys in the background, I always thought it just dragged it down all of a sudden. Like, dude, oh. I, she, the, Lucille has barely been in this movie. I don't care about her getting manager training and uh, what the uh, your benefit package that you're going to get. I just, I never liked that scene personally. Well, well, and that's like I said before, yeah. though, I never really care for her as a character that much. Right. Okay. That's understandable. I mean, it does set up his infatuation with Allie, but mostly it's the background. You know, it's like, how does the Cobra Kai know he's riding his bike? Well, there you go. You know, so, all right, sir, what's your rating on the karate kid? 5,000 stars, 5,000 stars. That's awesome. That's good enough for me. So, (laughs) all right, sir, it can only be bested by empire strikes back for me. And that's a perfect movie. So what do you do? There you go. All right, sir. Well, uh, should we hear what the STL nation has to say? I cannot wait. All right, let's do it. 
All right, sir. So, uh, did you know we had a trivia contest going on? I did. Awesome. So did you, I noticed you didn't send it, so that's okay. You lose. Hey, you know, I I, I figured that I was ineligible for this contest. Oh, it's true. So, um, basically, uh, I had a ten question uh, trivia, and I said I would announce the prize. Well, two people sent it, so you have a fifty fifty chance of winning. And what the prize is is that. You either get to be on the show or give me a movie you want me to review, whichever works better for you. And uh, I thought it would be a cool way to pay back the fans because episode 101, 102, and 103 are the STL Nation episodes, the Watson, Tawana, and whoever the winner is episodes. So I thought that'd be kind of cool as a prize. So Yeah. So... Uh, we have uh, John, the music man, sent in, and uh, as far as the questions go, uh, let me let me pull these up for you real quick. Cause yeah, I, let's do this. Yeah, and I, I'm going to actually ask you, and I'm kind of curious to see oh. if, <laughs> if you, act, just for fun, I'm just kind of curious if you're going to... Let's just say on Facebook, I said I had a perfect score, and we'll just stick with that. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Let's see here. Hold on. Where did you go? Oh, my God. Gosh, how long ago did I post this thing? You do. There is a lot of posting on the STL. Well, are you are you complaining, sir? Not at all. We're an active group. I love it. All right, here we go. All right, number one. Name the episode I hate and I wish I could delete. Do you have the answer to that one? I do not. That would be Adventures in Babysitting, episode number one. Ah. Yeah. So, uh, what he said was Star Wars, which is not. The but that is, that's the answer to a different one. Yeah, that's my most controversial <laughs> episode. Yes, name the most controversial episode in the history of STL, Star Wars. Easily. Yeah, number two, how many times has Jason from Flix, Film Focus, Crossroads been on STL? And the correct Five. answer is two. Ooh, he okay. was He was on Buried and Batman and Robin. All right. Uh, which he said three, so he got that wrong. Uh, America's co-host... Uh, Jameson has been on the show the most, and CC Podcast, CCP, yeah, CCP Podcast was created from STL, even though it's kind kind of on hiatus at the moment. Uh, <laughs> We're doing it now. Name Jameson's first ever episode on STL. What was your first episode, sir? Cool as ice. Thank you, sir. Hey. He he said Zombie Land, so that was incorrect. <laughs> Uh, name the last episode where No More King Sweep the Lake intro was played and never used again. I do not know that one. That one is Return to Oz. Oh. And he said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so that was incorrect. Uh, name the episode where the STL Nation was created. Teen Wolf. TMNT. All right. Yeah. And he said, uh, what you talking about, Masunas? I've always been Music Man, <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Uh, and the nicknames officially started on Turtles Forever. Uh, John the Mailman and John the Music Man were the first two to get nicknames, but the nickname thing didn't kick in to full gear until Turtles Forever. So, cool. Uh, number seven, name the artist that has had the most music spotlights. Not played the most during movie music news, but the most music spotlights. What would you say, sir? I would guess Skillet. That would be Pillar. 
Pillar. Yeah. Okay, very good, very good. So he got that one right. He got 10 points. So, nice. so there you go. Uh, no, it's five points. Sorry. It's five points. Yeah, most people think Skillet, but Skillet's my second favorite, people. Not my first. Get it right. All right. <laughs> STL started on what date? He said Tuesday. Uh, I love it. It's uh, February 12, 2011 was wow. the date. Uh, name the episode that I got a new mic that I used today and took the auto quality, the auto quality up. I and do not know. He said Transformers 3. It was Kung Fu Kid, surprisingly. Wow. Yeah. And the bonus question. This one's worth uh, 20 points. Name my favorite video game of all time. Uh, Double Dragon. Arkham Asylum, baby. Oh, that's right. That. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I knew that. He was close. He said Arkham Asylum. So he got five points. So good job. You had a nice try. So uh, our winner is Lisa the Legend. She won because uh, she said Adventures of Babysitting won. So she got that right. She said, I want to say three, but it was two for Jason. Cool as ice. She got you right. Uh, Armageddon 4, which was uh, not, it was Return to Oz. 5, I had trouble with this one, but I thought it was just Bloodsport. That was the STL Nation. Uh, she did get Pillar right, though. And February 12, 2011, which you just got to look at your iPod and you'll see the date. And Batman Arkham City. So you killed it. So there Ooh, you go. It was a rout. Uh, I can tell you right now, she's probably going to pick Mannequin, but I'll give you an announcement now. After these three episodes, I'm doing a new series which is called Chick Flicks for Guys. I love it, too. I love it. And we have Mannequin, Easy A, Some Kind of Wonderful, and The Legend of Billie Jean. Ugh. There you go, baby. So good. Those that's That series, man, you, you are welcome to join me for every episode, sir. So. <laughs> I, I look forward to being on some or most or all of those. Excellent, sir. Good time. So congratulations, Lisa. You are the winner for that. So Congratulations. All right. So going back, we have, uh, we have an email about Rocky that I wanted to uh, read since you were on. And that was uh, John the Mailman wrote in. Great job talking Rocky Five. I agree with a lot and disagree with a few things. Great discussion on the street fight. There you go, sir. Now, Rocky Six or Rocky Balboa, they said it couldn't be done. He was too old. Nobody wants to see a new Rocky movie. Not me. I was sold. And after that first teaser, it didn't matter how hard you hit. It's how hard you get hit and keep on moving. Uh, had me even more pumped up for it. It's a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, up don't care for the steps relationship. Uh, I missed Adrian and go going with the father-son angle again, but love the father-son talk and the talk with the boxing commission was awesome. Uh, now, never back down. The first time I saw this movie, it was a little late, maybe 1 a.m. I thought, I'll watch this to fall asleep to. I couldn't sleep and had to finish it. I really enjoyed it. I like the use of MMA-type fighting. I like how he let the tournament to have a street fight. It's been a while, and I need to rewatch it to give it a score. That's it. Have a great show, John the Mailman. So, cool. so that, was, uh, that was it, sir, for his uh, Rocky talk. So this one comes from a long time listener who hasn't emailed in forever and that's top gun jason so dearest Masunas, how blessed we are to have survived 99 shows together we've seen some changes and adjustments what's up jameson that have only made the show stronger thank you for your kind note telling me that i am your favorite listener it was most unexpected 
he's very sarcastic. That's why I love this, you know, this guy. He's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, to the point at hand, The Karate Kid. Anyone that was a child in the early to mid-80s probably loved this movie more than life itself. There are so many life lessons that are taught. Believe in yourself. Try your hardest. And Elizabeth Shue is super hot. If you learn and embrace these lessons, you'll go far. I'm writing this letter in anticipation of Sir William Zapka being on the show. If Sir William Zapka is not available, please have Jameson answer in his best Johnny voice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad he showed up. So here we go. Uh, What has been your overall effect that Karate Kid has had on your life? Uh, Question two, where... Uh, were you nervous to take on the part of Johnny knowing that you would be despised by seven-year-olds all over America? We love you now, but I wanted, I wanted to crane kick you as a child. Three, do you have Elizabeth Shue's phone number? I get it if you uh, – nice. I'll get it from you after the show. Uh, are you still tight with anybody that worked on The Karate Kid? Uh, any life, Obviously. Any lifelong friendships? Yep. Uh, do you have any funny stories about life on the set of Karate Kid? Maybe some – uh, you know, antidotes that were not shared on the Karate Kid commentary. Well, we got two exclusives, people. That's right. Uh, we that's because this is Sweep the Late podcast, STL for life, baby. Uh, this ain't no rinky dink podcast. <laughs> uh, we're all curious if you guys played pranks on each other or if it was all business. Uh, which do you feel is better, remake of Karate Kid, Never Back Down, or Jaden Smith's Karate Kid? And Masoonish Jameson, those are my questions. I'm sure you guys will agree that they are awesome. Please let uh, William know that he is the best villain from my childhood. He set the tone for what a bad guy is supposed to be. He's a violin, uh, wretched through the entire movie, and then redeems himself at the end by giving Daniel a trophy and saying, You're all right, LaRusso. I'm really happy that they left that scene in. St. Damas High School Football Rules. Top Gun Jason. So there you go, sir. That Very was nice. good times. All right. Uh, our next one comes from okay, John, uh, John the mailman, his hundredth, his hundredth. Uh, I I cannot talk. John the mailman writes in, sir. You ready? Hello, Mike. Uh, hello, Mike. America's co-host and STL. We are here. hundred episodes. About time. Uh, the way you started, I thought you would have a hundred by year one. Well. <laughs> Life gets in the way, sir. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just messing. You still got here pretty fast, and it's been a fun ride. I think I have the most request episodes done. I think, and I thank you, uh, but I'm not sure if that makes me the biggest fan or the biggest nag. Uh, You have also done a lot of uh, movies that I would have requested also. So your taste in movies are about the same as mine. Uh, The 50th episode, I shared my feelings. I wish we lived closer and grew up best friends, and I still feel that way now. You come on every week just to have a good time and make it fun for all who listen. Not easy, but you do it. Thank you, sir, so much. Thank you. Uh, I always got your back against some of those haters out there, which we have some haters uh, who don't see what you have done. You made a nation uh, for a lot of people that have fun and, uh, and been themselves. Uh, keep up the great work. John the Mailman considers the email delivered. P.S. My favorite moment has to have been the big thank you you said during the Judge Dredd episode. Good times. Thank you. And Jameson is on Facebook right now. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. All right. Uh, this one comes from Anthony the Epic Emailer. Hello there, Masunis and possible Jameson. Well, you knew he was going to be on. Right away, let's discuss the movie. Although I don't like it as much as you apparently do, boo. I still enjoy the Karate Kid in the series in general. The first movie did a terrific job in starting things off as they uh, developed 
the relationship between Daniel and Miyagi, you can see the early stages of what became a father-son type relationship. Uh, when to when it comes to other characters, I felt that Johnny was a good villain, although he was in a way just a product of teaching methods of John Kreese. Uh, was nice that near the end of the movie that Johnny showed some honor as he rather beat the guy fairly than get a cheap victory. I like that it was a touch on again briefly at the start of the sequel. If I had to rate this movie, I'd give it a 4.5 out of 5. I don't know how to explain it, but there's something to keep it from getting a perfect 5. And I've also enjoyed the sequel a bit more. So there you Ooh, go. Interesting. Can't you believe it? I know your boy. I know our boy Jason does. He loves part two. Uh, over one but that's okay can't you believe it you've reached 100 episodes i've been listening since nearly the beginning and i have to say that i haven't regretted giving it a chance you've reviewed movies that i've enjoyed and even when you did reviews for movies that i haven't seen you made it interesting that i would consider giving it a shot down the road also having various co-hosts before apparently settling on jameson was a nice addition as it allows discussion to come up and possible opinions that wouldn't have happened if done alone. So thanks. That's all for my email. I hope you enjoy your 100th episode and the interview with William Zapka. Oh, my God. Enjoy is not the word. Uh, <laughs> been a great 100 episodes, and here's hoping for 100 plus more to come. Until next time, Anthony. Did you see his uh, picture he made, sir? That was pretty awesome. You know, the one, the one that said congratulations on 100 episodes. Oh, yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. So thank you, sir, so much for writing in. Thank you, everybody. That's STL Nation, man. You guys are the coolest group of cats, uh, the most loyal people, fans. I mean, you always have my back. It's amazing, man. I, I, can't, say any, I can't say anything better. So uh, the next one comes from Lisa the Legend. Man, we got a lot of emails, sir. Good times. Cool. Hi, y'all. I hope I'm not too late. You are not. I want to first give my thanks, appreciation, and dedication to everything you do. You work hard to put out an outstanding podcast. Welcome fans as your friends and take time to involve us with what you do. Uh, I've never felt I've never felt nothing but welcome and friendship from the moment I found STL. We want to thank you for all your hard work, dedication, enthusiasm. You have deve- developed a great show, dedicated fans, and great bodies of work. Man. If I don't if I don't cry by the end of this dude, I don't know, man. This, this <laughs> is rough, dude. First, first, Mr. Uh, Zabka, my friend Billy, and right. uh, oh man, so good. I know you're going to do an outstanding job with your hundredth episode. The Karate Kid is one of the best and well-known movies of the '80s. It still holds up to this day. Yes, it does. It's a great storyline where the underdog actually comes out on top and earns more than just a win. Yeah, thank God, man, because that would have sucked if it would have had a Rocky ending, right? Right. Uh, he gets the best friend, honor, and a chance to do more than he than just muddle through this life. Uh, you have to love the 80s music. It still holds up to this day. I can shuffle through it on my iPod. I give kids the chance to take pride in trying something new, work harder, and make friends for a, to, that last a lifetime with that being said i can't praise the hero without giving equal praise to the bad guys you know i love my william zabka obviously uh which again thanks to lisa the legend this is how it all happened so thank you so much uh i don't think the movie would have made it this far without his iconic johnny as well as his evil sensei you know that yin and yang for a good movie like this. You know you need a good yin and yang for a movie like this. I've been trying to rack my brain to tell you what my favorite part of the movie is. I think it has to be the dance. I love that he's a shower. He was trying to be inconspicuous and funny as well. I love the fact that they can get a laugh out of a good, of a good and funny. Wait, I hope the fact that all get out. get Words. 
hurt. I love the fact they all can get a laugh out of good and funny of the movie years later and TV shows like How I Met Your Mother. Uh, being the lover of all 80s, I'd be uh, reminisced if I didn't mention all the memorabilia, the t-shirts, jacket, lunchboxes, bandana, and my favorite, the video game. I hate that video game. That is the worst video game on the face of the planet. I put it in my toilet and I flushed it down. I hate that game. It is. It's pretty bad. It's my childhood torture. If, if you wanted to punish me and ground me, make me play that game. Ugh. I spent hours playing the extras where you'd practice ch- uh, catching flies with chopsticks. I know you are all going to nail it out of the park with your 100th episode, so I'm excited to see how it goes and listen to some great tunes. I hope this gives you a chance to see you're doing great work, make a difference, and have fans that don't just see you as a host but a friend. Oh, man. you! Awesome. I'm so happy we are along for the ride. I hope you had fun with your interview with William Zavka and so glad to make this happen. Long live STL and STL Nation. Take care, Lisa the Legend. Wow. Thank you so much. Man. I'm starting to get emotional, man. That's all, that's all right. That's all I'm going to say, Chief. Oh, my gosh. We have a long-time listener who... Wrote in once, and this is his second time. It's tons of balloons. It says 100th, and it's from Professor X, I like to say. Hello, sir. Happy 100th from a loyal, long-time listener who has your back, as you so eloquent, eh, eloquently put it once, and I still do, even if uh, even if you choose those cult classics again. Maybe there'll be 100-plus more episodes that include bonuses and underground episodes. Your friend Ivan, a.k.a. Professor. Thank you, Ivan, so much. I'm glad you dig the Underground Hour, man. Those are always fun for me to do, and those bonus episodes are always a blast, too. So I am going to conquer Star Wars uh, probably before episode 140. I'm going to wow. hit, hit that sucker up. So if uh, you want to come on, sir, that's cool. If you don't, I understand. I know you don't like haters, so I'm going I'm <laughs> to the- tackle that, and I don't care what people say. They want to write in hate mail. Do do as you will. I'll just delete it. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm going full stream ahead with the Star Wars series, baby. So I love it. Good times. And uh, we have one from Char- uh, Cheerful Charlie, and he says, "Hi guys and gals. Can you believe it? We are here at the hundredth episode. By far, my favorite episode is the Star Wars episode. Only you." Would that would be your favorite? Oh wait, the only Star Wars episode. To me, that episode was great fun, and would love to see more fun episodes going into the 200th episode. Rock on, folks! Cheerful Charlie. Uh, yes, sir. I'm glad you enjoyed that episode, and uh, I promise you, you will get new Star Wars. So, and I don't know if I'm gonna skip two and three. I might just go into the original trilogy. Oh, well, that's the best way to do it. I think I'm just gonna do that because most people agree two and three are, you know, they're two is terrible yeah i think i'm just gonna do that i'm just gonna go you know new hope empire strike back return of the jedi call it a day that's what i'm gonna do so uh, not not in one episode i'm just gonna do one episode for each so you're welcome sir doors open so there you I go i love it all right all right man we have one final email i think i have everything if i missed anybody i'm so sorry you i am on such a high right now uh, you guys have no idea, so it's hard for me to collect my brain here. Sorry. What is up, Masunis Jameson and the STL Nation? This one comes from Watson. He helped me on Furious 6 review. That was awesome. Well, here we finally are. After 99 awesome episodes and some bonus movie reviews and the underground hours, it's time to talk about the movie that gave the podcast its namesake, the original Karate Kid. 
This flick is one of the gems of the 80s that will forever be in my film collection. This flick has something for any movie fan to relate to. Even with karate being in the movie, the story's main focus is on Daniel's son and Mr. Miyagi. I won't go into full detail about the flick because I'm sure you guys will, but I know two of my favorite scenes would show up on several other people's lists, which are the fight between Johnny, Crew, and Mr. Miyagi, and the tournament itself. I know this isn't an Oscar award-winning movie, but it's five stars for me. I could at any time catch this flick on TV and stop what I'm doing and watch it again. I agree 100% with everything you said, sir. Uh, yeah. Well, I hate to cut it short, but I got to get back on the road and deliver. But before I go, I want to congratulate you, Mike, on making it to 100 episodes. I have in the last 100-plus episodes watched and enjoyed movies and music that I never would have taken a chance on, had something to listen to on my long work days, and gained a true friend. So thanks for doing what you do. Keep uh, and keep getting Jameson on uh, for more crazy discussions on movies. I love the Rocky Five episode; that was epic. And here's to 100 more, bro. You guys take it easy. I'll holler at you later. Monday night, Jason. So awesome! Wow, good times. So um, that is all our emails. What I want to do for you guys is uh, do a special little segment I created for you guys, kind of the uh, the best of. STL moments, you know, uh, kind of play some of my favorite tunes to some of my favorite clips, some of the fun stuff. And, you know, it's about 10 minutes long. It's not too long, but just kind of sit back and, and go back. And if you don't want to hear it, just fast forward it. But this is for all the hardcore fans. Just, you know, something I put together for you guys and I hope you dig it. So, uh, after you get done with this, uh, we'll roll into the music spotlight. go right into emails but here's what we're going to do uh we are going to call this segment the the stl the stl nation segment and that's essentially obviously your emails but it's coming from the sweep the leg podcast you know nation the stl nation is what i'm is what i'm calling you guys so essentially when i get done reviewing a film i'm going to say so let's get into and see what the STL Nation had to say, and then I'll go ahead and read your email. So that is what the STL Nation is, and you easily become a part of the STL Nation. You know, I have the likes on the Facebook page, but I only hear from selected people when it comes to email. So um, I'll go ahead and name off when I get into emails who's part of the STL Nation. And all you got to do is, is just email in and you're automatically included in the STL Nation. I like to consider it the elite group, you know, the big fans of the Sweet Delay podcast is the STL Nation. You know, like Crossroads, Crossroads has the Crossroads Nation and all the fans are part of the Crossroads Nation. But I like to consider the STL Nation the fans that always write in an email and all you got to do is email in once and you're automatically considered part of the STL Nation. So um, let's go ahead and get into what the STL Nation had to say. Oh, 
Now, um, the STL Nation, we all know we have um, we have our good friend John the Mailman who always writes in. We have John from Philly. We have and we have Anthony. You guys are part of the STL Nation. Uh, even Mr. Jason from all of the other shows that we all listen to because he wrote in. He's actually the uh, the second emailer I ever had on the show. He wrote in on all of my worst movies, which was that was a hilarious email. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the uh, the music spotlight. Here comes the ready and now. Here comes the boys from the south. Here comes the ready and now. Hope you like that little intro there. Um, that is going to be the new intro for when I play a Spotlight song because you know what? Uh, I love that song, Boom, one of my favorite POD songs, but it's kind of fitting because it's kind of uh, it's an exciting time, new music, and I try to give you some rock and music that you're going to dig. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of fitting that that's going to be the intro song or the intro little segment to whenever the spot the music spotlight comes so here's the deal with the music spotlight and i could tell you exactly what i gave it i'm pretty sure it would be a five-star movie um let me look and see what i actually gave it on the old flickster um because i really can't think of anything they did wrong it's such a logistically as a filmmaker i'm very impressed with it um the acting spot on the story spot on so I ultimately gave this movie a perfect five stars. Why don't you go and pimp out your show, sir? Um, well, first and foremost, I do uh, Film and Focus, which is a look into film as a whole. So we talk about genres, uh, decades of filmmaking, actors and directors spotlight. It, it's not really a review show like this one. It's more like let's look at film and discuss how it's made. Um, uh, styles of filmmaking, all that kind of stuff. It's a very cerebral look at, at filmmaking. Uh, then I do flicks, which is very much like this show where we just talk about one movie every episode. So uh, you don't really have to watch. You don't really have to listen to every single episode. Just look for movies you like and, and then click on it and hear us talk about them. Uh, that's done with my friend Dan. And then me and Dan also do Show Me the Winston, which is a very random discussion podcast where we talk about anything and everything under the sun while enjoying the nice cold beer at the same time so that's about it those are those are the shows go check out crossroads too if you're into supernatural so what about uh shadowy flight sir oh that show's dead sir. <laughs> <laughs> i know you like it but it's just not going anywhere at the moment. I'm the only fan you have left, dude. Oh. Well, we actually have quite a few fans there. We still get a few emails and stuff. But the the thing is, we're we're just so busy these days because um, Dan also helps with the the filmmaking portion of Stormfront Productions. And uh, summertime, we're heavy into production most days of the week. And so we just, we kind of had to make a decision of, we, okay, what podcasts can we still do and which ones can fall by the wayside at the moment? And Shadowy Flight was definitely one that didn't have priority over everything else. Mm-hmm. 
Hey guys, what's up? This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunis, Sweet Delay Podcast, and um, this is kind of a bonus episode. The reason I wanted to send this out to you is not everybody um, is going to hear this information, so I wanted to get it out to you on your iTunes feed. If you can't tell from the beginning of this, uh, Night Rider is the new podcast that I'm doing, and what I mean by that is... Um, the Shadowy Flight, which is the podcast, which was Jason and Dan's podcast, uh, I have officially taken over as the host of that show. So anybody who is fans of Knight Rider uh, can subscribe if you haven't already to the Shadowy Flight on iTunes. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. Hey everyone, sure. welcome to the Crossroads Podcast, the podcast dedicated to no, the no, 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 no. What? Wrong, wrong show, wrong show. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. No, see, it's, well, it's not projection booth. We're not talking about Halloween. Um, right. So it's got to be the crossroads. No, no. It's on the crossroads, we talk about supernatural, and that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking supernatural? No. Oh, damn. Bar- darn. <laughs> okay, Edit, sir. You can say damn. Edit. Edit. Who, wait, and who, who's this third person? Uh, wait, who? It's not Jason. This is Beavis. No, this is- it, it is Beavis. What up? It's Cornholio oh, here. I signed on to be on a show with Beavis and Butthead. This is true. What um, did I get myself into? I can, like, make that happen or something. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong.
Sheriff, I shot him. Gentlemen, he's still on the loose. Just some kind of joke. We've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Samhain. Okay, so, uh, as you know, I'm a huge uh, rock fan. Um, and the I, biggest. Yes, the biggest. And I believe <laughs> this is your first time you ever saw this movie, is that correct? Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a rookie to anything with The Rock in it, but this is the first time I've watched this movie. Excellent, excellent. Um, I do have to say that uh, The Rundown um, is probably the movie I've seen the less of The Rock uh, outside of The Tooth Fairy. I saw The Tooth Fairy once. Hey, kid, why do you wear sunglasses at night? Because when you're cool, the sun shine on you 24 hours a day. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Chill out, Butch. And get a shave. Go ahead. Make my semester. Come on! What is that? I don't know. My ears are ringing like the gong show. I can't hear nothing. Whoa! And I don't see that, neither. Charming. Got me, Mike. Oh, terrific. The answer man is stumped. Uh, this plant has been extinct for 60 million years. What's his problem? He doesn't feel well. Bueller? My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times.
Thank you, Wichita. Thanks, Little Rock. Hey, for sake, enough already. We are being chased by ravenous freaks. We don't have enough problems? Oh, they stole my Hummer. Oh, we have trust issues. Well, get over it, okay? We can't just drive down the road playing I Spy or some for two hours like four normal-ass Americans. me. Oh. I know. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. I, of course, have the uh, America's co-host on <laughs> on with me. What is up, Mr. Jameson? How's it going, sir? How you doing, man? We're going to get that to catch on. America's co-host. You know, I noticed on Facebook you updated that to be America's co-host and you put a trademark next to it. I did. Patent pending. I'm working on it. Hello, Arnold. Good morning. Hey, how you doing? How are you? Oh, not too bad. Who are you? Uh, you know, it's um, Mike Mack. You know, Mike Mack Masunis. You son of a bitch. 
Hey, you can't talk that way, sir. We're live, man. We're live on the podcast. But I'm happy to have you on, man. I'm a humongous fan of you, sir. Come on. Don't bullshit me. I'm not. Hey, like, you can't swear on the podcast, sir. Whatever your name is, get ready for the big surprise. All right. Well, hey, I'm talking to Terminator today, and, you know, I heard that uh, you were willing to come on the show and we could uh, we could talk the Terminator because you know this is like your first big humongous movie and all that other good stuff. Well, I've got news for you. You are mine now. You belong to me. Hey, no, you're quoting the wrong movie, sir. That's next week during uh, Kindergarten Cop. No. Yeah, next week we're gonna do Kindergarten Cop. You know what I mean? Is that okay? First, I would like to just get to know you. Okay. Uh, what do you want to know? Who is your daddy? And what does he do? Uh, well, my daddy, uh, he's retired. And, uh, you know, again, so you're quoting Kindergarten Cop. And, you know, we're talking some Terminator here. But anyways, uh, you know, he uh, basically is, you know, he's retired. He's really cool. My CPU is a neural net processor, a learning computer. Very good. Now you're on the right track, sir. Uh, yeah, he's retired. And, uh, you know, my mom and, and him and stuff like that are retired, just hanging out. It's all good. But, hey, how about this? Um, I'm thinking that uh, I'm going to talk I'm gonna talk some Terminator and then, uh, you know, just occasionally I'll touch base with you. Just kind of go over, you know, some of my favorite scenes that you were in in the film. And, uh, you know, maybe you could do some quoting of the particular scene and all that good stuff. So does that sound like a good plan? Yes. Jeez, man, you don't have to yell at me. Stop shouting. I'm not deaf. Well, I have to admit, man, you're kind of uh, in a bad mood today. Yeah. Hopefully he's in a lot better mood than he was for the Terminator. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let me give him a call real quick here. Hey, Arnold. Hey, man, what's up, man? It's Masunas. Howdy, stranger. How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's good to hear from you again. And uh, I'm I'm very happy that you have uh, decided to join me again for Twins. I thought we had a lot of fun on the Terminator episode. A lot of the STL fans thought it was great that you came aboard as well on the Terminator episode, even though you were a little bit rude. Uh, but are you are you in a better mood this time, sir? I speak directly to the people. I swear I will not kill anyone. Well, that's great to hear, sir. I mean, if you don't want to kill anybody, you must obviously be in a better mood. So that's exciting for me as a host here. Wrong. What the hell were you thinking? What do you mean, what was I thinking? I just thought you were in a better mood, man. I thought it was going to be fun today, talking some twins. Because, you know, in this movie, you're definitely chilled out, laid back. You know, you're having a lot of fun. This is a This is a good comedy. And uh, it leads right into my favorite, which is, uh, you know, Kindergarten Cop, of course. Yes! Who is your daddy and what does he do? I'm Detective John Kimball. I'm a cop, you idiot! Stop whining! Yes, it's true. That That's the movie, Kindergarten Cop. Love it, man. Good stuff. But you had a lot of good uh, lines in this movie as well. I mean, who could forget the Yakety Yak song, which is flipping hilarious. You know, you're always... Uh, you're just always smiling. Then you get mad at one point. And you're like, for the first time in my life, I'm really... You know, it's just, oh, you got a lot of good stuff, sir. So we'll definitely get into that in just a little bit. So here's what I'm going to do, sir. Just kind of like last time, I'm going to go through the movie, you know, real quick. Uh, just kind of give the basic plot of the film. And then we'll talk about the good stuff, 
and uh, talk about the bad stuff because, you know, you have to admit, there's a little bit of bad stuff in here. Don't be ridiculous. Take it back. All right, all right. Well, let's just wait till I get there and then and then we'll discuss and, and uh, you know, go from there. So let's talk about some twins here for kindergarten cops. So uh, let me give them a call real quick here. Hey, Arnold, what's up, man? It's Masunas. How's it going, man? Good morning. How are you? You don't happen to have a cigar, do you? I don't have a cigar, man. I'm sorry. Uh, you're not having a bad day, are you? Don't be ridiculous. You idiot. Good, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I'm glad you're ripping on me, man. It's all good. That's the that's the way I like it, man, because you're so much funnier when you're always in such a, you know, kind of a bad mood. It's all good. But I am very excited today, though, because I think I think this is going to cheer you up, man, because do you have any idea what movie we're talking today? Yes. I'm Detective John Kimball. I'm a cop, you idiot. Stop whining. You lack discipline. Yep, that's right, man. We're finally talking kindergarten cop. Good times. I'm glad you're on board, sir. So uh, here's what we're going to do, just kind of like we've been doing, sir. Uh, I'm going to bring up the movie and talk about it a little bit. And then, uh, you know, you can go ahead and uh, do your little line delivery if you want for certain scenes because, you know, it sounds so much better when it's coming from you, of course. You used to be somebody I could trust. Because of you, a lot of people are dead. And now it's your turn. Oh, great. So now you're going to kill me now, right? <laughs> That's funny. Okay, good. I'm glad to see that uh, one of us hasn't lost his sense of humor. It is going excellent, Mike. I am super excited for this episode and a big year with STL. It's going to be good times, man. Good times. I'm super excited because this year, this is the 100th episode, sir. It's right around the corner, man. It's coming. Me and you are going to tear up that review, man. I'm crowded kid, sir gonna be awesome it's gonna be great i mean you uh you did a good job you know on flicks but you only had like 15 minutes to talk that movie so uh so we are going to talk the crap out of that movie it's gonna be a four hour episode it is a concept album they're working on so if you don't know what a concept album is go look it up online go find a dictionary all right a dictionary (laughs) all right it's all good in the hood brother very good. So I think that is it. We're going to call it a wrap for Rocky Four. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. And uh, I'm looking forward to next week, man, when we get together to talk Rocky Five and Six, man. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Good time. I'm excited. All right. Well, uh, you guys take care. As soon as I. Are you ready to roll into the music spotlight, sir? I am. All right, let's do it. Here comes the ready and not. Here comes the boys from the sound. Here comes the ready and not. How you like me now, I say. Here comes the boom, ready and not. Here comes the boys from the sound. Here comes the boom, ready and not. All right, sir, so the music spotlight. Uh, this is the big one, the big 100, and you know I had to really think what was the song that I wanted to pick. Now, as uh, pulling back the curtain for you guys, we actually did this part originally uh, the night of the recording, but we got back together because I had to change this song. It's uh, got to be Menudo. <laughs>
<laughs> oh man, good times. The reason why I wanted to change it is my original pick, I, I was happy with until the next day, until I really thought about it. I wanted to go with the song that was this podcast, this uh, the kind of the theme of my life as it's been, just a, a song that I just really resonate with. So number one, I got to go with the song that comes from my favorite band, which is Pillar. Number two, it's got to be a song that the STL Nation knows and loves, and that's for the love of the game. This song is a tune that if you listen to the Major League episode, it kind of started off, but a lot of the hardcore fans know this song, but this song is basically about the uh, for the love of the game, which is the game of life, uh, the game of faith, however you want to make your game. For me, the game is, you know, this podcast, my life, my faith, everything revolves around the game. And it's basically you're going to go through hurts and aches and pains, but you strive through it, you make it through. And it's just it's just an uplifting, bang your head, just anthem song. And I wanted to use this as the song to close out the 100th episode because this song revolves around basically my life and the podcast is a game and everything else. So that's the tune I wanted to pick, sir. I thought it would be the perfect song to close out the show for the 100th episode. So that's what I'm going with, sir. Excellent choice, man. I that, I love it. I love it. That's a great song and it's uh, it's very fitting. Good. Thank you, sir. I'm glad you approve and it's way better than the first song I picked because I know that from your attitude from the first time I told you. <laughs> You're like, what? You're going to pick that song? So nobody will ever know. Only Jameson knows That's the secret. Right. So uh, why don't you go ahead and pimp out your show, sir? What is your show name just in case people missed it and your email address in case anybody wants to listen to you, sir? Right, right. Um, yeah, I am at um, Movie Mojo Monthly is the name of my podcast, uh, Talking All Things Movies. Um, and uh, you can get a hold of us at moviemojomonthly at gmail.com or at Mojo Monthly on Twitter. And uh, we love new listeners, man. <laughs> we, we love contact from listeners. We love chatting back and forth and reading your emails on air. So check us out at Movie Mojo Monthly. And you love those iTunes reviews that you never we do. get. <laughs> man, I just pleaded for iTunes review today and I got one. Woohoo! And a boy. So excited. All right, sir. I think that's a wrap. I, I have no idea how long this episode actually is with the interview and everything like that, people. I know the first half we really were going scene by scene and the second half we kind of skimmed through. But, you know, I mean, what do you say after an interview like that, right? I don't know, Jameson. You got you got any food for thought, man? Because uh, I don't know, man. Man, it has been a lot of fun just just doing this hundred and and uh, just getting to be a part of the sweep the leg and the STL Nation and um, you know kind of looking back on a hundred episodes and I kind of picked you up in the middle a little there, um, but you know I uh, it's been cool going from being a listener and enjoying the STL to. Uh, being able to be part of it and how welcoming you and the whole STL Nation has been, um, you know, it's been it's been a lot of fun just watching this show grow, you know, from from, from the episode that you hate, which <laughs> you could delete, uh, up through Rocky Balboa, which I, I listened to, which I thought was, I mean, you know, I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I thought that was a really good episode. I, I agree, man. I was pretty impressed. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but um, it, it's really it's been a cool ride so far, man. And it's nowhere near the end, uh, as as evidenced by today. You know, it's only bigger and better things. 
You know, oh. who knows? We're going to be the next Billy Zabka project, I think. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, if I don't have enough motivation to do another 100 episodes, I mean, what else? When when you have Mr. William Zabka say he listened to, to your show and, and dug it and just gave me all his compliments, I mean, how do you not fall over and faint? Right. You know, but, you know, sir, I just want to say this, that, you know, uh, a lot of changes have happened in the show, you know, mics and and co-host and formulas and everything. But, you know, I got to say, man, you, sir, personally have become a true awesome friend. You know, I love you, man. I really do. You know, it's amazing how just like a year ago, you know, we just kind of started off and like just in such a short time, you know, you become one of my greatest friends I've ever had in my whole entire life. And it's just, it's so awesome to have you in my life. And, I'm I'm happy that you're the ghost co-host. I wouldn't want anybody else. So, mm. you know, it's cool that the STL Nation, you know, feels the same way that I do. And it's awesome that, you know, this show happened because I, I got to meet a lot of awesome people. But, you know, especially you, man, it's... Uh, I appreciate it, man. I don't know, it's, man. It's very nice. It's very cool. I mean, the STL Nation is, is fantastic and, uh, you know, all our buddies and the shows. But it's just crazy how... You know, this show is just metamorph. You know, just the fans have just totally, you know, I, I mean, the whole voting thing, it's just, I put everything in their hands. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm the director, but I'm one of those directors that kind of let the actors do what they want to do. And that's kind of how I feel with the fans. It's like, what do you want? You know, what do you dig? And they're, you know, they're like, we want more 80s stuff. We want more old school stuff. We want to go down more memory lane. And I'm just like, okay, I'm cool with it. And, the show just kind of took a life of itself, you know, and now I've accepted the fact of this will always kind of be just an old school gem kind of podcast with occasional brand new movies here and there. But it's main, you know, food, bread and butter is just to pick those fun, lovable movies and see if they're still as awesome today as they was back then. You know, I know some podcasts specialize in that, but, you know, me, I'm all about the movies and music, you know, just the kind of share my life week to week as life goes on, you know, so. Right, right. So, yeah, man, uh, that is, uh, that's it for the 100th, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I will be taking, you know, a break. I got my vacation this month, and I'm just going to take about a month off, and then when we come back in July, we'll hit those three STL episodes, start the, you know, Chick Flicks for Guys series, which uh, hopefully Jameson will be on for every single one of those. Uh, CCP will be back yes soon i don't know when uh i'm looking forward to whatever you deliver sir you know it's pretty cool that the stl nation kind of went over to to your side of things and yeah it's good times man i I really love your show man you and brian are awesome brian always has uh you know crazy things to say and you just you kind of hold back man you don't let loose sometimes i think you should man because brian just kind of instigates you he's like come on man you know you want to say it you know (laughs) i think i think you should let loose a little bit more man kind of really say what you're thinking you know don't Uh don't hold back man right yeah well yeah this last episode i just i let him go loose because he was crazy yeah he was fired (laughs) up man he was fired up that was it was a fun episode uh yeah i (laughs) it was fun to edit too that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) at times well man uh i think that's a wrap hopefully mr uh zapka listens to this and and digs what we had to say about his movie man i hope he goes back and listens to just one of the guys man because i know that movie we never we we just loved 
on him the whole movie, man. Even though he didn't like it too much, which is cool, because I was like, oh man, that's good. He didn't like it that much either, you know. That mm-hmm. that was real funny to hear, you know. Especially about the back to school trivia, you know. It's like really, there's more to that character that we didn't get to see, you know. It's pretty awesome. I agree. So. I think that'll be a wrap, guys. So thank you so much for joining the 100th episode. And uh, I hope we made this as epic as possible. And, uh, yeah, I will – I don't know, man. You you got anything to say for the nation before we sign off, sir? We'll see you at number 200, man. You're you're coming on? You're going to wait 100 episodes before you come back on? Yeah, that's it. I'm out, and then I'll see you in 200. (laughs) This This is how I'm announcing it. Go get a dictionary. Go get a dictionary. <laughs> and I'm never going to forget that, man. That's awesome. I love it. All right, guys. Well, uh, you guys take care. Enjoy the music spotlight. Again, thank you, Mr. Zapka and Mr. Cove, for uh, for doing that. You guys are beyond class acts. You guys are amazing. And uh, that's it, guys. That's a wrap. So you guys take care. Masoon aside. <laughs>